we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Andrew Velez, Joe Dales, and this is now episode 160. In this episode, we are going to preview the offseason for the AFC North yes, and sir. AFC South. Talk about the Kyler Murray situation, Calvin Ridley's year-long suspension, and react to Mike Zimmer calling out Kirk Cousins. A quick Patreon shout-out to Nicholas Rivera, Gentile Drew, Cade MVP, Mark, SP Vorzi Shot, Jordan, What YouTube, Evan, Dylan Rad, Joel is the GOAT, Mayo, Andre, Peter Swish, Daniel Braun, Biggie Boston Boy, Ben Riley, Mickey D. White, William Tyler, Ruthless Rootster, Sensei Stevie, S.A. Crimes, Kevin S., Eagle Dollar, Tizzy, Corey Lee, Get Funkoed, Dylan Buckner, Playboy Dom, Orlando Martinez, Big Chuck, Michael Jones, Greg, Cole, Liam Williams, T. Grow 17, Tua Sucks on Car. Ryan Barcelona, yeah. Epic Linkiness, Travis Ball, Aaron Moran, It's Black Ace, Anthony, BJ Davies, PJs, Langston Neal, Jazzy Juice, Johannes, Ruben, Dave McCorn, Rice Family, aka Muffins, John Pincevelli, Sean Triplett, Burner Hoops, Court Cousins, P. Dot, George Espen Garcia, Hakari Mateen, and Jay Aqua. Good old Jay Aqua. There Yo, we that go. was egregiously long today. Yeah. You want to know why? Why? It's because I said their last names as well. Interesting. So here's what I'm going to do because usually when I do, when I put the topics on the Google Docs to start mm-hmm. researching for the show, I have the intro all written down on the Google Docs. Okay. And I have all the Patreon names written down, their first names. And I was like, it started to take up so much space. It took up like a page on my Google Docs. So I'm like, okay, instead of doing that, I'm just going to log into Patreon.com and just look at everybody that's our Patreon and just go down the list so I don't have to have it on my Google Docs. Smart. So because of that, I... First was reading their last name. So probably I'll read the first name next time. But yeah, it was just the first name. But yeah, it was pretty long that time. Extremely. But my voice hung up. Yeah. Proud man. Didn't, didn't, have to, sure didn't want to have to run that back. Oh, God. No Heavens, way. no. You thought we were going to run it back? Did you no, not have faith in me? No. I, I, I always have faith in you. I mean, didn't we do it last time where we read it all? Like three times. 
Uh, every yeah. every once in a while, and it's usually not even a big deal. It's like, ah, let's start over. I'm like, yeah. damn. All right. <laughs> so actually, I fixed something that was a problem uh, on Patreon because I think we made the Discord public and then we made it private. Uh, my cousin, who's the moderator for the Discord, changed the link. So because of that, people who were subscribing on Patreon, they weren't able to access the Discord. So I had to individually send them the link to it. But I finally fixed that problem. So now if you subscribe Huge. on Patreon, you'll be able to get into the Discord like that. And this episode, look, I don't think it should be egregiously long because, you know, I, I know always we this. always say the that. episode's not going to be long. We always say that. And He's then a clown. We, we always say We're that. We're leaving here midnight. They have yeah. yeah, right now it's 8 p.m. We always say that and then it ends up being long. But. I, we have like weekly questions from our patrons that we haven't answered yet from like we February 14th. That. So you're saying that if we finish in a relatively short amount of time, we're answering questions today. Yes. Define relatively short. All right. If we finish all the topics with 2.30 left, I'm down to do it. All right. Okay. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I think we'll be able to do it. All I right. bet. Let's do I'm, it. I'm eight and two in my Madden League now in the Pick Aside League, by the way. Nice. <laughs> And you, you, want, you want to know what's you want to know what's funny? Okay, the pause to himself. This is this is a this is a segue, perfect segue. So people have started to leave because their teams have started to suck. That's some, pe- some some people are like one in seven, and they're like, yeah, I'm just leaving. So people have started to leave, started to leave. This past week, this past sim, I faced the Houston Texans in the league that had no user. Surge wanted to find a user and make me play him, but I can't risk losing a game like that. So I just played the CPU, but this was a stat game for me. So I needed to make sure Zach wasn't got his touchdowns. I traded for Tony Pollard, got to make sure he eats and all that stuff. I do just that. It took me seven tries, but I did just that. I ca- I, I ca- How long were you playing? Bro, just that one I, game. I'm be honest, like maybe four hours. Oh my God. You're bro, crazy. I had, look, bro, crazy. I kept throwing. This thing with Madden, bro, I would have finished like on my second try. It's just Madden would bullshit me. I don't know. And... Like, for example, I was having a two-touchdown day. It was a third quarter with Zach. I was perfect. Everything was going good. I run a play-action pass. I have Calvin Ridley on my team. Calvin Ridley's running wide open. I throw the ball to him. It's like a lob pass, you know? But nobody's around him. I possession catch with the Ridley. I press X. And this motherfucker bobbles it. And he goes up in the air, and it's intercepted. And I nearly threw my goddamn one on the floor because I'm like, bro, this is the biggest bullshit ever. Like, that's Madden for you, though, especially on all Madden. Cheese like that happens so much. And I'm like, bro, like, I I don't want to restart, but I got to restart. Players should not be dropping balls on a possession catch. That's inexcusable. Bro, it was it was ridiculous. That's why I restarted so many times, though, because I kept I kept throwing interceptions when. Do you play offense only if you play on the computer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. Because the with you. defense is impossible on all Madden. Somehow, some way, they're they're chilling in the pocket. They hit the wide open guy in the flat. They don't care. They'll take it ten out of ten times, and it's always open. So because I played my CPU game, and because Surge takes the uh, the league way too seriously as a commissioner, he <laughs> he wanted he wanted to suspend Calvin Ridley a game because of that. Yeah, and he made everybody in the league vote for a suspension, and they all voted yes. So wow. Calvin Ridley suspended for a game because of this bobble. Yeah, no, no, because I stat padded and played the computer. How does he even do that? He can't really enforce you, it. You just have to like. <laughs> yeah. It's like a I would word. have to follow Wait, the why, rule. Yeah. Why did he? How did he know? 
Because you told Cause him? He, no, because he can you can see, see how many, how many times you started. Them. Really? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Seven's egregious. So Calvin Ridley in the Madden pick a side league has been suspended for one game. But in real life, Calvin Ridley just got suspended for an entire season for gambling and betting on games. And this is going to be the first topic of the show. This breaking news, I mean, what are your thoughts on him getting suspended for the entire year on gambling? You hate to see it. Because gambling. <laughs> yeah, you hate to see it. Because we were talking, first of all, he missed all of last season with mental health issues, right? And that's something that is really the first time we saw any player in the NFL at least sit out an entire year, at least that I can remember, or maybe someone up to his caliber sit out because of because of mental health issues. Is audio good now? Just went it's out. Audio good. Okay. Um, so it was a bit of a unique situation, but we were all happy that, you know, it sounded like he was going to return. And even for the first couple episodes when we're going through all these team previews, all the teams that need a receiver, all of us are saying, oh, maybe go get Calvin Ridley. I know, you know, the Jets episode we did, that was both of ours. Number one option was go and get Calvin Ridley, a number one receiver, a great route runner. It's going to fit perfectly in LaFleur's offense. And then this comes out, this bombshell really out of nowhere that no one was expecting. And it's so another just such unique situation for Ridley's like, when's the last time you heard a player get suspended for gambling? You know, like we heard about, obviously, um, you know, in baseball, like the Black Sox days. And even I'm sure there's been time Pete since Rose. that Pete mm-hmm. Rose as well. But like the last time that this caliber of player gets suspended for a whole year. And I'm sure you're going to talk about your tweet as well. The NFL's stance and policies when it comes to suspending, suspending players is just ridiculous. You know, the fact that you could get away with any sort of domestic abuse, child abuse, drug cases, whatever it might be, and you're suspending three or four games, and Calvin Ridley, who gambles, and don't get me wrong, it's not right, he shouldn't be gambling on the games, it's clear as day, regardless of your plan or not, that you can't gamble, but even still, to suspend him an entire season, especially, I would imagine that football is probably somewhat of an outlet for him, for his mental health, you know, being able to just get in a routine every day, going to the gym, the field, whatever it might be, being around the guys for a whole year, like, that would, I, I don't want to speak for him, but to me, that seems like something that would be good for him an outlet to go out and do something rather than now he has to be he's not gonna be home but whatever it might be if he's sitting out in a whole nother season not being in the locker room with the guys for another year he's gonna be tempted to log into FanDuel <laughs> I hope not um <laughs> there, there were some ridiculous tweets out there but the, you know the NFL has for years ever since really that Ray Rice situation where he got suspended what two games and then they like upped it to like four or something that ridiculous video no, I think they once it came out I think that was really a wrap for him or whatever yeah yeah well he no, got I think kind that of was it what do you mean? Like he did not play a game after the the video. Like it signed again. Correct. Yeah, he was suspended by the NFL though, but he wasn't like suspended by the Ravens or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. He kind of just got blackballed from the league. Mm-hmm. Listen, as he should have. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing something like that. And even someone like Josh Gordon, who got suspended, that was horrible. That's for the years worst one. because of weed. That's um, the worst one. So you know, and I'm alcohol old, abuse. You got yeah for be sure. Um, but he's not going to spend it for alcohol abuse. He's got no, to spend it because sure. he failed 100%. drug test. Correct. So I hope Calvin Ridley, you know, he said he doesn't have a gambling problem. I, I don't imagine he has one, you know, especially being an NFL player. It's not like he could bet on all of these things. So and was that tweet real? That It was. He oh like he God. really like tweet. He sent out like three or four tweets just like talking about the situation. Um, and one of it was like, I just spent fifteen hundred dollars to him. That's it, pocket yeah. change. You know, it's like 20 bucks to us. Um, we don't have a gambling problem. So, you know, 2023, he'll come back. He's going to be 28, turning 29. He's gonna be a free agent the year after that, so it, it sucks to see because he's an amazing player. But he should be suspended, but not for the whole year. Definitely should be suspended. You can't be betting on games. It's unfortunate, but that's just the the reality of things. You can come in and you can negatively impact the game, and and you're only doing it for your benefit. I understand the logic of why you're you're not allowed to gamble, but you said it perfectly. There are situations where 
people should be suspended more or for a longer duration than they actually are suspended. But the one time where I feel like the league has gotten it right is that Deshaun Watson did not play last season. And they it's also true that they could not suspend him technically because there wasn't an actual felony charge to his name. However, there's no doubt in my mind that the league went to the Texans and said there's no way you're allowing him to step foot on this field until something's resolved. Whether that was the team decision, NFL decision, they must have mutually came together and understood that he cannot see the field this season. So that's the one of recent memory where I can at least say they got it right here. But all the events that you listed were perfectly correct. Ridley's being suspended longer or for a longer duration than Tyreek Hill, who had an incident and was not suspended. AP. AP's, well, AP actually missed the whole season. Well, I thought it was because it was Correct. The team, the team decided that he would not play, was, but he actually did miss that entire but, season. But yeah, I'm pretty sure the NFL was only going to spend him a couple games or something. I don't know about that. I don't know. I feel like similarly to Deshaun Watson, it's one of those guys where you just you can't put him in a position to be on a field, face this type of scrutiny, especially when you're an all-star caliber type player, superstar caliber type player like Adrian Peterson is, like Deshaun Watson is. But this one near and dear to my heart. Josh Gordon being suspended for two, three full seasons for marijuana abuse, alcohol abuse. Again, we have people that have been in domestic violence uh, altercations. You have people that have been in child abuse altercations, and they've gotten suspended for less time than this. Now, you have Calvin Ridley, who has bet on games, and yes, I agree, it is wrong. Should he be suspended for an entire season because of it? Absolutely not. I think he should be suspended. I do have my thoughts of the mental illness stepping into play with him also coming into this situation. But if he's if what he's saying is true that he only bet fifteen hundred, then I'm not really trying to piece too many puzzles together and him using this as an excuse or he did this and the team knew about it and so they're keeping they kept him out for longer than that. But he was already out before then. So there's nothing that you can look at and say he missed this time and the Falcons knew about this. That's irrelevant. I don't think that it's an issue. For, for him in, in terms of his actual addiction to it, I do believe that he should be suspended, but for the full season, absolutely not. Now, I think the most disappointing thing about this whole situation is I can't go to the Jets. <laughs> is that Calvin really is not going to be a New York Jet. That's tragic. I'm sorry, man. It breaks my heart because I had a good feeling he was the guy we were going to trade for. But now it's on to Amari Cooper, and now it's on to the situation. He's suspended for the entire year, and the NFL released a statement that the gambling on games was like over a five-day stretch in November when he was on non-football injury list to address his mental health uh, because he took a leave of absence for football near Halloween because a lot of stuff was going on with him. He said in his tweets, the summary of it, if you don't want to go and read it, was he bet $1,500, he doesn't have a gambling problem, and he knows he was wrong. Now, using the $1,500 mark or using that reasoning to justify him not having a gambling problem is not a good explanation, in my opinion, because it wasn't $1,500. It was $10,150,000. I mean, $10,1,500 because... The NFL, in its rule book, it says NFL personnel 
people that work for the NFL, NFL employees, NFL players, they can't bet on games. It, they can't do it. They can join fantasy leagues if it's like friendly fantasy for charity, but yeah. yeah, or for charity, but they can't, they can't get anything. They can't get a jackpot jackpot back of anything bigger than $250, which means that they can only play fantasy football for fun, for free. They can't join daily fantasy contests and they can't bet. This is a reckless decision by Calvin Ridley. It's as simple as that. No doubt. And while I do agree with the fact that the suspension may have been a little too long, like if we were to think of alternatives, maybe you cut his paycheck in half. Maybe instead of getting 10 mil, Atlanta just has to pay him 5 mil and he gets like a four-game suspension. I would be like, okay, that's more reasonable. I'm with that. And like, like you guys mentioned, there have been cases in the past where players have had domestic assault cases, domestic abuse cases, and they have gotten less games for something like this. But that doesn't change the fact that what Calvin Ridley did was wrong, and he knows he was wrong, and he had, he had admitted to it. I mean, for one, you're not even trying to defend yourself and just openly admitting, like, yeah, I bet it was 1500 not a big deal. I mean, I think it, it still is a big deal. You cost yourself $10 million, and the worst part is you cost yourself $10 million to bet on the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> They actually said it was that game against the Jaguars, though. Yeah, I, I get it, but you bet ten million. I mean, you bet a lot of money. You bet money on the Atlanta Falcons. To me, it, it, I don't even think he was trying to win at that point. It but, didn't even look like he was trying to win. He was just trying to lose. He had like seven game parlay or something crazy. The interesting thing about this, though, is that the NFL actually came out with a statement, and they said that Calvin Ridley, from what they found in their investigation, he did not have any insider information, which means that. He bet Fairly. like a fan. Correct. He bet like us. Because of that, I think the year-long suspension is wrong. He should have still got suspended. It should have been a harsh punishment. But this was the harshest punishment the NFL could think yes, of. Yes, for sure. But I do think players, personnel, employees of the NFL should not bet on games because it ruins the integrity of the game. In a, in a league where... Fans already question referees. In, in a league where after every big game, whichever side loses, there's a lot of conspiracy theories on both ends of rigging going on. The NFL can't have those accusations pile up with now saying, okay, players are free to bet on games. Because, I mean, believe it or not, these players are human too. And if they see a financial gain by not making a catch and, you know, betting on their under or betting on their over. I mean, it becomes a huge, gigantic problem. So I understand, and it, it sucks because he, you know, this is an unfortunate situation, but it's a reckless decision by him. Like, he should have never been betting in the first place. He said he wasn't even watching football at the time. Like, he, so he was basically just betting blind. He didn't watch football. He was kind of just doing his own thing. And the earliest he can re apply for reinstatement is, 2023 yeah. this time next year basically february 15th i mean he's not playing there's no way he's playing this season it was harsh and i think this is the first time that we've seen a player of his stature in the nfl get suspended for gambling in the last 20 years even though gambling has become more acceptable in the nfl world extremely players like it's acceptable for fans mm -hmm. not for nfl employees players and coaches and personnel I think you that's off limits for them. 
because they make enough money already. I mean, it's not like you have to really bet to like make more income. I get it. It's fun, but him betting willy nilly him just not even watching the games at all and just saying, you know what? I'm just going to put in a bet. It is so foolish to be honest with you. You could have at least given the money to your boy and done it discreetly. Yeah. The logic behind it. He bet on his own phone. I believe they said, I saw a tweet that said that his DraftKings account or FanDuel account's name was Calvin Ridley from the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> just like, how how dumb can you be, truthfully? The NFL actually partnered with Sportsbook to crack down on players betting and stuff. So they partnered with them so to keep track of that I just looked it up because of Adrian Peterson, who played no contest to it. He played week one. He was inactive to like week 12 yep. and then was only suspended the last six games. So it, the, it was kind of like the Deshaun, Deshaun situation where the Vikings said, we're not going to play you, but he's also not officially suspended mm-hmm. until it looks like week 12. Okay. I'm not sure some news. That was 2012, right? 14. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was the breaking news today. Well, let's get on to our regularly planned show, off-season previews. Let's go. We're going to start with the AFC North and... We're going to start with the team that lost to the Rams in the Super Bowl. Just heartbreaking. Should have won the game, nope. but they didn't. Regardless, we're going to get into it right now. Off-season preview for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I, in my opinion, I think it's just all about getting offensive line help no for Joe Burrow. No doubt. They just franchise tag Jesse Bates. I'm sure they're going to work out a long-term extension for him. At least I think they should, but... Joel, in your opinion, how do you see this offseason playing out for the Cincinnati Bengals? What moves do you want them to make? When you go to the Super Bowl, especially guys on your team, they're going to want to bag, right? So I think Jesse Bates, who we agreed had an up and down regular season, played really well in the playoffs. He's going to get paid like one of the highest paid safeties in the league. And you have to, you know, he's only 25 years old. He's still in his prime, maybe not even reached his prime yet. They have a lot of pretty big free agents, though. Quinn Spain. Uh, Jesse Bates, Shizay Uzama, Riley Reeve, Okunjobi, BJ Hill, your boy Auden Tate. They do have mm-hmm. some money, about 50 mil, and that's not even that's without even like making any cuts or restructures. So they're gonna have the money to bring their guys back. But I agree, you know, O line is gonna be their number one need. It was their number one need going into last offseason, and it was really the talk of the draft, what they're gonna do with, you know, Sewell or Chase going at five. I think we all agree they made the right choice, but the offensive line issue still persists. And it's impressive that they even made it this far with such a poor offensive line. It's really the first time. And I couldn't remember how long having such a bad offensive line and still being able to get through and make the Super Bowl, even though their first couple of games against the Raiders and Titans, maybe not the best of teams, but hey, they went and beat the Chiefs. So all the credit to them. But it has to start offensive line. Really not a shock to anybody. Um, you know, it went from really it went from terrible in 2020. It improved slightly in 2021, but still their number one need for sure. Uh, Jonah Williams is probably the only player on this offensive line that's going to be guaranteed to start in spot next season. And since a lot of their stars are selling rookie deals like the Joe Burrows, Jamar, Jamar Chase's, T. Higgins, they have the money to spend up on offensive line. They do. Have they have line. the money to go and, and sign Teron Armstead. Like our guy uh, Mike Sands all over Twitter want, wants him desperately. Um, or a, a Brandon Schreff, uh, Brandon Scherf, Ryan Jensen, Cam Robinson, who potentially could hit the market as well. And all of these guys would improve their their line tremendously. You know, they went, like I mentioned, they were one of the five probably worst offensive lines last year, according to PFF. So they have a ton of work to do. Number That should be their number one priority. They do have a couple of other needs. I think corner is a need for them as well. They have a Wouzier who's going to be there. But Eli Apple's a free agent who... 
isn't the most popular player amongst the league or on the field as well. Had a bit of a down year. No way. Um, Mike Hilton played pretty well. It's primarily a, a slot corner though, mm-hmm. so that's probably if they do bring him back. Or I don't. He's not a free agent actually. Um, but they're gonna need a you know a boundary corner to play opposite of a Wuzier. Um, Mike Hilton. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was probably like two weeks ago at this point. But he tweeted something. Um, I wish I had the tweet up. But he tweeted at J.C. Jackson basically saying, like, I know a spot where you'll be appreciated. You know, basically saying, like, come over and play with us. So if they were somehow able to bring J.C. over and really get that number one corner ball-hawking guy, they have the money to do it, and you pair him up with Jesse Bates, you know, you're going to have a really – a secondary that's going to be able to go and get some get some turnovers. Um, then the last spot I want to talk on to is just tight end a little bit. You know, C.J. Uzama has played well for them. over the, He's been on their team really the whole year, his whole career. I was surprised when I looked it up. I thought he was more of a journeyman, but he's really been on their team for like six years. He just mm-hmm. hasn't really produced much. You know, he has he's been either, you know, blocked on the depth chart or hasn't been used really till this season in the receiving too. game injuries as well. So I think that's another interesting area. I know Gronk has been rumored to want to play with Joe Burrow. If they're able to really? yeah, if they're able to upgrade the tight end position, obviously Brady retired. If he wants to go and pursue another championship, tight end's a spot where they could upgrade because we know how great the receivers are, how great Joe Mixon has been. So I think upgrading from CJ Uzama could just be another, you know, another area they could attack the middle of the field from. One thing I'll say is only reason I wouldn't go be so admin on going to get JC Jackson is because I see the needs on the offensive line and I would rather spend the top dollar on fixing the offensive line than adding a piece to this secondary that already had produced at a decent level for us last season. You're hundred percent right. They could use a little bit of death, but I think that through this draft, you could find, you can use a late round pick a, a second, a third on a, on a cornerback and, and maybe you can hit, you can take a shot in the dark there and it hits. That's just sometimes how skill positions work. Ultimately, though, J.C. Jackson's price tag is not one that I would pay as opposed to Teron Armstead or a Brandon Sheriff or a Lincoln Thompson, just to throw another name out there that's not one of the top-notch names out there, even though he's definitely still someone who most teams are going to be targeting. Ultimately, the Bengals don't have many needs, in my opinion. You have corner that, yes, you could address, but outside of offensive line, there's nothing that the Bengals should be looking at and thinking, yeah, we really could upgrade. Tight end, you mentioned, I think Uzama fills in the role perfectly fine. Uh, Gronk would be intriguing, obviously, for name value alone, on top of the fact that he is a great blocker, and you bring that type of force to this offense that's already one of the more high-powered in terms of weapons in the NFL. You add Gronk to that mix, they're even better than they already were. I like the Gronk idea because of the blocking. They need blocking to protect Joe Burrow. You can't have him continuously scrambling outside of the pocket the way that he did this season. He's going to get hurt like he did in his rookie season. And I don't mean, I don't want to put that out there. God forbid, you'd hate to see a player of his caliber injured again. You see that he has the capabilities to do it, but you don't want Joe Burrow scrambling outside the pocket almost every single play trying to make things happen. He can do it, but you don't want to see it happen because you're putting him in harm's way. You'd rather put him in a situation where, similar to Justin Herbert, where last year he was basically doing what Joe Burrow did. But this, this excuse me, the past offseason, Chargers really came in and they really honed in on making sure that we were protecting Justin Herbert. And it showed this season. It showed this past season, excuse me. Now you're going to do a similar, or the Bengals should at least try and, and mirror what the Chargers did this past offseason to protect Joe Burrow. You see what Joe Burrow can do when he reaches his ceiling. Take this team to the Super Bowl. The needs, 100% needs to be focused on offensive line, and I'm not even thinking anything else. I think offensive line is the biggest need, but they do have holes. I do think they need a boundary corner. Like I like Awuzie a lot, but they need somebody else. Eli Apple is just not going to cut it. 
primarily, I think he played pretty good in the Super Bowl, even though the biggest plays of the games were on him. Those were perfect routes, perfect passes. Execution, for sure. Yeah, the execution was just there. Matt Stafford was just too good, you'd say, probably. I think, you know, OBJ, Cup, yeah, those guys are really good. OBJ um, was not even playing in the second half. But he had a big-ass catch, though. That was a perfect pass, I would agree. It, I mean, he, you know. It was a perfect it, pass. Oh, my God. It was, was a little bit of both, but I like. I think I'd give more credit to the receiver, but neither here or there. Okay. Um, I think he got some cheap corners, though. I understand what you're saying. Defensive like, tackle, BJ Hill's a free agent. Larry Ogunjobi's a free agent. So the, the interior of their defensive line is going to get torn apart if they don't bring one of these guys back. Now, between the two, B.J. Hill's more the run stopper. Ogunjobi is the better pass rusher. Really, it's a pick your poison kind of thing. I like B.J. Hill more. He was more durable. Ogunjobi got hurt in the playoffs. But, I mean, you you lasted the entire season pretty much and got hurt in the playoffs. Larry Ogunjobi does have some motor issues here and there, though he doesn't try his hardest on every single snap. So it's really a pick your poison thing. They have $57.8 million in cap space projected to have because they're going to cut Trey Wayne. Trey Wayne's they can save $10 million on mm-hmm. the cap if they cut him. They're probably cutting him. And for everybody out there saying the Bengals are a cheap team, oh, the Bengals don't spend big in free agency. Maybe in the past, yes. But in the last two seasons, they've spent big. In 2020, they went and got DJ Reader, who has been a, a the foundation for the interior of their defensive line. And I misspoke before. G.J. Reader's still there, so they'll have an interior defensive lineman. But B.J. Hill and Ogunjobi were huge additions this past offseason. And then you look at this past offseason, they went and got a Trey Hendrickson, who had the most sacks, who was tied, or at least mm-hmm. for the most sacks, in 2020. So the Bengals the past two years have been spending big in free agency, and I think they're going to spend big this offseason because they see the team they have, they see Joe Burrow, and they're like, this guy... Can be the best quarterback in the NFL. You know, I think it's very possible. Maybe he's not the most physically imposing. He's not a Josh Allen or Mahomes or Herbert uh, physicality-wise. But when you talk about just his approach to the game, reading defenses, he has the entire package. Physicality in what sense? Because I feel as if... Arm strength. Okay, fair. Running mobility. That's where I kind of disagree. I feel like his mobility is is very good. He He doesn't have Allen mobility, though. Yeah, of course. No. But no, you're saying no like on their, like, I mean, Josh Allen's a one of one, literally. That. Correct. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And him and Herbert, I'll be honest, it's pretty close. And Herbert's more mobile than Burrow, though. It's closer than it's the cl- gap yeah, between correct. him and Allen. Correct. Yeah. Correct. This offseason, like you said, it's all about offensive linemen. And I think the number one player they should be targeting is Ryan Jensen from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has been one of the better centers in the NFL for the last couple of years. I think the center position, we talk a lot about tackles because it protects the quarterback's blind side. But the center is the most, arguably the most important position on the offensive line. Second most important. Because you have direct communication with the quarterback. They're the ones that are reading the protections. They're the ones that are reading the defense and communicating with the quarterback directly. And it, it, it's basically the nucleus of the offensive line. I think Ryan Jensen is the number one priority. They should absolutely 100% bring back Quentin Spain. I mean, when they got him, when he was released from Buffalo, and they signed him for cheap, he, he's been a breath of fresh air because he's been somebody who has been consistent and reliable 
at the guard position. Trey Hopkins, I'm not sure if he's going to be a cap casualty or if he gets moved to guard, but I wouldn't be opposed to either. But there's a lot of options. You know, Lakin Thompson, Connor Williams, Austin Corbett uh, at tackle. Everybody talks about Teron Armstead. That would be huge. But I think even getting a guy like Morgan Moses would be an upgrade to their offensive line. And I'd also get a cornerback. I feel like the Bengals can convince one of these veteran corners that are still great, that are still good, to come to Cincinnati and play. What I rule out is Stephon Gilmore in Cincinnati. I don't know. I, I wouldn't rule it out. I think maybe he's looking at Cincinnati like they can make a run. Mm-hmm. Carl Davis, he, he is, to me, the most under-the-radar corner in this free agency class. I think Carlton Davis is going to be a great signing for any team that signs him. My hypothetical offseason for them... I'm going all in. Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Higgins, Boyd. I'm keeping Uzama. But you guys mentioning Gronk to Cincinnati, I think that would be great. I mean, it would it would give them a blocker on the to chip, correct? Edge rushers, and he's all, we saw what he did in Tampa. He like, still got it when he had oh, no. he had more than he still got it when he wasn't asked to chip in that playoff game versus the Rams, and he was able to run routes, he was doing damage. And had he been able to do more of that, the Bucks probably win that game. But the defensive line was just getting this to Tom Brady all day. Hey, what do you this mean? Give it, give it a what rest. Do you give it a rest. No. Your agendas, they make me sick. An offensive line, this is my dream offensive line for them. Teron Armstead at left tackle. Quentin Spain, left guard. Trey Hopkins, keep him at center. I know I said Ryan Jensen, but Trey Hopkins, because it's either Jensen or Armstead. I understand. Austin Corbett at right guard, and I'm moving Jonah Williams to right tackle, and he's the right tackle. Mm-hmm. I think that would be an average offensive line. It's going to rank top 17 at least. It won't be the 20. It won't be a bottom 25 offensive line. Yeah. It won't be one of the best, but it'll be an average one. And I think given the weapons they enough. have, they'll be able to do it. And, and in terms of defense, Hendrickson, Reader, I'm keeping Hill. Hubbard's still there. Logan Wilson, really great in coverage. Jermaine Pratt, Akeem Davis-Gaither. Carl Davis, Wuze, Hilton, Bates, Von Bell. They don't have to make much change. It's going to be the same thing. I, I just think adding one more corner and the Bengals will be fine. Now, question. Are you assuming that the Bengals just go O-linemen in the draft, which is why they only bring in one in free agency? No, I, I don't think they go O-linemen in the draft. They could also go corner at 30, 31. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. If I'm them, I would... It's probably I, corn, like someone like more Trent likely could to be get there. a solid corner in that back end of the first. I feel like for the Bengals, having a roster that's ready to win now, you got to go and just sign the players that you know what you're going to get from them. Correct. The draft for me, if they want to draft an offensive lineman, he's BPA, best player available, go do it. But I think it should be more for defense Mm -hmm. or even drafting a receiver. You know, because Tyler Boyd's contract is coming up. Mm -hmm. Auden Tate's a free agent. Yeah. He is. So with all these, you know, with all this stuff coming up, With all these contracts coming up, Tyler Boyd might be the guy who they might have to let go. Yeah. I mean, if it's between T. Higgins, Jamar, and Boyd, they're letting go of Boyd. They're still a couple years away from paying T and four years away from paying T. That's for sure. But I think just drafting a receiver just to have that assurance for Tyler Boyd, I think could be good for them. That could be a day two pick for them for sure. I think in the draft, yeah, at 31, it makes. So you're telling me if, like, uh, if a receiver. John Dotson. Like Jameson Williams is there. I mean, close your eyes and you do that. Yeah. I don't think Jameson Williams. I mean, he might be there at 31. Who knows? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so, he will but be. 
like a Jahan Dotson too, though. That's someone who's more realistic. Sky Moore would probably be someone who could be there as well. But I think at 31, it's got to be corner. I feel like the corner class is really deep. The offensive line class is really Trent deep. McDuffie. Yeah, McDuffie from Washington, I believe. Well, honestly, the interior, I'm the offensive line and defensive line of this class is really deep. So they could get a starter with whichever way they go there. Um, you know, some a couple guys from Georgia who put on insane combines, possibly. Um, but I think yeah, thirty one, and then day two you could address. I don't know if they're gonna go receiver. They just spent back to back years chase at five, T Higgins at thirty three. So I don't know if they're gonna spend another day two pick on a receiver, especially since it's the furthest thing from a need for them. They have three really good receivers. Um, but it's interesting because your boy Auden Tate's a free agent, so they're gonna have to replace him. So I yeah, I hope he gets an opportunity. Bengals fans know Auden Tate can show out yeah. and show up. That's that. That's a bad man. You bad respect man. him. I do respect him. Auden Tate this season, You're two receptions. <laughs> Opportunity, Opportunity. Not there. and he was injured. Jordan Palmer talked about it. Yep, got to be prepared. But he and had he, to be. When, was he? When he's prepared for his opportunity, how many games he's did he prepared play for in? his opportunity? God, <laughs> making Pull up it, his pro football. No, in, in all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, I know what you're talking about. Earlier, when you when you talked about Gronk. Rob Gronkowski has came out and he said the only other quarterback I would play for is Joe Burrow. That's cool. They have to make that happen. If the Bengals can get Rob, you have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Rob Gronkowski, Good luck. Joe Mixon. Good luck. Things That's get an unstoppable offense. And they're unstoppable now. Obviously, everyone looks at Gronkowski and his amazing receiving numbers, his amazing receiving attributes. You can't forget about his blocking. Yeah. He's the greatest tight end ever. For not only is he one of the best receiving options there is, but he's also the greatest blocking tight end to ever exist. He's just and was six seven two sixty. And I apologize to Auden Tate. He had three receptions this year for thirty nine yards. That's good and a touchdown. Oh, okay. Yeah. All he the, got in all the end the same zone. Game? <laughs> I don't think so. Actually, bro, three receptions, he thirty nine yards, that's thirteen yards a reception. Yeah, that's firm. He was hurt a lot of the year, I know. And his his long was eighteen yards. Yeah, I saw that play. Explosiveness, you would say. That was a great play. All right, all in three different games. Uh, he had four targets this season. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a solid receiver, man. Solid? He's a good depth place. He's, he could be your wide receiver five. Bro, he can be a wide receiver two. Give Oof. him the opportunity. He could be better than T. Higgins? Maybe in Detroit. No. Maybe in Detroit. I would love that for he's him. He's not man. better than Amon Ra. No, oh my god, no uh, way. They're two different styles of receivers. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Jalen Waddle and Corey Davis are two different receivers. Waddle is clearly better. Okay, but you give you give Auden an That's opportunity nice. and watch what happens. Body. Yeah, come on. You know, when when he goes on when he signs with a team that I feel like in the offseason like, wow, that was great. Watch you guys change your tone no, when he I, shows I up. I think Auden could be a nice piece. We could get twenty to thirty catches. I think he's all right, sure, but I'm sorry. Easy as a guy. I'm sorry. More, you know what I'm saying? Like, you guys disrespectful. <laughs> no, man, no. You guys are disrespectful. You know why. <laughs> this <laughs> is my fault. I brought up Auden Tate being a free You guys agent. are disrespectful, man. Oh, I don't like man. this tone. So, Listen, man, I'm like sorry. This. You guys, real quick before we move on, do you think there will be any Super Bowl hangover from the Bengals? Or do you think I business think, as usual, they're going to go ahead and win the division? I don't know if you feel similarly, but I feel like personally, they're in a different mindset as an organization. Joe Burrow now has come in. He's tried to instill a different culture. And sure. I do believe that it is going to be the exact same way next season. They're going to come into this season even hungrier than they were this year because there was not a quarter of the expectation of what they ended up doing this season. So the fact that they actually felt a, a, a taste of success and just came up a little bit short, 
They're going to want to come in this, this next season. They're going to want to be even better than they were in 2022, and they're going to want to try and win a Super Bowl. I have to see how the offseason plays out to see what teams make moves. But based on these offseason previews and looking at the other AFC North teams, the Bengals are in the best position. And the Bengals are in the best position to win the division next season. For sure. Without a doubt. Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the division. Because of that, I think they have a big, they have a great shot at winning the division. You always have a chance to feel like that. I've, we said it like two weeks ago. I'm going to let him have his moment. He just went to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to knock Burrow. But you, you guys know where I stand on who is the so best quarterback that in that man. division. You I think do. He's Baker. That's why I can't I, side I with you. I think he's Baker. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I'm sorry. I already fell off that Lamar is better than him. Wave. That's cool. That's all right. I'll be on the right side of history. Cool with me. He's staying firm. He's staying firm. I like it. How how couldn't I? I don't. I'm with you. I get it. Steelers offseason up next. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the fact that they were 9-8 and eight last season is a miracle. Credit to Tomlin. Mike Great. Tomlin yeah. did an amazing job. You look at the defense, it fell off. The weapons, Juju got hurt. Claypool, inconsistent. Big Ben, one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL last year. Offensive line, not very good. So a nine and eight team with free agents of Joe Hayden, Juju, Ebron, Akella Witherspoon, Trey Turner, Terrell Edmonds, Dwayne Haskins, even though he's a restricted free agent, and J.C. Hassenauer. I hope I said it right. Now, I'll just go first on this one, and I think that their linebacking linebacker play has to be better. Devin Devin Bush was not good. Joe Schobert was not good. I think to create some cap flexibility. They can cut Joe Schober and save $8 million. Zach Banner, also an offensive lineman that they have, they can save $4 million by cutting him as well. That would make their cap space $31.2 million. And the needs they have, right tackle, both tackle positions, linebacker is a need, cornerback is a need, safety is a need, and of course, quarterback, the most important position in football, is the, is a need. So let's talk about quarterbacks first. You guys know I feel like they might be heavy players in the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes. As they should. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't be a bad option for the Steelers. But there's also others. Mitch Trubisky, even though he's linked to the Giants. Jameis Winston is out there, but he might go back to the Saints. And you know how I feel about James. I think Jameis is the best one out of all these guys, out of all these available. But they also have... James is number one. He's the number one quarterback in this free agency, no doubt. Mm-hmm. There's another one, though. Real quick, over Jimmy G and Wentz? No, I was going to yes. say, and, and Mitch, your boy Mitch. Yes. All right, all right. Respect James, man. Y'all are... I'm y'all just wondering. I think he's you're in the Mitch, same tier as these guys. Biggest okay. fan. Now, on to... I want to mention this last quarterback because I think he is going to be the starting quarterback for the Steelers. It's not going to be Jimmy G. It's going to be Teddy Bridgewater. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to start for the Steelers next season. I don't hate that. And it's not Steelers I, I, fans probably. Hate and that. I have no, I have no information on this. This is just a gut feeling thing. Um, I think that uh, just my conspiracy theorist brain is, you know, going on here. Brian Flores is like, let's fight for you know minority coaches and stuff. And they look at Teddy Bridgewater, who has been a consistent quarterback everywhere he's been. And might not get the fairest shake. I mean, with Denver, he wasn't bad, even though Broncos fans blame him for not winning I enough. I don't. You know? But just with I, I think, got, yeah, the I concussion, think, that was I like, think Teddy Bridgewater, they give a they give him a chance. And I also think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Like, I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Teddy Bridgewater are in the same tier. People will probably prefer Jimmy G because of winner, because of the winner thing. But if you look at it, like, Teddy B is just as, he's safer with the ball. He can use his legs. I just think he's a more, he's a safer quarterback. And for the Steelers, I think for the next couple of years, their identity has to be built off of defense like it once was. And Teddy Bridgewater, somebody who's not going to make mistakes, is the perfect quarterback to let your defense win games and you just manage it. I do think they'll draft Malik Willis, and I think that would be a great pick. Have him learn under Teddy B. That would be amazing. That would be awesome. I think he'd last so long. Where were they picking, 19? 20. 20? Yeah. He, they might have to trade up. You think so? Yeah, yeah. to get Malik. He's gonna be, I think he's going to be the first quarterback taken. Because you really? got to think commanders yeah. at 11 are going to be in play. Interesting. You don't think Pickett's the first QB off? Mm, maybe. It's between him and Malik. Right now, I was looking at the odds. Like They're close. I think Malik was like minus 140, and Pickett was like plus 150. I feel like if I'm the Steelers, it's not worth it to move up. I feel like I would rather take my chances, stay where I am. If the board falls the way it falls, I get a QB either way. The Jets are in good position at 10. If the team wants to go, jump the commanders. Malik Willis is a guy you can't pass up on. He's, he's a can't-miss guy? Yes. Okay. If you're you, if he you're, has a if, big arm for sure. He if definitely you're drafting has him great. as a developmental quarterback, you can't miss on yeah. him. You have to sit. You have to realize that you're going to sit him for at least a season at the, the bare ta- minimum. The talent gap between Malik Malik Willis and everybody, every other quarterback in this draft class, is humongous. It's enormous. It's gigantic. It's big. All right. Because of <laughs> because of it's that, I feel like size. Malik Willis. I, it's earthly because of that I think Malik Willis he's easily going to be the first quarterback taken I think he will be too his arm is ridiculously strong did you see that highlight they were putting up I forgot who tweeted out he threw the ball like he overthrew the receiver by like 10 him. yards mm-hmm. but they're like oh my god Malik Willis's arm I'm like it's incomplete come on it's just no. a pro day I mean it's just a draft combo. I know but still like why are we putting that highlight no, out you can't, but I'm saying you I can't praise an overthrow. we all know yeah. quarterback is the biggest need but outside of that tackle I think Eric Fisher Cam Robinson Riley Reef, Mike Remmers Bobby Massey just some names, corner, Verrett, Kevin King, Dante Jackson, Des- Desmond King, linebacker, Dante Hightower could be a guy. I mean, I think he... Van Noy. Yeah, was just Van released. Noy. Brian, Brian Flores is a linebacker's yep. coach for the Steelers. Hightower could be somebody that goes. Van Noy, I feel like he's past who he once was at this point, but Hightower is somebody who... And Van Noy and, and Flores also had issues, so That's I don't true. know if they... That is true. That so Hightower can be one of those guys that bring stability to the defense is the leader kind of like what CJ Mosey was to the Jets. You know, he didn't grade out the best, but we knew his impact was great. And then on defense, just TJ Watt could be there. I mean, Oh yeah. This now my hypothetical team for the Steelers. So Teddy B Najee, Deontay Johnson, Claypool. I think they bring back Juju. Really? Ebron walks. Juju's a big question mark. I think they should bring him back. Freyer moves. Starts next year. Cam Robinson, Kevin Dotson, Hassenauer, uh, Bobby Massey. And then on defense, TJ Watt, Steven Tewitt is back from injury, Tyson Aluwalu, Cam Hayward, Devin Bush, uh, Dante Hightower. They should sign Dante Jackson to be their corner. I think that would be a great signing. Take a flyer on Jason Verrett, who we know when he plays, he's a very good corner. Cameron Sunday still have him. And Fitzpatrick, Edmonds, bring him back. Think that Joe Hayden walk? I think they let Joe Hayden walk. Yeah. I feel like they, he played pretty well for them. He did play well, but it's going to be an expensive price tag. Yeah. Understandably, he's been playing very well. Um, 
reason I don't think they bring back Juju is because they're the team for wide receiver development. You have Deontay Johnson who's come in and, and taken that leap into that next level of top 12, top 15 wide receivers in the NFL. You have Mapletron who has high upside. I do think that I, I like his game. I, I like his skill set. I think that he's a solid wide receiver two option. If I'm the if I'm the excuse me, if I am the Pittsburgh Steelers and I know my history, day two is going to be a day that I look at to draft a wide receiver. You have guys like Sky Moore, like Joel, Joel mentioned a little bit earlier. Pickens could be there, uh, ran a four four seven, and and Dotson potentially could be there on day two. It's not an absolute sandstone thing where I look at Juju who is going to want his money. He he did he missed a good portion of the season last year due to injury, but. I don't think that it's one of those situations with the Steelers that that's a, a priority for me, especially knowing the history of the Steelers. And James Washington's also a free agent. He wanted to be traded early facts, in the season. Facts. He's a free agent too, so you know he's someone who's probably going to walk. I don't think he's going to want to come back. No, and and I think James Washington goes to a different situation. I think that he actually would be an impact player for someone. I think he has that that those physical attributes to be a solid wide receiver option. Yeah, I think he's. I don't know if he's anything more than like wide receiver. Wide receiver, mm, okay. You think he's a two? I think he could be a two. I think he really does have the physical attributes to do that, and his hands are, are very solid. Yeah, he just—it's hard in Pittsburgh because you had to. You, you have, have Deontay, to beat out Juju. You have Claypool. Yeah. You have Juju. He dealt with injuries basically all season. Yeah, the the Pittsburgh Steelers—they have a ton of needs. You know, you mentioned a few of them, um, but it's going to be hard to really address all of them. Where you're going to have to t- pay Teddy Bridgewater, even though. You know, he's not the best quarterback. Quarterbacks are still going to get paid crazy. Like, he's going to get $20 million at the minimum, I'm guessing. You, you know, think even, so? You think he can't? They, I don't know. Maybe 15 to $20 million, yeah, that's, that's, that's a price point, I guess. What do you think Wentz is going to get? Probably around the same ballpark, 15 to 20 I think Wentz will get a little bit more, So, which is why I think But Wentz is right now is gearing towards getting traded. Correct. Also, more yeah. so than, ah, true, true. More so than I thought he was going to get cut. They can do both, but they'd save money either way. They probably would rather trade him to get something back. But that's the thing. If I'm a team and I know that they're thinking about cutting him regardless, why would I trade for him? I'd wait till you cut him. Because then you don't have to fight with anyone to get him. He's just on your team. That's you do true. have to give up a yeah. second or third round pick to get him. But would you want to do that as a team? If you're Denver, depending if you need if you want the if you want the quarterback, yeah, you go get him. On the Panthers, that's interesting. But go ahead. Is, yeah, I mean, just give Panthers. A, they just gave mm-hmm. a second for Darnold. They want to try a second for one still. True, true. Listen, they have to. I mean, he, they're another team that, even though they're picking inside the top ten, could go for a quarterback. But back to the Steelers. Thanks. Quarterback is going to take a, a decent portion of this cap space away, right? With some cuts, they could be upwards of thirty mil, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more. But even still, you're probably getting half of that cut away just by signing a quarterback, even if it is a Teddy Bridgewater or someone cheaper. Mitch isn't going to command fifteen million. But if he's going in expected to compete for the job, like you got to think he's probably going to get like one year, $10 million, something like that. If he has the potential to start or maybe the contract is worth, you know, something up to that. And I was a bit surprised you called Big Ben, you know, one of the worst quarterbacks. I felt like I said that earlier in the season. And I, when we were talking, I think when Joey was on the show, it was I mentioned me. I defended him. Or was it you? Yeah, it was me. I mentioned how bad Big Ben had been the last year and a half. I apologize, bro. I, I remembered incorrectly. No, I feel like we were on the same page in the sense of. No, I just said respect his resume. I yeah. I don't I do. care about what he's done recently. I do. I know. But when you're looking at this team and as a Steelers fan, because Steelers fans, they could blur their vision could be blurred by just how great just Big Ben was because he was, you know, he's a franchise guy. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, their best quarterback ever. So I understand why people are going to be, you know, Steelers fans especially aren't going to want to say he's washed, but he was been washed the last year and a half. 
Last year, he had the lowest yards per completion in the NFL. We saw that a ton when you have explosive receivers like Deontay and Claypool. You can't move the ball down the field. 25th in QBR. He had the sixth most attempts in the league. He didn't even have 4,000 yards. He had 22 touchdowns. So I think without a doubt, even if you do get a Teddy Bridgewater, he's going to be better than Big Ben. Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Big Ben. You know, it's just at this point of his career, approaching 40 years old, you just have to call it how it is. You know, he's been a bottom five quarterback the last year and a half. So I think Steelers fans, while it's sad to see Big Ben go, you should also be excited because you are upgrading at the position while still giving him his good, you know, his goodbye. He said goodbye to everyone at Heinz Field. He got in the playoffs his last season. So it was a win-win, really. But the Steelers offense is ready to win now. They have the pieces weapon-wise. They do need to upgrade the offensive line, but they have the running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers. And we just saw this Bengals team with a battle line go to the Super Bowl. So even though all of football the last 100 years has said you need an O-line to win, the Bengals have kind of proven as long as you have the guys, and more importantly, if you have the quarterback, which the Steelers don't do, you can still at least be competitive. And the Steelers were with a, a bottom uh, offense, offensive line and bottom quarterback. Um, but offensive line was another position you guys mentioned. You know, they passed on a couple guys in the first round in favor of Najee. Najee had a solid season as a running back, but I think that's a much more replaceable position rather than getting a guard, center, or tackle. I was personally in the, in favor of going offensive line in the first round. They want Najee, who I can't be upset about. You know, he's going to be on that team for the next five years. He's going to be a top 10 running back for the next five years. He has pass catching ability. He could also give him the ball 25 times a game. So I'm not terribly upset, even though I would go another way. Trey Turner was probably their best offensive lineman this past year. He is set to be a free agent. I think that should be one of their top priorities to bring him back. because already extremely um, you know, weak at that position as is. And I don't see them spending up on any of the top free agents. Like we mentioned, they don't have a ton of cap room. And it doesn't really feel like the Steelers to go and give a huge contract to a Toronto Armstead or something like that. But at pick 20, if they don't go for a quarterback, that could be in you know that interior offensive line range like a Linderbaum or someone. You know They could go and really upgrade the line. Unless they want to go with the tackle, I don't know if Charles Cross is going to be there that late. He's been getting some top 10 buzz. Um, but even if they want to upgrade the the tackle position as well, maybe that could go. Um, a couple positions on defense. Let's go quickly. I think corner is a, is a need for them. You mentioned inside linebacker. You mentioned as well as well as interior defensive line. You know they were the worst rushing defense in the league last year. Part of that had to do with to it being out the whole season. So I think that's one other area as well. Because outside of Casey Hayward, they didn't really have much. To it's going to be you know he's going to be a nice additional piece, but he's also coming off a significant knee injury. I want to say he's in his late 20s, so I don't know if you could expect him to come back and just be the regular guy. So I think they need to get um, you know, some depth there as well. Quarterback is definitely a position I'm looking at too. However, I don't know if they're going to try and spend top dollar on a quarterback. Maybe they they think about bringing in Tyrod Taylor to, to be one of those guys that can help groom their next quarterback a pair or heir apparent, excuse me, whatever that word is. You have Malik Wills, uh, Willis, who's right now projected to go to the Steelers, or even if they end up having a, a Pittsburgh reunion with Kenny Pickett coming into town as well. I think that they would rather have Malik be their quarterback for the future, but you look at Tyra Taylor, that contract's going to be no more than $5 million, $6 million at the most. Then that'll, He's a starter, too. Cor- correct. And, and that will allow you to fix other needs of your team. Like you guys have already reiterated, you need offensive tackles. You need offensive... Uh, excuse me. You need these guard positions. This all offensive line as a whole is abysmal to the point where Najee Harris struggled to get things going on the ground where he was most effective was in the flats, making his actual or be doing different type of routes out of the backfield. When it came to actually running the football, he struggled. He had one of the worst yards per carries in the NFL, but their primary focus outside of 
quarterback should be addressing this offensive line. And I think that if they're going to bring in Tyrod Taylor, I don't know that if they're going to spend a ton of money on on, on pieces uh, to fix this offensive line because ultimately the, the top guys are going to want top dollar and they don't have top dollar to spend on a sheriff to, to spend on a, uh, maybe you could spend some money. You could spend enough money to bring in Tomlinson, uh, Lincoln Tomlinson, excuse me. But even then, I don't know if he would be interested to come play with the Steelers. Ultimately, it's going to be a lot of drafting positions that they need. I think that if there was one position that they would spend money and actually bring someone in, it would be at, at the cornerback position. Bryce Callahan's a name that I look at, and that, that would be very intriguing to me, given the fact that he played very well last season. He's going to want a contract, and they're in position to bring one in. You're going to lose Joe Hayden. You're going to need someone to come in and, and take that spot over. I think Bryce Callahan could do that job, but... There's a, there's ways that the Steelers could approach this situation this offseason that could still put them in position to be successful next season to to maybe make a potential wild card spot. And I think the best position for them to develop their future quarterback would be to bring in someone that's not going to be a financial strain on them like you guys mentioned with a Teddy Bridgewater or a Jimmy Garoppolo that's going to charge you upwards of 20 million, 15 to 20 million. I think that the smarter alternative would be in bring in Tyrod Taylor. Bring in someone that's you already know in your minds. This isn't our guy. He's he's completely. Com, uh, there you go. That's a perfect name as well. A filler position for right now. That that transition to your next guy is seamless. For the last couple of years, it seems like we've had a, a lot of expectations for the Cleveland Browns. They trade for OBJ. They sign Tyler Conklin. They sign Austin Hooper. We're like okay. This team's making the Super Bowl. They don't meet expectations. This past offseason, you bring in Troy Hill. You bring in John Johnson. You bring in Jadavion Clowney. And it feels like they didn't meet expectations once again. OBJ's gone. Jarvis Landry right now, if they cut him, they could save $15 million, which would create a lot of cap space for them. So the question I have for you guys is, is this year going to be the year that the Browns meet expectations? And also, this year is a make-or-break year for Baker Mayfield because they they told him already, you are our starting quarterback this season, but we are not extending you, which means this is make-or-break. Now, I'll start with you, Drew. Do you think they will meet expectations and will make the proper offseason moves to make sure they do meet expectations? A lot of it stems on them bringing in weapons for Baker to actually have success. This past season, that wasn't there. He was dealing with a a plethora of injuries, which did not help his case in terms of play. However, throwing the football, who was was his options? Excuse me. You had Rashad Higgins. You had Jarvis Landry whenever he was on the field. You lost OBJ early in the season to, to being released. Who was really their guy? David Njoku, Austin Hooper, who did not play up to anywhere near what anyone thought he would do. They really were reliant on their run game. Very heavily on Nick Chubb. Very heavily on Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt goes out. Now you have Dearness Johnson comes in. It didn't matter who you put in that backfield. They were going to have success. Now that should have made Baker's life easier in the sense of the run game is going to open up the pass game. But when you don't have weapons... There, it, it, it becomes a lot harder as an offense to really get things going. And especially when your starting quarterback is injured, it's also difficult to deal with as well. I think 
a big need of theirs is to go out and get receivers. And I believe in the draft, they're 100% going to draft a wide receiver with their first round pick. They have the 13th pick in this draft. Garrett Wilson has to be looking. They have to be looking Garrett Wilson's way. They have to be looking Drake London's way. I don't think they take the chance on Jameson Williams given the injury to his ACL. I think that it would, it's too early, and I think that they need a receiver that's going to help Baker immediately. I think Jameson Williams will come in and play next season. Olave makes a lot of sense. Olave's another player, but I don't. Do you think they would take Olave at thirteen? It does seem a little early, but that you know. Four three forty that he ran. Correct. It's it's gonna boost him up a little bit. And he's a four year, you know, he was a senior. He had production multiple years at Ohio State. So he seemed you know, like a polished guy if Garrett Wilson's off the board. I think Garrett Wilson is the safest alternative. Yeah, I like Wilson more than Lave. Correct. Yes. yes. Personally, we, we know how I feel. I feel like Jameson's the best pick. However, in this scenario, it doesn't make sense for the Browns to do so because they can't gamble on a player. They need an impact player immediately. Because you need to understand if Baker is your guy or not. Because the contract he's going to want is going to be around $30 million, $35 million. No it, thanks. I'm not paying that if my life depended on it, truthfully. But you need to give him a position where he can be successful. You need to bring in a plethora of wide receiver options. Whether it be you bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. Whether you bring in, you spend top dollar on an actual wide receiver option like an Allen Robinson, like a Chris Godwin. They have cap space to make a splash in that sense. They don't need offensive line help. Defensively, I feel like last season, their missing piece was John Johnson. And defensively, they were solid this year. However, you look at it on the offensive side, that was the reason they weren't winning any games. Their passing was atrocious. You need to surround Baker with weapons. And I feel as if you draft you draft Cedric, oh, excuse me, you, you bring in, oh, I'm blanking on his name, excuse me, uh, Garrett Wilson, you bring in a Drake London, you sign one of these big name wide receiver options, or if you don't want to go spend top dollar, you bring in Allen Robinson, just surround this guy with talent to at least understand as an organization, all right, this isn't our guy, we need to move on. Or you know what? He actually stepped up and did his job because we put him in a position to be successful. Look, Baker isn't that guy. It's as simple as that. He isn't. And you, you talking about putting weapons around him, they have to do that because the weapons right now suck, but they did that with OBJ. They did that with Austin Hooper. OBJ was open. Uh, I agree Baker with OBJ. Did, Austin ba- Hooper, come on. Dude was irrelevant, unfortunately. OBJ career went down the drain in Cleveland because of Baker Mayfield. He goes to the Rams and he's instantly one of the better receivers in the NFL once again. And Austin Hooper, I think he's a good tight end. I just don't think that that offense Suits fits him, him mm-hmm. and he's not able to be highly productive. Mm-hmm. He was highly productive with a great quarterback in Matt Ryan. And a pass heavy because, because that that's what happens when you play with Matt Ryan. He makes you better. Right? <laughs> the thing about that I'll say really quick, and then you can get back into what you're saying, is OBJ went down, and that season, he was excellent. Baker really was excellent. Got a play In 2020, first... OBJ went down. Baker was excellent. That's true. I do think OBJ going down had something to do with it, but I do. I also think it was overblown. I, I Baker's limitations are there. He doesn't have a lot of great arm strength. He's an, he has a below-average NFL arm. His accuracy is spotty which was Very. his 
main calling card coming out of college. He's not a mobile quarterback. He doesn't have size, ideal size for the quarterback position. He's not the guy. But that being said, this offseason for the Browns is more so bringing bringing in help. So the next guy could benefit from it. You're right about the receiver. I think defensively, Jadavion Clowney's probably walking. Anthony Walker, he's probably walking. JOK is going to be, I think, an, an Pro Bowl linebacker next season. Najoku got tagged. That's a good thing. Rashard Higgins, he can walk. And I think between Chase McLaughlin and Dustin Coquit, the special teams wasn't abysmal. You know, you could bring them back. They're going to have $25 million in cap space. They can create more if they cut... Landry, mm-hmm. Keenum, and Kareem Hunt. At this point in his career, I would cut Jarvis Landry at a $15 sure. million dollar a year price point. I would cut him. And I will look at Chris Godwin. I will look at Allen Robinson. I will look at Michael Gallup if he enters free agency. I will look at Mike Williams. All those receivers make sense. And then I draft the receiver. I think this offseason is about get it, signing receiver in free agency, so, uh, drafting one in the draft, I'd actually sign two in free agency. I'd like sign an I'd sign a Chris Godwin and give and me Gallup. and give me Crowder, or I'd sign a Gallup and I mean I'd sign a I'd sign a uh, Godwin and sign somebody else like maybe like a Cedric Wilson. I, it's crazy that he's a free agent. Also, they drafted a lot of guys in that that draft that really could give Cowboys other teams production really well for real. But outside of offense, outside of the offense, like the offensive line, I think for the Browns is good. Like they have a lot of names, but Jack Conklin was injured a lot last season. Jedrick Wills, he had a down year. His rookie season was good. Last year, he was he was average at best, and that's putting it nicely. I think they probably should in the later rounds of the draft maybe draft some depth at the offensive line or even sign some depth with the offensive line. Defensively, it's Miles Garrett on that defensive line and nobody else. Clowney did a good job last year, bro. Clowney was great. He, yeah, he's. It's prim- what happens when you play opposite sides. He's of primarily a run stopper, though. He doesn't get after the passer as consistently just, as I'd want him to. Career, uh, career high in sacks at eight and a half. Uh, but he's more of a run stopper, in my opinion. I feel like their main thing on defense they need to get fixed is one getting out of the corner and getting a defensive tackle. I think Malik Jackson didn't play well for them last year. And there are good defensive tackles on the market. Fadakazi would be good. A reunion with Ogan Joby would be good. And at corner, I think they probably draft a corner. Um, I like John Johnson. I do think they need a strong safety, though. Quadre Diggs makes sense. Very interesting. Jordan Whitehead on the Bucks. He's very good. He's very physical Jabril, safety. Come back home. Jabril, that could be an option. So the Browns have some options, and just my like hypothetical uh, team for them is Baker, Chubb, Mike Williams, Garrett Wilson, uh, Schwartz, Donovan Peoples-Jones is their receiver, Austin Hooper, Wills, Petonio, Treader, Teller, and Conklin. And on defense, it's Miles Garrett, Fadakazi. I have them signing Emmanuel Ogba. Okay. They have JOK. I have them re-signing Anthony Walker. They have Denzel Ward. I have them... Signing a veteran corner and Chris Harris, like and then having Greedy Williams and Newsom still, John Johnson, and then Jordan Whitehead. That'll be like my hypothetical team for them, which I think that if they could do any of these moves, at least like half of these would be like a great, a great step in the right direction. But we, not that this is a similar team, but 
we had high expectations for them coming into this season with a, a, gr- a great on-paper roster. This right here is a great on-paper roster. I'm tempering them, at least. There's no way I have them winning 12, 13 games like I did this past season. It's all reliant on how Baker Mayfield plays. There's great news and terrible news if you're a Browns fan. The great news is you have arguably a top-five roster in the league. You know, if you just look position by position, but the terrible news is you don't have a franchise quarterback. You know, and that's probably the worst place to be in the NFL, even if you have a fantastic roster like the Browns do. Yeah, because I'm living that. Even though, yeah, Denver's a great comparison. Because even if Baker, you know, really plays up to expectations, you have, I guess with Steelers not having a quarterback, you still have the third best quarterback in the division, right? Even if Baker is all up to expectations, he's playing top of his game, he's not better than Burrow, he's not better than Lamar. And having a great roster and a great head coach, because Stefanski was coach of the year, so there's no excuse for Baker. And I've been I've been out on Baker basically all season. I remember you know talking earlier in the year if we would give him an extension in like October, November, and I said I was out just because if there's no upside there, you can't strap yourself to a thirty million dollar plus contract and be able to keep all these guys. You know we're seeing it really, even though the DAC contract hasn't taken into effect yet, we see the effect it already has, especially when you have all of these good players, and that's part of the reason where obviously you want to draft good. You're never going to draft bad players, but when you draft all these good players and the Browns have brought some in free agency, you have to sign these guys as well. And you have to make some tough decisions like we see in Dallas. And if you already have a roster with all of these great players, plus bringing in all these great free agents and you have to pay Baker. Now all of a sudden the roster gets trimmed. Now we see guys like Amari Cooper or Lawrence possibly getting cut to save money. And that's something that's going to, the Browns going to have to do in, in this upcoming season. But to me, they don't have a ton of needs, right? We, I just mentioned they have arguably a top five roster in the league. But far and away is wide receiver because you need to give Baker the best chance to be somewhat of what he was in 2020. This past season, if you just want to chalk it up to injuries, that's fine. He was injured. You know, he had like 10 different injuries going on across the entire season. Eventually, he got shut down late in the year as he should have. So if you're the Browns, the number one option has to be at, what you say, 13 they were picking? 13. It, it's receiver or bust. Like, there, I don't think there's any Browns fan anywhere in the world who's thinking you go anything other than receiver, especially because you have. It's not like there's this drop-off, right? You don't have this Jamar Chase in this draft. Or even if Devontae Smith was in this class, he'd be the number one receiver, I think, too. Easy. So it's not even like you have this big drop-off where, like, oh, man, if this receiver goes at 8, you know, should we take best player available at 13 or should we go with the second-tier receiver? No. I think you have Burks, London, Wilson, and get, uh, Sorry, I just said Wilson. Um, Who am I missing here? London. London, I think I said London. Burks. Burks, London, Wilson, Williams, uh, Jamison Williams. Me. Apologize. Those all are my tier one guys. I like Alave. I think he's top of tier two for me, but I haven't done my full scouting on him yet. But I think all four of those guys, three of them are probably going to be there at 13. So whoever you want to go with, if you want to go with that big body yak guy, you go and get Burks. If you want that 50-50 guy, you go with London. If you want to mix, you get Wilson. Or if you want just street speed and the highest upside, maybe you go for Williams and really get, if he hits, he could be a top 10 receiver-like guy in this league. So you're at a good spot in 13. I don't think there's really any way I would trade down or up. I think you stay in that position and then use really the rest of the draft. If you want to go in round two and get another receiver, you need four receivers. In my opinion, I don't Donovan Peoples Jones and Higgins, they're nice guys. I don't want them out on the field a ton. You know, I think Donovan you could as go, a third is not bad. I think Peoples Jones is a good receiver. Yeah, they're as a right. third option, they're, you'll live. You'll is there live. a chance that the Browns take Derek Stingley with the 13th pick? No. I don't think so. I think you need to go wide receiver. If Stingley's there, it's intriguing. No, you but go receiver. I don't, yeah, I think they need receiver. You go receiver because you want to prove, you want to like give Baker everything you can to be like, okay, if we give him everything, can he be the guy? Right? Uh, it's like, I, 
I feel like at this point the Browns already know what Baker is. But I also think but you, you have, have to such take a great roster at that that and you that have to take, now you have to like you have to do everything in your power to just add on it and receiver is going to they translate right away. We've and, seen the last couple of years. We can't gloss over the fact that he is the first quarterback in over two decades to bring a win to the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. So that does take into account when you're the general manager, when you're the front office in drawing up a contract for this guy, because he's done something that you've had a laundry list of players come in that could not do. So at the minimum, he has that in his bag to at least put it on the play and say, listen, no one that you've brought in has done what I've done in the time that I've been here. So he has that leeway there. But at the same time, I agree with the both of you. It's hard to look at him and what he's done and how inconsistent he has been on the football field and say, I'm willing to open my checkbook and give you $35 million a season. I wouldn't do it. However, there's reasons why, if I'm the Browns, what are my other options? They'd have you a lot have- of LSU guys. Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams. Jarvis, currently. But- Derek Stingley. Yeah, I don't think they talking about Stingley, defensive though. backs. Oh, yeah, but I think their number one option. I know there's a ton of reports saying that Tampa Bay is going to do everything to get Godwin back. But if you could do anything and get Chris Godwin and get a oh true number one receiver, and then pair him with a, a lower tier guy like a DJ Chark or a Russell Gage or Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup, and then still take a receiver at 13. Now all of a sudden you went from one of the worst receiving core to a top 10 receiving core. I, what? I it, understand, like I understand that the Browns' biggest need in the offseason is receiver. I think their best bet at getting one is through the draft because after what just happened with Odell, you don't think that other receivers across the league that are entering free agency are looking at the Browns like they're off my list. I think if the Browns give you the biggest bag, you'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll try it. Because you also probably think Bakers might not be there after this year. If he doesn't play well, But again, what's their other option? You're looking at like the quarterbacks we see now, the Wences, the Jimmy G's, the Teddy Bridgewater's. And are they that much better than Baker Mayfield? Oh, no, but you pay them a third of what you pay Baker. Very true. I don't know. I'd kind of um, I'd go after Matt Ryan. Something I'd consider. Oh, yeah, uh, duh. If, if Chris Godwin does come in, I'm looking Drake London. Because then that it's like the poor man's Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Yeah, and then you get a 50-50 guy, so exactly. Baker doesn't have to be saying. that accurate. Exactly. I think when I was doing research for these uh, off-season previews, something that was surprising to me was that the Ravens finished last in the AFC North with an 8 and 9 record and looking at these free agents they have I had a you know really peek into it Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, Sammy Watkins, Patrick Ricard, Jimmy Smith, Justin Houston, Anthony Everett, Bradley Bozeman, Deshaun Elliott. They have 8 million dollars in cap space. They haven't re-signed Lamar Jackson yet. They have these potential cuts. I mean, do they cut Marcus Peters and save $10 million? I think they have to. That's a big-time decision, but now you do that, you have no corners outside of Marlon Humphrey, especially since Jimmy Smith is a free agent. Even him, he's passed who he once was. Alejandro Villanueva, who wasn't very good last season, they cut him for $6 million. Tavon Young, $6 million. They could save that. If they make those moves, they can free up. $22 million in cash, which would mean they'd have $30 million. Now, can the Ravens surround Lamar Jackson properly? Because this has been a guy that, you know, he's had stacked rosters, Lamar Jackson. 
You think Four, so? 14 and two seasons, you know, got upset, even though they were the favorites, underperformed. I mean, he's not the greatest playoff guy, right? But he's like always had guys. great rosters. But you know, you know what was funny is how I kind of thought about this the other day and how Lamar Jackson for the past couple of years, he's benefited tremendously from being in a run first system. And I granted he is the catalyst of that and why it goes. But Greg Roman is somebody who had number one ranked offenses rushing wise in Buffalo. He's an he running the scheming up a running game plan. He Greg Roman is cream of the crop, one of the best of the best. And everybody always said, "Man, he's holding back Lamar Jackson." Man, and then this season they went more pass heavy because they had to. And Lamar Jackson had his worst season of his pro career. He was very good early. So in the he had he has the most weapons he's ever had in Hollywood Brown. Rashad, uh-huh. you love Rashad Bateman. Mark Andrews, all these guys, right? So all these guys. It, it's funny how Greg Roman got all this blame, and now Lamar Jackson has the most weapons he's had. He had his worst season of his career. He was great. When they went more past. He, he was great early in the season. He got hurt. Okay. He had to, he had uh, one of the best wins. That's all, tone, that's all he had one of right the best regular season wins against the Chiefs. He had a, a ridiculous I mean, comeback against the Colts. Clyde fumbled. Hey, a win to win. Oh, okay, just lucky, <laughs> fluky win for me. Uh, but what, regardless, what I'm saying even still the right company now. still came back. What I'm saying is that toe to toe with Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, in his first three seasons, the Ravens went all in to try and win with him. That 14 and two season, how many points that defense, that great defense, gave up in the playoffs? 34. Let me finish my. Was it 34? Okay. They went all in in their first few seasons. When, when they gave up all those points, Joe, you know what they did? Let's go get Calais Campbell, one of the best defensive linemen in football. They were great once again. But now they don't have... They want a playoff game. Now they don't have that cap Lost flexibility. The now they don't have that cap flexibility. How is this team going to look coming off a season where the defense wasn't very good? So Lamar might not have a good defense anymore. Martindale is gone. The offensive line is falling apart. A once elite offensive line, the Ravens had. The weapons are there though. That's and J.K. Dobbins is coming back. The most you know, running backs the most replaceable position in football. Can they surround Lamar Jackson properly? I'm looking at you because you're Please. the Lamar Jackson guy. I am. Can they surround him? Pro- that's my biggest question. Can they surround Lamar properly to the point where he doesn't have another down year? I don't think this past season was a down year if you watched him play. Okay. He got hurt later on in the season, which was the reason why the second half of the year when Huntley and all these guys came in, he was playing Huntley sparingly. Played fine. He, Huntley, Huntley played fine. Huntley in very limited action played well. And as a backup, played fine. What, do you have two starts? Three? He played good. And his very limited starts, like we've seen like Mike he, White. He played well. Like we've seen well. Mike White play really well. Let's relax. Oh, but if, if, you, look, if you watch the game, if, you if you relax, he played well. I'm not taking... Three games of Tyler Huntley and being like, oh, if Lamar improves as a passer, like that's nonsense. I mean, I'm not calling Huntley Lamar. I'm just saying, like Lamar. I mean, Huntley played well. He did. He did play well. He I'm played. He played backup well. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. But answer my question: Can they surround Lamar properly? This yeah. offseason is big. Th- this past season was a big step. I think bringing in Rashad Bateman, him and Hollywood Brown could be a great duo. I do think they need another receiver as well. I don't want Willie Sneed or uh, Duvernay being my wide receiver three. Andrews, top three tight end in the NFL, so you can't have the excuse there. Type two, for sure, Kelsey and him. Um, And then the running back position, I know it is the most replaceable, 
But when you lose your number one and your number two guy, and you're rolling out Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell, it changes some things. And Devontae Freeman still had success. It, yes. Devontae Freeman was, was pretty good. It, uh, okay. He, did, he, he, was, he was okay. He was, he was so okay. He was so okay. He was serviceable. Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins are ridiculously uh, better. Ridiculously course, better. And it's going to change the offense because that's how their offense is run. But I I'm, I say that in the sense of Lamar Jackson played a... a a huge role in Devontae Freeman playing well. And the yeah, fact that course. Huntley running also was a also going to do it. Yes. But I also think they have to bring in another, at least one more receiver. One of those, you know, veteran type slot guys, whether that be a Jarvis Landry if he gets cut, Juju. a Jamison Crowder if he gets cut, Juju if he makes the switch from Steelers to the Ravens. I feel like that might not be in his person. I feel like he, he does like being a Steeler at the end of the day. Um, or even if they really want to go cheap, someone like an Emmanuel or I know T.Y. Hilton wants to play again. But regardless, they need to bring back. They need to bring in some receiver because it can't be Devin Duvernay as your wide receiver three. But there's no more excuses of getting Lamar weapons because Hollywood had a breakout year and even had some games where he had some draw problems. He could have an even better year. I think Rashad Bateman, who was injured earlier in the season, came into zone as the season progressed, but never really got a true connection with Lamar. I think they're only like game where they were really on was that game against Miami that they lost on Thursday Night Football. But outside of that, it was hard for them to establish a connection because he wasn't around in training camp in the start of the season, preseason, and then once he really got going, Lamar was in and out of the lineup as well. But when I look at this team, I think edge is a huge need, right? You mentioned Justin Houston's a free agent. Um, Clayus Campbell, even though he plays on the inside, I think edge is one of their biggest needs. They only had 34 sacks last season, which was ninth fewest in the NFL. Only had one player with more than five sacks last season. So edge is a huge need for a team that was really predicated on defense for the last 20 years. Lamar took over and it kind of became the Lamar show. Um, we mentioned wide receiver as well. And then offensive line. You know, I think Bradley Bozeman is someone they're going to have to be have to bring back. He was the 11th highest graded center coin of PFF. Uh, Kevin Zeitler was great for them. It was a free agent sign they brought in last year from New York, who for whatever reason let him go. Ronnie Stanley returning from injury. Um, so I think the offensive line is going to get better. Left guard and right tackle still are question marks. You know, Villanueva was kind of a one-year stopgap, but he didn't play great. He's getting up there in age as well. Um, a couple pieces on the defense inside linebacker, Josh Barnes or Josh Barnes. Yeah. Um, Burns, sorry. Was he was a last minute addition. I want to say in like training camp preseason, he played pretty well for him. He's the expected free agent. Um, Patrick queen as well, but they don't have much depth there. And then uh, interior defensive line, you know, Clay's cams a free agent. Don't have much there too, but in terms of surrounding Lamar, they have, they have at least the foundation of the pieces, right? They have Mark Andrews. who came into his own really solidified himself as one of the best tight ends. Hollywood, who is though. This year he stepped into top two tight ends. Nah, this year was the because before the that wall no, this was better. Year, this year was the and Kittle elite production season. But if you watch them, you always knew he could do it. Yeah, sure. for sure. So there's the weapons question. It's no more, right? I would love for them to bring in one or two more guys. But you have Bateman and you have Hollywood. You get the running backs back. Bring in a couple pieces on the line. Bring back Zeitler or he's he's signed. Um, Bozeman, bring him back. And then the pieces are there. It's time for Lamar to step up, and he's going to. I think they can win the division next year. Three touchdowns in his last – three touchdowns and six picks in his last three starts versus division opponents. Lamar? Yep. I'm gonna is that just pass? What about rushing? Oh, he didn't have a touchdown rushing either in those games. I'll tell you what. This defense <laughs> definitely does concern me. Now, I know we were talking about weapons. However, defensively, down the stretch of the season, you're being a bully. You are. <laughs> You're being a bully towards Lamar. I don't just, appreciate it's just, it. It's just funny because I don't appreciate he, it. He was like, "How about rushing?" He was expecting how many yards? How many yards did he have? Because you said no oh. touchdowns, but how many yards? Okay, let me look at the yards. He had like 114 in three games. Yep, combined 114. Yep. That's not that's not great. And okay, first of all, no, I'm la- playing. I'm playing, bro. Not, it was two games. Not the, talking the about third game. 
Last three full starts. I didn't count oh, that last I game. I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it was like 100, 120 yards. In three he had a terrible game against Cleveland. That, that's really what did. He had four interceptions. Yeah, that yeah. game was bad. It was terrible. It was horrible. They still won. <laughs> I was going to say, horrible. I do remember that game. Uh, however, defensively, down the stretch, they were one of the worst secondaries in the league. They were getting thrown all over where Joe Burrow had his career day on him where he threw for over 400 yards. It, it's one of those situations that I look at, at the Ravens and think, Lamar is going to have to continue to play Superman ball for them to be in games if they don't address certain things on the defense. You already have, like we mentioned earlier, Marcus Peters, in my opinion, is going to get cut to to put them in a position to bring in uh, players to fill the other needs that they have. But that's going to put them at a, at a strong disadvantage in their secondary. I think they can address that in the draft. Joel mentioned edge and interior defensive line. Given the fact that Calais Campbell is a free agent and he's 35, going to be 36 years old, I don't know if he comes back. Maybe if he wants to just try running back one more season, maybe they bring him back, but it should not be on an egregious contract. I understand Calais Campbell is still great. However, I'm not paying him what I, I think he was getting paid almost 15 million, excuse me, 12.5 million, which is still a lot of money, especially for a player at his age. However, I still think that if if they, if he's willing to come back on a lower price, of course I'd bring him back. He he still has that name. He still has the skill. Not what he once was for sure. However, you take what you can get, especially with a guy like Kalias Campbell. Now, offensively, it's gotten to the point where weapons-wise, there is no excuse. I can understand wanting to bring in a receiver. I'm a, I'm still a fan of Hollywood Brown. Had an issues with drops, but it was really one to two games that I really look at and think, wow, he really he really folded and the game was against the lions that they still ended up winning that game against the lions. He dropped three touchdowns. That was really bad. But even still Hollywood Brown put up a more than respectable season. And it really only cooled down towards the second half of the season, uh, towards the second half of the season. Cause one Lamar wasn't playing. And two, when Lamar and him were playing, it was just an inconsistent relationship between the two. They just could not get an offense going. Rashad Bateman comes in after missing the first four or five games of the season, and he showed flashes. I think that Rashad Bateman could be a solid receiver, definitely a, a, a good wide receiver two option. And you have Mark Andrews, who's one of the best tight ends in the league. J.K. Dobbins coming back. Gus Edwards coming back. J.K. Dobbins gives you that that run uh, uh, elusiveness, and he also gives you the ability to, to dump it off and out the backfield. It's gone to the point where next season there's no excuse on his name. Because given the fact that he can make plays happen with his legs, the offensive line should not be as much of a concern. Of course, you want to put your quarterback in positions to be in a secure pocket. However, it's not essential when you have a guy like Lamar in the caliber, how how great he is, excuse me, with his legs. I think that his ability to scramble outside the pocket is is not a reason. If, if I'm the organization, I'm looking at to, to this is my primary focus on offensive line, uh, on the tackles. I think defensively they need to improve. And I think that if if a wide receiver wants to come in at a, a cheaper price tag, sure, I, I would do that. But I'm not going out of my way to bring one in, given the fact that Mark Andrews is elite. Hollywood Brown is not elite, but he is a, he is a, a good option. And, and so is Rashad Bateman. I think that they need to trust these guys. I think that Lamar Jackson needs to take another step this season. And I'm not saying that, This is a make or break for me on Lamar Jackson in terms of how great he is. I know how great he is. However, if he wants the recognition that he that he feels he deserves, which to a degree I I do I do agree with him. However, you need to get it done. 
because right now I'm looking at this team and I'm getting concerned. As we stand right here, uh, March 7th, I believe is the date, 2022, I am concerned with this team to the point where it's a strong possibility I see them finishing in last place again. Because if they don't fix this defense, if they don't get things right in the secondary and on the line, it could be ugly for them. And then Lamar Jackson is going to have even more pressure to produce. And if he doesn't produce, they're not going to be looking at the defense, which is right now the obvious hole for them. They're going to be looking at Lamar Jackson because right now they're looking at anything to blame on him. Lamar went on the shop. I want to watch that episode. I, ha- I have yet to watch it, by the way, but I'm going to watch it. I saw some clips, though, and I saw some quotes from it. And I guess I can just infer that most of it was him talking about the uh, expectations of him, the narratives on him that he's crushed, by the way. And we know Lamar has already drove past all those dumb biases that were already put put up against him. But the reality of what he's been in three of his four playoff games, he hasn't performed to the best of his level. I think he's only played three. Oh, no, excuse me. I apologize. His rookie season against the Chargers. We've seen before that we just saw it this year with the Bengals. You can have an average defense, but if your offense is great, you can win a lot of games. I want to say their defense nah, was average. They played very well. Yeah. Like Their defense was average, though. I don't Statistically, think so. Statistically, but they were, the one, playoffs, the, they were, they were one of the better rush defense for sure. They were top ten rush defense. They, they were a great rush defense, but then the pass defense was one of was one a, of the bottom ones. Was it bottom? That's why it's average. They their their old line wasn't good, obviously. But I'm so to think what of, I'm saying is that I think the Ravens should go offensive line. They should focus on the offensive line this offseason. Bradley Bozeman, I don't know if he comes back. If they lose him now, it'll be a huge loss. But where they're at at the draft right now, I think Tyler Linderbaum is a possibility. And even if they don't lose Bradley Bozeman, to bring in Linderbaum to play guard, I think would really help them a lot. Because now you'd have Ronnie Stanley, Linderbaum, Bozeman, Zeitler, and Macari can continue playing right tackle. Even though you would like an upgrade over him, at the time it's manageable. Marcus Peters, he has a huge cap hit. But the Ravens are probably thinking like, okay, if we have Marlon Humphrey and Peters healthy, we have one of the best cornerback duos in the entire NFL. So they might not cut him. I'm looking at really their safeties and their linebackers and their defensive line as the major holes on defense. Sure. Patrick Queen hasn't lived up to his expectations. He he was super fast, and he had a lot of tackles his rookie season, but he's such a liability in coverage and like you mentioned about the edge stat, they don't have any edge presence. Matt Judon leaving really hurt them. And Calais Campbell potentially leaving is going to hurt them as well. I think the defense is going to be average at best next year. I don't see them turning it around. Offensively, that's where they can still be a top 10, top 5 offense if they make the proper moves. I am not okay with my best two receivers being Hollywood Brown and Bateman. I'm not. If I'm the Ravens, I'll go and sign Antonio Brown. And I go, re- I go have Antonio Brown with Hollywood. Now with Antonio Brown, you now have a number one wide receiver. And he's talked about wanting to go to Baltimore too. Hollywood showed flashes of being able to be a wide receiver he's one. He's not a wide receiver one. He showed- I don't think Hollywood or Bateman. I think they're both really good twos. I think that as long as Hollywood fixes a drop, yeah. no one's looking at him as he, he can't be anything 
about a wide receiver yeah. one. And then Lamar's worst season ever, according to Joel, most passing yards per game, most fourth quarter comebacks in his career, most game winning drives in his career. What are you talking about Lamar, but it doesn't fit your narrative. So go on. Oh wait, sixteen touchdowns, thirteen picks is my narrative. Yeah, he played he played twelve games. How is that supposed to make it better? He could have improved. I mean, whichever way you want to look at it, if he's a glass yeah, half full guy, I, I respect am. it. All right, you can say what you want. And they were I mean, six and three to start talk, the year. You, wins over the Chargers. Said, wins said, over the Chiefs. You Colts. said most fourth quarter comebacks. How in many? His career, how many in his was career. that? He had four in twelve games. Okay, four. One of them was against the Chiefs. Should have never happened. The Colts you can't belittle a, a comeback win against the Chiefs. The Colts man. game. I mean, it was raining. No, the, cho- uh, the Colts the choked. Colts it, man, games. come on. That's one of the most impressive wins of the season. Come on, now nah, keep going. Let's let's hear it. Oh my God, Wentz couldn't throw the ball. We know Wentz is not that very good. Ah, come on. Come on, man. Can you stop? Stuff. And then it. against the Lions. It, ooh, wait, was it his comeback or Justin Justin Tucker's kick? Is it Brady's Super Bowl or Venturi's? I don't give a damn. I'm just at, it, was the, it was the farthest kick in NFL history. It's, it's his fault. Right. They have the best kicker in the league. And also to Lamar's credit, Hollywood Brown, that was his he had, bad he dropped game. multiple That touchdowns. was his bad game. He dropped three. Oh, so you're saying if he has those, he doesn't have a fourth quarter comeback. He also has three more touchdowns on the season. Low key. Okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'll so, I'll say, so you're I, all, all I'm saying is that three of the four comebacks that you told me, I mean, I mean, really, bro. Really? This, this narrative has to stop. No, really, come on, bro. Stop. Really, come on, man. I mean, no. We all we'll we all watched year. that Colts game and everyone was going crazy. We'll say we'll we'll see what happens next. Was year. Was the Browns game this past year too where he came I out because because we thought he had to, a shit? Was look, that this year? Yeah, no, that was last year. Look, you're going to be very like uh, Lamar. Pro Lamar, look, I, I applaud you. It's good it's for an you. MVP. It's yeah. an MVP. It's an MVP. He's a pro bowler. I know, I know you care about that. He was a pro uh, bowler. Yeah. We all need uh, players yeah. that we root for. Pro and bowler. We all need players <laughs> that we root for, and we're, you know, fans of. Lamar's your guy. Yeah. You know, I understand wholeheartedly. Just like Matt Ryan's your guy. Yeah, Matt Ryan's an MVP. Respect him. So is Lamar. So is Lamar. <laughs> like, come on. This is what it. I got to say, though. We've seen running quarterbacks deteriorate early in their career. He's 25, 24. Cam Newton deteriorated after he won the MVP. I know Cam Newton is also out there just getting hit constantly because he thought he was Lamar bigger than everyone. He gets hit gets too hit much, constantly. but not to the extent of Cam. I don't know. Not to the extent of Cam. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. He's also a better passer than Cam. Okay, I agree, but he gets hit a lot. More than I would like, for sure. He lowers his shoulder still. He does. It took Cam five years. To, to be what he was. And Lamar did it. He was year a Pro two. Bowl year one. I'm not pro saying Bowl that year one. to be what he was in the sense of MVP. being MVP. Lamar was a Pro Bowler this past year in his worst year ever. Oh, that's because they snubbed Josh Allen. Yeah, and Lamar also in year two took or had one of the most impressive seasons we've ever seen from a quarterback. 19 of his touchdowns were within like five why yards. why are we belittling what had happened though? No, I'm just saying because uh, that season is the it's, most impressive th- 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 rushing this, season ever. Th- this, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Bro, had back they, to they back ran, yard led the league seasons. in touchdowns. This is what happened. He that, led the league in yards. Season. Yeah, uh, second in yards. So this is what happened. I actually tracked but, this myself and did it. You can't find this stat anywhere. It's a Joel Moran stat only. I tracked it. 19 of his touchdowns came within five yards. You want to know why? Because they ran the ball the entire drive. And then they're like, hey, Lamar, we want to pad your stats. All right. We want to pad your stats. Why do so you, I you're care? Gonna, you're he gonna, gets the touchdown. You're gonna he throw, gets the, who you're the gonna hell throw cares? this easy five yard pass who for cares? a touchdown. Who cares? Nineteen of is his thirty six. That's it, more than okay, half. You know, if he Are had five serious? touchdowns or fifty yard touchdowns, he had five broken plays that were touchdowns. 
Come on, bro. Are you serious? Come on. 19 Who of cares? 36 or 5-yard passes? Is it, is it a touchdown or is it a touchdown? It's a six points. It's or an six easy points. touchdown. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's hard an to easy score, touchdown. You, it's hard to score a touchdown, especially in, in the red zone within five yards. That's one of the hardest no, places not, to not score. Not if you're not if your running game is that dominant. And, and when you, you have a dominant running quarterback, no, stop that, it. That's a you know I'm right, no, bro. No, that's no, ridiculous. No, that's no, ridiculous. No, how many teams struggle with red zone offense? And now we're taking this away from the because He was one of the best. Joel, just. Let's bro, that's continue, crazy. Continue a that's different crazy. Continue a different Nineteen conversation. of his thirty-six. How important is red zone offense? How important? important? Okay, but so I he credit, converts at one of the highest rates in the NFL, and you're taking it away from him. But I credit Greg Roman more though for yeah, that. It's he has to execute. Dude, he has to go out there and execute. Why are you entertaining? I credit this guy? Greg Roman more. Why are you entertaining? They were him? open, wide He's trolling. open. He's trolling. All, all nineteen wide open. <laughs> Yeah, I think like 16 of them were. Let the league in touchdowns. Who cares? They were all within the five, so I mean, whatever. Yeah, Stop it. Yeah, I think that's how you got Sometimes you got to look at it, and you got to be objective about things. Listen, man, I'm sorry. You lost me. Subjective. No, you're big. And Lamar should never won MVP that year year anyway. It should have been Russell Wilson. He had the he had more fourth quarter comebacks. Lamar didn't have any that. Lamar year. had like you love one. fourth quarter Lamar, comebacks so much. Lamar went fourteen and two because they were because they had a stacked roster. Led the league in touchdowns. Russell Wilson won eleven games that year. Had like half, half of the games they won. He had a fourth quarter comeback. He went fourteen and two. Lamar Jackson question. He didn't lead the league in rushing. Um, but he was twelve hundred yards. Yeah, he might have been top five. He probably was top five. Was that CMC's year? That's what I'm wondering. It was. Yes. Uh, okay. That's, both mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I remembered. Yeah. Was crazy. Russell Wilson that year threw 35 touchdowns to six picks. So he threw just as many touchdowns as Lamar without 19 of his being from the five-yard line. Did you count all of them for Russ, though? Did you count all of them? And also... No, he didn't. He didn't. I he know didn't. he didn't. You don't have to tell me. Are you talking about 2019? How many okay, touchdowns Russell Wilson had 31 touchdowns and five picks in okay, 2019. Okay, Lamar had 36 he had and nine. He had five game-winning drives. Lamar only had two. Russell Wilson's way more valuable to me. You're nuts, bro. He was he went eleven and five that year. Lamar went fourteen. They went they went thirteen and two. He didn't play the last game of the season. Okay, eleven and five. They won though, but Russell Wilson. He snuck fourteen and two. This Lamar season is one of the craziest seasons I've ever seen. This this Lamar season almost five thousand eighty three QBR one thirteen passer rating. This season, this Lamar season, you and I are gonna go at it a lot this year. Let's do it, Lamar. Let's do it. Ah, I like that. I know because I saw Lamar. Even though statistically he went down as a passer when I'm watching, he improved this past season. I think we saw that okay. against the Colts, against the Chiefs. He's improved, yeah, I, he, I agree. And we know Lamar has that factor that he wants to prove yeah. everyone wrong. He wants to yeah. make sure, like, I could be the best. And that, that goes a long way. I love it. I, I, love, I, love, I love it. it. That's my guy, Sometimes man. you gotta. Sometimes you can't bank on the stats or what your eyes tell you. You got to bank on the person. And you're banking on Lamar's heart. Well, and I'm banking work on ethic. all of the above. But yeah, that definitely I plays love, a part. I love that's, that. what, that's why I, I love, love about that. Lamar. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I bank on guys' work ethics. That's why Auden first, Tate will be fine. First play against the Chiefs, man threw a pick six. He said that won't happen again. Nah, he he went crazy that yeah. game. Oh yeah, he's lost to the Chiefs outside of that one game he won. I know, but Flute. everyone was talking shit like, "Oh, he can't be the Chiefs, can't be Mahomes." I mean, and he did it. He be Clyde, Clyde. <laughs> you're not even a big fan of him anymore. Anyway. Oh hell no, that's a shame. Really gross of you, honestly. What, what do you want? Am I supposed to just keep going when a player sucks? I need you to say right now on microphone that you were wrong about Clyde edwards I've mentioned this a hundred times. I was completely wrong on Clyde. That's great to hear. Yeah, no That's doubt in my mind. Hear. Before we go on to the next segment, a quick word from DraftKings. Now they are they are the official sports betting partner of the NBA, and right now you can bet just one dollar and win one hundred fifty dollars in free bets. 
If you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN and you bet just $1 on any NBA team, you can get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, Drew and Joel, it's been talking about DraftKings. I know you are very, you're an avid better. <laughs> to a degree. And I look at I, him more I, than I, I actually. I am trying to understand how you've been these past couple of days or weeks with DraftKings. What have you won? What have you lost? Who are you disappointed in? I want to know that, that type of stuff. Interestingly enough, I really haven't been betting too much. However, UFC was very intriguing to me. Uh, we spoke about it a little bit with uh, Kobe Covington and, and Masvidal, and the lines was not were not anything that really intrigued me. However, I was just like, ah, I do believe Kobe will win. I put a cute amount of money on him. It was a nice return. But basketball and betting really do scare me. I've had I've had some success with betting basketball. However, basketball is so unpredictable in the regular season basis where the most unpredictable sport to bet without a doubt is baseball. That is without a doubt. So I, I don't bet baseball at all because any given night, the Orioles could beat the Red Sox. The Orioles could beat the Astros. Just name any great team. The worst team can beat them on any given day. That's just how baseball works. Yeah. But basketball, it, it's very hit or miss for me because – if I'm betting basketball, it's a live bet because you ha- you're actually sitting there, you're watching the game, you're understanding that it is a game of runs, you're understanding that certain teams just feel or or look different than they normally do. So I really haven't been betting too much, but I did I did dabble a little bit in UFC recently, and I've just been hesitant. Truthfully, I feel like with when football was when football's gone, I'm not in love with betting as much because football. There's a higher probability of hitting your bets. The over-unders, you know which players are going to do their thing. You know which teams are going to beat other teams. Because football is more more predictable in that sense. Yes, any team can beat any given team. That's just a fact. Look at last season, two seasons ago, where the Rams lost to the Jets, who were 0-11 up until that point. I had them in my parlay. They were like minus 1,100. Which is tragic, but... I, I'm I'm going to start betting a it's little bit like more, but I've just been hesitant. I hope you can understand. Yeah, I was in Atlantic City this past weekend, so I'm not a big like card guy. Like I would love like I like playing poker and blackjack with friends, but like I'm not big into it. Like paying like twenty five dollars a hand, like I'm just not doing it. I threw a little money on like the Sabonis bet, didn't hit. Threw a little money on the UFC bet, didn't hit. Um, but I did throw a little bit of money, probably like a week or two now. On yeah, you threw money on Mastaval. No, it was like a six-leg parlay and only oh, one missed, which okay. you hate to see. Oh, um, it's horrible. But I did throw a little bit of money probably a week or two now on Iki Aquano to go number two, number one overall. He was plus 700 at the time, and Drew told me before the show he's gone all the way down to plus, what, 170. plus 170. So that might be a you know, little cute, cute money to work with there. Mm, that's good. That's good hindsight, Iki. Yeah. He might be the number one pick. He could be. I think or, they're going to go tackle. We're going to get into the Jags. Evan Neal or Aquano, and it's the perfect segue we're not going to talk about the Jaguars right now, but we're going to talk about them in a few. Right now, it's the Tennessee Titans' time to shine because they finished first in the AFC South. We'll talk about them first. They were 12-5. and They lost in a divisional round in their first playoff game. A disappointing season. Now, for the past couple of years, the Titans have been this team that in 2019, right? Cinderella story. They came out of nowhere. They won two playoff games, made the AFC Championship. And they have been unable to replicate 
that success to this point. Now, how do they become more than just a Cinderella story or an underdog story? Because all season long, when Henry went out, we were kind of like, we're, all, we're, we're out on them. And they kept winning. And Titans fans are like, believe in us, believe in us. Nobody believes in us. And division around, they lose. So what is it going to take for you to believe in the Titans? What do they have to do this offseason? One would be getting another wide receiver. You have A.J. Brown, who, when healthy, is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, for sure. But Julio Jones has been, or had been, one of the biggest disappointments of the 2021-2022 season. He was not anywhere near the Julio Jones that we've grown accustomed to. Down the stretch of the season, he had a great playoff game against the Bengals. Definitely one of his better games. One of the, I think it was the last game of the season he put up one of his best statistical games of the season. But outside of that, I think he maybe had... Three relevant games all season was hurt for a good portion of that of the season. That hamstring lingered over into into this season, and and it bothered him basically all year. But you need another number two wide. Uh, excuse me, you need another wide receiver option opposite of AJ Brown that you can rely on. They have the twenty sixth pick in this draft. There's no reason why they can't take a wide receiver in, in, at that position. Dotson could be there. Jameson Williams, depending if teams are def, are are really scared of this ACL injury, he could fall all the way to 26. And, and I'm also looking at this offensive line that in terms of pass rush, or, excuse me, uh, pass blocking, they were atrocious last season. And, and with a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, who ha- has some type of mo- mobile tendencies he's not a mobile quarterback he's a pocket passer that needs to stay in that pocket and deliver a throw he needs time to deliver a throw he did not have that almost at all last season I'm looking at the fact that Ryan Tannehill also needs to to play better there's certain situations where I I look at Ryan Tannehill and I think you know he does have the makings of a top 15 quarterback He, he has the makings of a franchise quarterback and then there's moments like he showed me against the Bengals at home in Tennessee and he absolutely blew for them. If they had, uh, if they had Ryan Tannehill come in and play at a seven out of ten or, or a seven point five eight out of ten, they win that game easily, easily. But he played atrocious, threw three interceptions. The what the one that ended up deciding the game was a throw that you and I disagree on. That it was a little bit bigger of a window than than I I'm I'm actually letting off. I just thought the throw was unnecessary. You're in a position where you're already relatively driving down the field, you don't need to put yourself in a position to turn the ball over, and now you're putting the Bengals in position to win this game. I thought that that throw was ill-advised, and there was definitely moments within that game that he could have taken over and put the Titans in a better position to win. But it's ironic because basically all season, it had been Ryan Tannehill carrying the majority of the load for the Titans, game-managing almost every single game, given the fact that A.J. Brown was in and out of the lineup. You had Derrick Henry in and out of, or excuse me, out of the lineup for a good portion of the season, came back against the Bengals, was not the Derrick Henry that we had seen prior to him going down. And every year other than that, basically, he's been all-world, the best running back when healthy in the NFL by far. You can't tell me otherwise. I understand Jonathan Taylor's great. He's not Derrick Henry. However, it's ironic because Tannehill had been that guy that saved them offensively. And and when you needed him most, he he definitely did not shine bright for them. I, I'm looking at them to address that second wide receiver option because Tannehill needs another receiver that he can trust and, and not just be solely reliant on A.J. Brown. And I'm looking at them to really address this offensive line. You had uh, Lemon go out, and, and once Lemon went out, you really didn't have any other solid 
wide receiver options. When it comes to cap, they really don't have that much cap. I believe I think they're negative. They're in the they're negative in the, eight around, and I just don't know how they can be put in a position to get better offensively on the offensive line in terms of spending money. You're going to have to draft a guy to really better this offensive line. They're in a tough position, but I think it needs to start with bringing another receiver opposite of a, of AJ Brown, trying to bring in any type of offensive line help, and I think that you will put Ryan Tannehill in a better situation to be successful defensively. I think they're fine. They were one of the best rush defenses in the league last season. You still have one of the best safeties in Bur- in Bayard, excuse me. I think secondary-wise, it's not a huge concern for me. I just think that it's really relying on Ryan Tannehill and whether he can get the job done. You can look at this as glass half full or glass half empty. You know, you can really look either way because the glass half full side is they're in a bad division, right? You had the Colts with Carson Wentz who just fell apart. The Texans with who knows what's going on with Deshaun. Like they've ran this division over the last few years while being an above average but never an elite team. And I look at the division, barring Deshaun coming back, which seems like a pipe dream, like that's very unlikely to happen. They're probably going to have the best team again next year. So even if they don't make a ton of moves while being pretty strapped with cap, they could make some restructures to Tannehill and some other guys and free up some money if they wanted to. Um, I struggle to see how many big time free agents or, you know, real guys are going to be difference makers right away. Because to me, this team, it kind of is what it is with Ryan Tannehill, right? They're going to be a really good team, but when you have a good quarterback who's not great, it's hard to have a great team and a great season and really go deep into the playoffs. So the glass half full side is you're going to run your division again, barring the Colts going out and really upgrading that quarterback. Even if they do get a Jimmy G or a Teddy Bridgewater, whoever it might be, I don't think that's an upgrade over Carson Wentz. And I know we've had disagreements over Wentz first, Jimmy G, but I don't think either way, I still look at this Titans team. I still think they have the edge and talent as well as coaching. Vrabel is one of the best coaches in the league. Um, to them, for at least for the Titans, if you could stay healthy and you could keep A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry on the field, Derrick Henry I'm not as worried on. I am a bit just because, you know, he's had multiple years now of 300-plus carries, and that's going to take a toll on you eventually. Hopefully he could stay healthy this next year. But A.J. Brown's a receiver who basically every season has dealt with injuries. When he's on the field, Drew mentioned he's phenomenal. Julio Jones, up until this point, these last few years from Atlanta in here, he he's not Julio. Right, he's not going to be able. You can't depend on him for 16 games. You got to hope he could be healthy, 10 to 12 games in the regular season, and pray when playoffs come around, he's 100% healthy and he could be a wide receiver too. But I do think you need another another receiver behind him. I'm not a big Chester Rogers guy. I know we've had disagreements before about who's good on, on their uh, receiver core. Um, who's the receiver? Westbrook Kenny. Yeah, Aquino. he's a free agent as well. I know you're mm-hmm. you're higher than most on him. I like him. Westbrook Aquino. Yeah, he's he's high. He's high. He's probably a wide receiver four to me. Um, but I think upgrading wide receiver because you can't rely on Julio, and I don't want my wide receiver two to be Chester Rogers, especially when you can't rely on A.J. Brown being there. They do have a few free agents, Ben Jones, Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans, uh, Nick Westbrook-Akini, we mentioned, J.M. Brown, Frisker, tight ends, a few. It's a lot. A, a few, and most of these guys are starters too. I think tight ends another position after leave, letting John on, John New Smith walk the last year, they weren't really able to replace him. He's a tough guy to replace. Extremely and I athletic. Thought Fersker was going to play a little bit better. He really was he, mid. Yeah, he didn't at best. He was, and no, he wasn't good. A, a couple guys that receiver Swain was their best. Tight yeah, end. a couple guys that receiver if they want to go, maybe a guy like Will Fuller, someone who could stretch the field, probably be cheap. Um, I think Juju, if they do free up some money, that could be a, sp- a spot he could go where he's not going to be asked to be the number one receiver. He could play the slot, even though AJ does play there as well. He could play out wide some more. But, you know, tight end is definitely another position that just give uh, Tannehill another option 
I also think Edge is a pretty big need for them. They went out and signed Bud Dupree to a huge contract last season. He didn't pay off this first year. He'd had not a season they were expecting, at least. Um, we mentioned a couple of their free agents, Harold Landry and Rashawn Evans, who are both linebackers as well. Um, Zach, Cunningham, Zach Cunningham and David Long played well, um, but not much depth behind them. So linebacker, inside, lack, inside linebacker could be a position of need. And lastly is just tackle. Someone might not be immediate need, but uh, Taylor Lewan is 31 at the start of the season. Uh, David Cressenberry, who's a free agent, led up the most sacks as it by a tackle this past year. So I think tackles are where they could go. But with being pretty strapped with money, picking later in the draft, that could be a spot for a receiver if they want to invest in. They're not going to be able to get off Julio's contract, I don't think. So if they could get you know a day one starter at receiver or possibly one of these tackles fall, because it is a pretty deep tackle class, that makes a lot of sense to me. But when, when I look at this team, I kind of just think they've peaked. I think we know what they are. And barring them, they are do seem like a dark horse for an Aaron Rodgers. If they could somehow upgrade that quarterback position, then we could talk about them being a Super Bowl contender. But until then, I think we just kind of know what they are. I think the Titans are going to fall off next year. They have minus $7.3 million in cap space. You mentioned all their free agents. They're not going to be able to sign all of them. If I had to pick some for them to re-sign, Jayon Brown, I'm bringing back. Uh, ben Jones, I'm bringing back. Morgan Cox, their long snapper, one of the better long snappers in the NFL. Need to bring him back. Randy Bullock, give them consistency at, at the kicker position. And Jeff Swain was their best tight end, and he's not even, he's average. And then Deontay Foreman, I'll bring him back to Questenberry. He let up a lot of sacks, but he graded out fairly he okay. He did grade out well, which surprised because, me. Because of that, you know, I wouldn't be too quick to let him go. Zach Cunningham, you could have released him for $10 million. He's not worth that at this point in his career. Kendall Lamb, $4 million. Julio Jones, to me, was the biggest disappointment. When you have a receiving core of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, we shouldn't be here questioning your receivers. We shouldn't be here questioning you need more receivers or implying that they need to make moves to upgrade their personnel. Julio Jones had under 500 yards last season. Didn't stay healthy. I mean, that's yeah, he didn't stay healthy, but even he when was, he played, you're right. he, wasn't he, good. he wasn't very good. A.J. Brown, we know that he gets hurt, but when he's on the field, he's one of the better receivers in the NFL. They need tight end, a corner, an edge presence. I, I, I would like a receiver, but for me, I think a tight end is a bigger need. At least if, you know, I think Julio Jones at least plays average. Maybe he can have an A.J. Green-type revival and, you know, yeah, not be wide receiver number one, but he's, you know, a consistent second option. For me, it's a couple of guys. C.J. Uzama, free agent. Kyle Rudolph played in a similar scheme in Minnesota where it was run heavy. He's a good blocking tight end. He's older now, but I think he's still good. Hayden Hurst fits the Titans. I mean, you, he's That's just a, a plug-and-play yeah. guy. And I think he has some receiving prowess, but he wasn't he, he wasn't able to really be utilized last year because of Kyle Pitts in Atlanta. But his first year in Atlanta, he did put up pretty good production and Tyler Croft or drafting a Jeremy Ruckert, I think Tyler would Croft. be okay. <laughs> then for corner, maybe Derek Stingley falls, you know, last year, Caleb Farley fell to them. Maybe Stingley falls how, to how them. How many games did Farley play last year? Wasn't he didn't play too much, but yeah. you think Stingley could fall to 26. I don't know if he pretty can. Low. 
I don't know if he can, but you know, somebody like Farley fell to them as well because of injury, had an, there you go. Because of because of injury concerns. Stingley yeah, has injury three concerns. Farley played. I feel like Farley though was injured going into the draft. Stingley just has injuries in his past, but Farley out. also got hurt last season too, which was big for yeah, them. He played three games. Yeah, I mean, I'm no, I'm saying right now their the corners, Titans. right now their played corners: Janoris Jenkins, wow. Christian Fulton. I think Fulton's going to be a good corner. Trent McDuffie, m- maybe Elam is like some options at pick twenty six. And Edge, at the edge position, Harold Landry's an edge. You know, it's a 3-4 scheme, so he's our outside linebacker. He had a good year, and I like Harold Landry a lot. Do I think they're going to have enough cap space to re-sign him? I don't. It's a deep edge class, though. So it they is. Could, I mean, yeah. you, you got guys like Jermaine Johnson, Walker. Trayvon Walker, David Ojabo. And a lot can of these guys there. could play, could cover, too, which is, is pretty cool. So because of that, I think Titans probably let Landry walk. They draft an edge in the first round. But... I just don't think the Titans will be the same next year. I mean, it was a shock that they won 12 games. I think their offensive line, pass protection-wise, is one of the worst in the NFL. It's horrible. They don't have receivers that are reliable because they are injury-prone. Ryan Tannehill regressed. Their defense, they're not going to— I, At least from what, what I see right now, it might just be a couple guys on our defensive line that scare you. Maybe Bud Dupree comes back and he's good you to go. Hope him, big deal. But the Titans, I mean, linebackers are average. Say, I love their safeties. They have one of the best duos at safeties in, in Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker, who I've loved for a long time. It's, there's a lot of holes on this team. And I think the biggest thing that doesn't get talked about enough with the Titans offense, Ryan Tannehill's regression, is losing Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith essentially went to the Atlanta Falcons. And won seven games with a team that had a horrible defense. With the team, the void of offensive weapons outside of two players. And a horrible offensive line. Arthur Smith was able to maximize that team's offense given the personnel. We saw the switch from Todd Downing. From Arthur Smith to Todd Downing in Tennessee. And it was awful. I mean, his play calling is not the same. Even though they run the same system. Todd Downing, they have to upgrade their OC they probably won't but Todd Downing is not a good play caller and because of that I, I just don't trust the Titans next season and given they have no cap space they're gonna have to restructure contracts yeah for sure it, it's going to be a hard journey for them to to be so I think right now I project them to win nine games at most see that the division's I, I, just so bad. I understand the reason why you'd be down on them, but at the same time, we were down on them this season as they kept continuously getting hurt and they continued to win games. Rayburn, like like Tomlin gets the most out of his players, and you, you, even, you have a point, but they might lose all of like yeah, there a, a lot, lot of, of their like important starters, players. Yeah, for yeah. Sure, their defense, they're important lose players. Guys. Like these aren't guys you can just replace. These are important players. I'm with you. So I mean. They could win nine games, I agree. I guess the Colts could be better than them, but you got to think, like, they're, they're going to be in the race to win that division. Like, it might be an, an NFC East yeah. in past years that it's not great, but they're going to be in the race and, and could win the division with nine wins. Yeah, they should. I mean, the division's not very good. Yeah. You mentioned the Colts briefly. Now, I think with this Carson Wentz thing going on with the Colts, we're kind of just wondering who their quarterback's going to be, even though they need some offensive weapons like outside of Michael Pittman Jr., everybody is kind of just whatever. Jack Doyle just retired. Yeah. I don't think T.Y. Hilton comes back. 
I think it's, you know, he's too injury prone. Even when he's out there, he's not as productive. He had under three, he had 300 yards last season in 10 games. I mean, you don't like to see that. Not at all. Eric Fisher was one of the worst left tackles in pass, bro. Mark Glowinski, they could bring him back. Xavier Rose, I think you let him walk. Moelle Cox, bring him back. Marlon, Marlon Mack, he's probably going. But the Carson Wentz situation is the hardest decision for me. Because if they release him or trade him, you have to find a quarterback fairly quick. They'll, they would save $20 million if they trade him. Right now, they have $40 million in cap space, which means if they trade him, they have $60 million in cap space, which is a lot to sign those high-end receivers, to sign offensive linemen, to go get a Jimmy Garoppolo. You guys know that I'm on board with them going to get Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's a safer quarterback. He can run the offense better than Carson Wentz. That's who I'm going with if I'm the Colts. I'm going and I'm getting Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm surrounding him with some receivers. Like I think Jameson Crowder is somebody who won't cost that much, who can go and be their slot. And then next to Crowder, they can sign a guy like A-Rob or maybe a Godwin or a Christian Kirk, who I think is pretty a pretty good number two receiver. I think the Colts coming into next year, if they have a receiving core of Pittman, Kirk, Crowder, I don't think that's too bad. Or even if it's Pittman, A-Rob, Crowder, that's a pretty good receiving core in my opinion. I think they also need a tight end yeah. uh, because they don't have a receiving option and Jack Doyle just retired, so that's going to be a huge need as well. I think the Colts are in a good position to win more than nine games, which is what they won this past season. I think based off where the Titans are, Texans and Jaguars, they should be the favorite as of right now to win the division. Mm. And I think they'll make the proper moves this offseason. I also think they need another corner. Xavier Rhodes is gone. Kenny Moore's a slot. Rocket seems good. But if they can get a J.C. Jackson or a Kyle Fuller or a Levi Wallace from Buffalo or a Pat Pete, I think it, it makes their defense really good. You think they should be favorites to win the division, even with quarterback up in the air, the Titans back-to-back, winning I mean, like the division, I to, like I told one you, of the best coaches? Like I told you, I think it's going to be Jimmy G. I just, uh, how much money are you going to give Jimmy G? Jimmy G is just it's one year, 12, 20 yeah. million. 20, oh, he has one more year on his contract. That's yep. facts. Uh, that's tough for me personally. Because uh, I look at this team and I understand that Carson Wentz was a big reason why they did not make the playoffs because of the last two games of the season. However, I do give him some slack given the fact that his number two option had less than 400 yards receiving. So I look at Michael Pittman, and I think that, yes, I, I really do like him as an option for the Colts at the wide receiver position. But I understand that they have some of the most cap space in the NFL right now going into this offseason. And I look at the fact that you have Chris Godwin available. You have Allen Robinson available. You can spend top dollar to bring in these guys. And you're saying they would save $20 million by bring, by getting rid of Carson Wentz, correct? Yeah. That's you where, just replace it with... Jimmy J. Yeah, so it's, you're not getting really $60 million. It's still essentially the same yes. 40 With no pick in this draft, you're going to have to spend some money. And I think that you need to get you need to bring in another wide receiver option, whether it's spending the money like I already went over or in the second round bring, trying to draft a wide receiver. You need to address the wide receiver position without a doubt because 
you're not going to have T.Y. Hilton. He, you're probably not going to bring him back at this point in time. He's a free agent. Um, off the top of my head, Pascal was one of their options. He's not it. Paris Campbell's not it. Paris Campbell's not it either. You need to at least, if you're the organization, sit down and say, listen, we put the best personnel out there and Carson Wentz could not deliver. That's what you need to say. But right now you can't say that because are you looking at Michael Pittman and saying he's a true wide receiver one? Not he's really. a low end one. He's a low end one for sure. I'm with you. I think I think Michael Pittman has a lot of talent, but you he, you cannot win consistently with him being your number one option. And I'm also looking at you have Eric Fisher who's going to be a free agent. Do I want to go all in on on trying to protect Carson Wentz and maybe spend all my money on trying to bring in Teron Armstead to the Colts to really make them one of the best, if not the best, offensive lines in the league? But then at that point, you really would have to take a hit at wide receiver, and you'd probably have to spend, like you were saying, a Jameson Crowder, probably try and and bring in a James Washington, and then really have Jonathan Taylor be the focal point of this offense, which he already is. My question to you is that, do the Colts need a surplus of offensive weapons on the outside if they're offense is predicated on Jonathan Taylor getting 300 carries. They they do need it. Because similarly how we look at Tennessee and how Derrick Henry is the guy and he's going to get the plethora of, of looks, you still need these weapons on the outside. I understand that, but I think Michael Pittman being your best receiver is just fine if you run the, your offense that it way. It is fine if you the, have two other receivers behind yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Good. The problem with the Colts isn't that Michael Pittman is their best receiver. The problem with the Colts is that outside of Pittman, Correct. they have no receiver. I agree. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. No, I know what you're saying, but I, I kind of just came came across like they need, a, they need somebody better than Pittman. No, they need... Okay, if that's how it came across, I can understand. That's not how I meant it at all. In the sense of Pittman being your wide receiver one and him being the only serviceable option you have, I struggle I struggle with that. You you need to at least bring in one to two guys this offseason. And regardless of whether it's going to be Jimmy G or if it's going to be Carson Wentz, Jimmy G is going to come in with these with these weapons that they have right now and is not going to produce. And we're, we, we should not be surprised. The Carson Wentz-Jimmy G stuff doesn't make sense to me. I know Why not? Because... I don't get it. I don't get it. Why don't you get it? <laughs> why, why do you want to bring in Jimmy G, who's already a limited quarterback? He has a low ceiling. His floor is higher than Wentz. Yes, he just had the third most turnover-worthy plays in the league. Mm-hmm. He he was great because and he was he was good this year. I'm not calling him great, but I'm saying this past season. Because you have moments. Shanahan, Andebo, Kittle, Ayuk, Elijah Mitchell. Like, he had a great offensive line. Like, he had everything perfectly in place, similar to when we saw Baker Mayfield have a really good season when everything was perfect. He comes to the Colts, everything's not perfect. He's downgrading that coach, he's downgrading that weapons, he's downgrading offensive line. Correct. How is Jimmy G going to come in, so now you're going to go and trade or release Carson Wentz, bring in Jimmy G, that doesn't solve any problems. You're going to have the same issues because you're going to have a limited quarterback. Mm-mm. You just trade. Yes. You won't have the same issues. You will. No, you won't. Jimmy G just had the third most turnover-worthy plays in the You won't have the, the same issues because Carson Wentz doesn't take checkdowns. He doesn't take short Jimmy passes. Jimmy G just had the third. He had more turnover-worthy plays than Wentz. Carson Wentz is a quarterback who plays hero ball way too much and likes to create things out of structure. And because that doesn't play within the offense— Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play within the offense. So the issues the Colts have right now with Wentz is that 
he makes too many boneheaded mistakes he does. In, in the in the areas of you should have took the check down. Why are you rolling out of the pocket so soon? Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have issues in terms of that was a dumbass throw. You, you or, do know when the arm strength isn't totally there. But in terms of running the offense and doing what needs to be done, he's going to be just fine. He's one of the better, he's one of the better quarterbacks. No, he's one of the better quarterbacks at attacking in the middle of the field. And that sounds great and all, but Wentz had less turnovers and less turnover-worthy plays. I know what you're saying makes sense, because when I'm just thinking about it, I agree that Wentz does play hearable and make a lot of mistakes, but the stats don't back it up. The stats say that Jimmy Garoppolo is the one that makes more mistakes, more turnover-worthy plays. So you're talking about... I know you're using PFF with this. That's turnover-worthy plays, whatever. Yes. Um, I'm just wondering, and this this is not to like piggyback off what we talked about earlier, but I'm just wondering where Lamar ranks in all that. Well, that... They took my PFS subscription away. I need pick sides. <laughs> oh, okay. They took your subscription away. So you haven't checked Lamar's, but... Lamar was not third. I know Lamar probably wasn't third. I don't know where you guys are, honestly. I don't think he was... He was probably bottom 10, though. He was probably in top 10 in that category. Maybe. I mean, he only played 12 games, so I'm not sure. I know, but what I'm saying is that when I watched Jimmy Garoppolo play, I didn't... I, I knew that he'd, he'd throw some boneheaded stuff for sure, but... For the most part, he is pretty tame with where he goes with the ball. I think Wentz was just. And I don't think he's so a reckless down the stretch. He's not. He yes, was so I, bad down the stretch. Though. He no, yes, Wentz was terrible down the stretch. You can make the argument he was one of the worst quarterbacks down the stretch, a, which is not the first time it's and happened. There's something to be said where okay, maybe you're downgrading the talent from Carson Wentz to Jimmy G, but leadership in the locker room. Sure. Carson Wentz has already been questioned by Eagles teammates. He's been questioned by Colts teammates. There have been reports that, that that have came out about how they're not in love with his leadership style. One thing about Jimmy Garoppolo, everybody in San Fran loves him. 100%. And the only reason he's not coming back is because the organization made the decision to move off of him from Trey Lance. But I guarantee every single 49ers player in that locker room offensively is like, we would love Jimmy Garoppolo back. Yeah. If he's our quarterback next year, we would yes. love for him to be I, our quarterback. The intangibles. They have talked about his calming presence yes. in the huddle. Yes, I agree. The intangibles, the soft skills. That matters. It does matter. It definitely matters. But the the issue wasn't Carson Wentz's leadership. He was just the worst quarterback down the stretch, which no, no that excuse. That won't be Jimmy G. No excuse. I agree. But down in the I playoffs, know, he man, was bad. He was horrible. He was bad in Jimmy the playoffs. Jimmy G was, ba- was bad because he had a torn shoulder and a broken finger, which is... So, all right. So, why aren't we defending Baker? I have defended Baker, though. I'm, you're just saying that you're not... The verdict's out on Baker. He's not a good quarterback. Okay. That's I think it's different because we have to decide are we paying Baker 30 mil? Oh, what, this does that, what does that this mean? This is going from Carson But I'm, to but I'm Jimmy wondering G. here is because you're, you're giving I know, the benefit of the doubt I, to Jimmy. Look, I know who Baker is as a quarterback. And you when know it, who Jimmy when, is. Yes. I've never Mid, said I haven't best. I haven't I've never said I haven't known who Jimmy is. I know Jimmy Garoppolo is a Top 20 quarterback, he ranks within 18 to 15. And you love to talk about Lamar having these super, these stacked teams. Like Jimmy G's two best years, both I mean, teams I know. weren't stacked with okay, the but best what, offensive what, coach in the what, league. What helps Jimmy Garoppolo is that when he's been out, the 49ers have not won games at all. The two times Jimmy Garoppolo has been healthy for the 49ers, yes. they've went to the Th- Super that's Bowl. That's also when the rest of their healthy, I mean, one the rest of the roster was healthy. The one year when he was really hurt last season in 2020, the rest of the roster was hurt. Bosa was out. Kittle was out. Okay, Debo but he was, was out. hurt too. 
I, That's what I I'm know, saying. but so the two, is the surrounding the, okay, pieces. I'm saying the two times Jimmy G has been healthy for the Niners. The rest of the roster has been healthy too. They've made the Super Bowl and they've made the NFC Championship. Yes, but not because of Jimmy G. He I'm was not, wait, not good up. against the Packers. He you was are, very good against okay, the Cowboys. But you are totally misconstruing what I'm saying. Bad against ne- the Rams. Not once have I said the 49ers won because Jimmy G. Not once did I say Jimmy G has this potential that's untapped. I know who Jimmy Garoppolo is as a quarterback. And I think his style of play fits the Colts better than the Indianapolis Colts. But my point is you're downgrading across the board everywhere. And you're expecting no, him you to are. be you're you expecting are. him to be the same guy. How are you down? Aside from running back. Aside okay. from running back. Okay. Okay. And you that's still big though. Shanahan is the huge Shanahan's gap. the best but, run scheme in the NFL. And Frank Reich is a very good offensive yes, play caller it's too. It's different. Though. Shanahan and Reich are no, we're, know, we're talking know, different levels. You're acting like Jimmy and the G. The offensive line is not act, that great. Your run blocking is one of the best the pass in the NFL. Blocking? Yeah, but the pass blocking has ranked bad. Now, Eric Fisher was horrible in, in pass pro. Correct. But the, it it was worse because Carson Wentz holds on to the ball. Like because that's you why. Want to know why he holds on to the ball? Because his receivers aren't getting. No, he open. holds on to the ball because he doesn't trust what he sees. Because his receivers and he aren't and getting open. And he doesn't open. take the easy throws because he waits for things to develop longer so he can take longer shots. This would be a different discussion if you're upgrading from Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz to Jimmy G is not an upgrade. It's a lateral move. You just have to at barely, this point just make the pieces. You have to make the pieces around him better. Use that forty million you have and go out and get receivers. Upgrade the offensive Bro, line. Why are you going to trade a second? Your only pick. You don't have a first round pick. You don't have a third round pick. You're going to trade a second. Your only pick. They don't now, have to trade this year's. I, I guess, but San Fran's probably going to want a second this year. I'd imagine. But I guess Coles if they really it, want to in 2023, it. but then they could get a 2022 second from someone else. I'm sure. You don't. I mean, I don't know. You, we don't know that. It, You're it just assuming, se- but we don't know. It that. seems likely they're going to trade. They're going to want 2022. Okay, second, but the bottom line second. is that this all started because you said it's the same issues. It's not the same issues with Jimmy G than Carson Wentz. Jimmy G comes with issues. It's not the same ones as Carson Wentz. You're just you're expecting Jimmy and G also, to be the same guy with and, a worse team and worse coaching. No, I'm expecting Jimmy G to just be a, a solid quarterback. That's it. I'm not saying and, he's going to have this breakout season. And Jimmy G's going to go and he's going to win. But they're they're not going to do anything. They're not going to win a playoff Carson game. Carson Wentz, you look at his stats in every quarter. In it's the first quarter, yes, he's worse. his best. Second quarter, he's mid. Third quarter, fourth quarter, Listen, he's got off. This should tell you something. I'm defending Wentz. I think Wentz is so mid. I just don't get trading a second round pick to get Jimmy G to just have Wentz. You just trade a first and third round pick. Like, at least give him another season. Because you saved $20 million in cash space. And but then you're the paying Jimmy G $20 million. And, and the contract, okay, but Jimmy G's a free agent after this year. You could get out of Carson Wentz's contract the next year for no dead money. Okay, but I think having Jimmy G there is just better. Like I said, this is all about system fit. Jimmy Garoppolo... Fits the Colts' offensive scheme better than Wentz. That's not an argument. That's Unless the Colts significantly but, upgrade their weapons, no. And they have $40 million to do it. The thing is, why would I want to bring in Jimmy G when I can keep Carson Wentz for the exact same amount of money I can bring no, him? No, it's in- more money. It, yes, it's like $8 million more. Regardless. It's, it is. It's, it's like a 20 versus $28 million cap it. My point being is Carson Wentz's ceiling is significantly higher than Jimmy G's. I understand the whole floor thing, and you believe that he he fits better in their system. You bring him another weapon, he'll be fine. You need someone else and to get still, open for him. Like It's hard to think what receiver. I mean, I guess if they, they want to be in the Mari Cooper sweepstakes, it doesn't seem like Godwin's going anywhere like... I get Cooper makes the most sense. Like he's the only guy that I look out there. I understand you guys are hiring Mike Williams and I am. I think he's a good receiver who has had injury concerns. Oh, he He's you. not a oh, great, like he, he's a solid guy, but I don't know what receivers coming in. Like you're not getting Debo. Are you Kittle? 
and Shanahan, like that's just not Bro, gonna happen. Look, listen, let's keep it a buck right now because you keep mentioning Ayuk when he was in the doghouse for half the season. And when he played, he, he was, was phenomenal. He was exciting. Okay, I know, but for the majority of the season, it was Debo and Kittle. Okay, and they right have now, they have Pittman Pittman and nobody. He, down They're the stretch, great, he was no go, doubt. He was awesome. But you keep talking about how this major downgrade. It's a huge the downgrade. The, okay, it is. as it's currently constructed. But this is why this is why this is an offseason preview. Because we are previewing potential moves they can make in the offseason. Right now they have Michael Pittman, who we can both agree is not Debo, but he's better than Brandon Ayuk. Is that correct or not correct? He's better than Ayuk. Okay. So if they can get an Amari Cooper, I know that shooting for the stars, if they can get an Amari or a Chris Godwin. They now have two solid weapons and get a those are whatever. All, you oh, wouldn't just, rather Wentz with those guys than Jimmy G? I'd rather Jimmy G with those Jeez, guys. Bro. I can't bro, agree. I know and Wentz, every team in the league is like going to be Wentz. going after those two receivers, I, I don't too. Like, I, bro, I don't like Wentz as a quarterback. I don't like Neither Wentz. Do I. I don't like Wentz as intangibles. He, but you look, like Jimmy G? Bro, Jimmy Garoppolo, even if, he's not as talent, even if he's not as talented as Carson Wentz, I love Jimmy Garoppolo's game yes, management his skills you over Carson, and I like his leadership over Carson. That, that yes, matters, sure. bro. That matters. But when you come to execute on the I mean, field, you can look, like, I, I know you Zach look at Pascal. Carson Wentz's stats, and it says 33-7, and seven, and that, looks all, that all looks great. But the fact of the matter is he got worse every single quarter and, was the, reason, the and was the reason the Colts folded at the end of the season, bro. Jimmy G could have been the reason that they lost to the Cowboys. Jimmy G was the Packers reason too. that they— that they, Well, he definitely, for yes. sure. He did not play great against the Packers, and he was bro, the reason okay, they lost we, against we, the Rams. How many times do I got to go over it, bro? One, he was playing with a strange shoulder and he had a broken yeah, thumb. I like, get it, but this bro, is new, bro. Bro, he had the same thumb it's not, injury. It's not like he Jimmy had, G went from this top ten quarterback to now he's injured. Now this is why, like bro, Jimmy G's he been had this. Same, he's a guy. He had the same. He's an average quarterback. Bro, he had the same injury as Chris Paul, which sidelined him six to eight weeks. I, I get it, bro. Like what? That's huge. And okay, yeah, so what? Jimmy G's going to get healthy and be I, a top twelve quarterback, bro. That's what you're telling is, me. No, no, I'm not. That's what you're basically once, saying. Not you think he's going to get significantly Carson, better. Is Carson Wentz a top 15 quarterback? No. Now there's Jimmy not. G. Carson Wentz and Jimmy G are both 15 to 18 yes. ranked quarterbacks. So why trade a okay, second round let pick? Me, let, me, let me finish what I'm saying. Because you keep you keep misconstruing what I'm saying. Never I mean, once never once did I say Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a top 10, top 12 quarterback season. Never once did I say he's going to have a breakout season. You're saying he's an upgrade over I Wentz. I said he runs the offense better. He's a better offensive fit for that team. You don't trade for Jimmy G unless you think he's an upgrade. What, no bro, matter how you want to find upgrade, you listen, think he's an upgrade. Listen, he's not. Listen, listen. He's a better offensive fit for that team. He's an upgrade, Jim, bro. Okay, That's what let you're me saying. finish. Let me finish. Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz both, to me, rank within 15 to 18 in the league in quarterbacks. Even if you think Carson Wentz is 15 and Jimmy G is 18. I'd rather the quarterback that's the 18th ranked and gives me all those intangibles plus fits the scheme better. You want to think Carson Wentz, yeah, he has more potential. He has more upside. We've been talking about Carson Wentz's upsides, upside for years, bro. What does that materialize into? Can we stop it? Like he what does that materialize into? He was into? like that in Philly. I don't really what does that what materialize he did in Philly. He was, into, and he bro? was similar in a similar position where he did not have weapons and he was still successful. Show me Garoppolo Respect. without Shanahan and these weapons. He's not going to be – he's going to be – the 20th best quarterback. Let's be real. He's been nothing but Carson surrounded. Been nothing but what? No, I'm talking about Jimmy G. He's been nothing but surrounded with talent his entire time in San Fran. And he played and well with great coaching. What quarterback that's not Deshaun Watson isn't surrounded with talent? Carson Wentz. What quarterback within the top 10 is not surrounded with talent? 
what does that have to do with anything? We're talking I'm about saying, the Rogers just, just has Tay. That's a fact. Rogers has Tay and no that's one else. That's a fact. Just because Jimmy Garoppolo was surrounded with talent, yes, that helped his situation. He is not I mean, going, Allen has Diggs and Gabe Davis? Bro, it's not like a situation where Nick Foles in, in 2018 is going from Philadelphia to Jacksonville where they have nothing. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to a team where they have something established. It's Jonathan and Taylor given, and, and, and Michael Pittman, and yes. Given, and given the offseason really they have, is. they can very easily add two more weapons to that team. And very Pittman's easily, the third best I would rather Carson receiver Lawrence. or third best pass catcher on the Niners. He's the third best behind Debo and Kittle. Correct. Okay, but what you're not understanding is that I Jimmy, think Ayuk and Pittman are that Jimmy, far off. Jimmy truthfully. Garoppolo is not going to is not going from the 49ers to the Detroit Lions. That's no, the, that's what I'm saying. Like he is going to have a if he goes to the Colts, he's going to have a similar statistical season to what he had, bro. Yeah, Jimmy G. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so like and he why, wasn't great. So like, we talk about so we average. talk we talk about this major drop off. If he has the same statistical season, what are you talking about? He was I don't so think, average. I, I don't think Jimmy G. Wins more. Ga- he's going to win more games than Carson. First Wentz. thing is first. I don't think he'll have the same statistical season. Okay, so we'll just do a what, little. What was his statistical season last past it year? It was twenty touchdowns, twelve picks. And Trey Trey Sick. Lance Trey Lance started like. Were uh, you just shit on games. Lamar for going nineteen and thirteen in twelve games? Well, Lamar's supposed to be an MVP. That's a dumb thing to say. Lamar's supposed to be an MVP caliber quarterback. No, but you're you, you're so, saying how, so you're how Jimmy so, G's. Oh no, he's gonna go. It's it's similar. You know they have Pittman and JT. No, Something's know, established I know, bro, there. He Jimmy was just G, I know he's an average quarterback. You're talking about Lamar Jackson having an average quarterback season. No, you said he was average and he played five less games. Or no, Jimmy G missed one or two. Yeah, but Maybe Lamar Jackson, for one. From my standards to be higher for Lamar than Jimmy G, I mean, that's a low bar. He was bar. hurt, and, he, and, and, and Lamar bar. was hurt too. But but that doesn't matter. That, but Jimmy G, what? That's Jimmy your G argument. For, that's your argument for Lamar. Though. I made my argument for Lamar. That's done. That's what you're doing done. with Jimmy G, like I, I don't no, understand. No, because you're you're, you're not G being consistent. Not, it's it's not, a different not, bar. Lamar was hurt. Jimmy G was hurt. We have to give credit Jimmy G. Not Lamar. You think Wentz is that? He's better than Jimmy G for sure. Okay, for sure. So they they make it to the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz instead of Jimmy G if you put on Fort Niners. You give him Shannon, you give him Kittle, you give him... I mean, they were a game away, so probably. I'll tell you what, probably. Oh, okay, well... Less turnover-worthy players, less turnovers in general. Well, guess what? And I think they have more confidence to go for it on fourth down if they have... Jimmy G, they had the last drive. They didn't get a yard. He threw an interception, bro. Like, he could not drive the ball at all the last drive. I must win. Game-winning drive. He did nothing. Did you see the pressure in front of his face? What was he supposed to do? Not not every play. No. The interception, yes. I'll tell you what, the fourth quarter, 100% right. Jimmy fourth G was quarter, put in hell. The defensive was line was ridiculous. He was put in hell. Come on, bro. But every he, quarters on, one through three, he could have easily I'm not put saying that away. he played a good game. Y'all, y'all keep acting like I'm, I'm not saying say, he played no, great. No, that's not you, what we're saying. And I, I've, that's I've, not like, what we're we saying. We keep running in these circles when no, I've, I've given you an explanation for the things you keep bringing up. No, and, and we, I give you we just disagree. We just disagree. No, you don't. You you. I think give you, an explanation you, you think Jimmy G is going to downgrade everywhere and be the same. I think he's going to downgrade everywhere and not be as good. Correct. That's where we disagree. Correct. You say that now, but a couple minutes ago when I asked you, when I told you, I think Jimmy Garoppolo would have the same statistical you season. That. You did say you that. You said he would. But it's a, such an average season that like it 20 an and 12, no, especially if he but stays I'm, healthy. Like my, my point my point is, is that you're saying he's going to get... Re- He's going to get significantly worse when I just told you that he'd have a similar stat a line. Big, you the, agree. The stat line is so average. Of, it's a, so mid. That's a, what he is. A big part of Jimmy G is the wins. And that's where he's going to take a hit. 
That's why, like, bro, what was the stat line? 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, and what, like 3,500 yards? It probably was that. I'm like, not, that's I'm not just sure such exactly. an average stat line. Like, sure, maybe, like, that's just an average quarterback. Like, you could, I could think he gets worse as a quarterback. He could put up similar numbers. Like, because 20 and 12 with 3,500 yards, is, it's so average. Like, that's what I'm expecting. Okay. And I think the intangibles in the scheme fit is better for the Colts. The intangibles I get. The scheme fit, I, I'm not sure, man. I don't know how you think it's. He almost threw for 4,000. 3,800, oh. 20 touchdowns, 12 INTs. And you also have to take into account that he probably didn't get the passing touchdowns weren't as high because Debo they Samuel ran it in the goal Elijah line. Mitchell. You can do the same thing with JT. I mean, obviously not if he had 33 touchdowns. JT just led the league. Carson Wentz. That's true, but JT and still led the league. In yeah, they probably yeah, gave, they gave Carson Wentz more opportunities in those situations to get those numbers up, though. So it's all it's all depend. Is exactly what I said. Exactly what I said. No, for, that's what I'm saying. Exactly Come on, what like, I'm exactly what I mean for like you know um, the Lamar thing. It's like an entire drive. It can be it can but be. Why JT, are you taking and then away from the quarterback if they execute Wentz. in the red zone? That's the most. That's because arguably the most I've important seen, bro, thing on the football field. Saw, is can you execute in the red zone? I score saw, a touchdown. I saw Carson field goal. Wentz get worse every single quarter. Bro. No, I, I agree, but that's not what I'm saying. You, you take away from quarterbacks when they execute in the red zone. That's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. I'm not taking away from the quarterback, but context matters. If, if you score a touchdown, bro, 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 I'm saying good up. job. I'm not saying bro, that was a five year touchdown pass. That's bro. Context matters. So. Let me give you a scenario right here. It's third and goal at the nine-yard line. The quarterback has to make a tight window throw to throw a touchdown. He gets a touchdown, right? That counts as, that counts as one touchdown, correct? Versus a quarterback at the two-yard line on third down or second down where the defense is expecting to run. You play action. You have a flat wide open in the end zone. Those are two significantly different right, touchdowns. Just, the third and nine, the, same the third and nine. Why didn't you execute on first and let's, second down? Let's, let's, but I'm saying that those two touchdowns are significantly different. They're different, but they're touchdowns nonetheless. You don't understand, but they're touchdowns nonetheless. But there's one that was a higher degree of difficulty than the other one. And this just is looking Joel at Rand, like, we don't know. No, no, this is no, harder to no. execute. That's Joel, it. Well, let's just look at the names of guys that he was throwing touchdowns to. Obviously, you have Zach Pascal who had three, right? Moali Cox had four. Jack Doyle had three. Oh, and then we get to this guy named Ashton Doolin, who had two. Naheem Hines had two. Parrish Campbell had one. Desmond pa- uh, uh, Patman had one. Danny had. Pinter had one. Pittman had six. Like, why does it matter? Like, who are these I, guys? I understand what no, you're the saying with context. difficulty matters. I, do, I, I, matters I, under, I understand. I understand what you're saying. But under no circumstance am I taking a touchdown away or being like, oh, whatever, because it was easy or the flat was open or the play design worked or the execution was perfect. Like, that's all things that teams struggle to do. Teams struggle in the red zone. You win games by scoring touchdowns and not field goals. So why am I taking that away from you regardless of it's first, second, third down, third and nine, first and goal on the two? Like, it's all a touchdown and teams struggle with that year after year. Okay. Carson Wentz had 33 touchdowns and seven picks. That stacks up. That stat he had 27. Line. 27 touchdowns. Oh, 27 touchdowns? Oh, I was wrong on the touchdowns then. So he had seven more touchdowns. His stat line, along with its passer rating, they line up with a lot of the better quarterbacks in the NFL this past season. But I never once brought up his stat line because I know that's not, okay. that doesn't okay. reflect what he actually that, was. That, okay, I that's agree. what I'm saying though. Just because the stat line says it was a touchdown, touchdowns are made differently, regardless or not. If you think it's a touch, it's a, if it's a, if it's, it constitutes a touchdown regardless. Touchdowns to me are weighed differently when I watch how they were scored. If one was a significantly harder degree of difficulty, then yeah, I give more credit 
to the playmaker or the quarterback that executed that play. If it's a play-action pass and you got a crosser wide open, there's no defender near him, 10 yards within him. I mean, how much credit am I giving you if you hit an open pass? Like, I, you got to be bad is, to miss this that. This is such like a hard stat because none of us know how many it's not a hard how many touchdowns to were a tight window how like many touchdowns is, were wide this, open okay, when was, on is, the, was it 30 and 3 was it first and goal like okay this first touchdown i just saw from carson wentz was an excellent but this is the, the difference this is the difference window. between just looking at the stats and watching the games play out based on what i watched from carson wentz bro i don't feel like he's a fit for the colts and this is all it's on you can talk to me about stats all you want oh he's better than jimmy g other than the I'm, turnovers and turnover worthy plays that was the I'm only stats you, i brought up okay but then we talk about the touchdowns and that's what i'm saying touchdowns are made differently bro and that's my entire argument but your you argument can, was I, the original argument was red zone touches red zone touchdowns what bro that was the original it's, argument if, it, if it's a play action pass and reds red, bro a lot of play action passes are prevalent in the red zone because yes, they are. Okay. So if a play action pass happens in the red zone and it's a flat wide open, how, okay, am I gonna what, give I'm gonna give 20, a lot of credit 20 to the of his touchdowns like that? I'm not saying it was 20 of his touchdowns. Like I I'm, understand that, bro, but like even if he got one of those a game, you, that's like, half of his touchdowns. Bro, I'm saying there's different degree of difficulties. And while you can't take the touchdown stat away, realistically, I how many free touchdowns do you when think it's Carson Wentz had? How many free touchdowns just wide open do you think he had? Yeah, five, five maybe. You, Joel, like, where's this maybe five? From? I think like five or six. So he had twenty to twenty-one other touchdowns that were difficult or tight window. That's more than Jimmy G had in total. I mean, I'm just giving you a guess. So Me too, but like is, realistically, we don't really know. There's not a lot of times where guys are just wide open, especially in the red zone when you only have. 10 to 15, 20 yards to work with. I don't it's know. A lot more condensed. It's a lot harder J, to score. With, with JT being your running back, I'd count on more, most of them being open like that. Well, you just said five of his 21 or 26. That's not a lot. But five is okay. But, uh, not even but a quarter. This is the difference, though. Like, you, I said five of his 20, whatever, 26. But that's a, that's a guess for me. Like, but we both agreed. Not, I, I, I said about five. Just because we both agree doesn't mean it's a solid stat. I can go home and watch all of his touchdowns from this past year and give you that exact answer, the okay. exact one. But don't use my my assumption as fact. But we we're both assuming that in the NFL, especially in the red zone, there's not a lot of plays that are just wide open. I think we I think all of us agree that most of the time it's somewhat of a difficult throw. Most of the time, guys aren't just running wide open. Bottom line is I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a better system fit for the Colts. And if you don't believe that, I don't, I don't know what you're watching. I don't. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I just watched a bunch of film from Carson Wentz. I'm seeing a lot of impressive throws. He was To start the year, he was pretty damn good. Down, those last like six games, he really started to struggle. I saw and one. And that matters. I saw one. 100%. He had, so did Jimmy G's not going to like. Oh, my God. No. Get him a weapon, man. He could be exciting. That being said, am I going to be a Carson Wentz fan this year, bro? You're watching highlights, bro. You're going to watch good but plays. But I'm only from watching Carson the touchdowns. I'm all, I only. But watch you're watching the highlights. You're going to watch great Carson no, Wentz plays. Am I going to have to be showing, a Wentz such a uh, Wentz every fan? Touchdown. If you want to, you can be a Wentz defender. I'm not joining I saw, you. I saw two plays specifically: a, a screen pass to Jonathan Taylor that he took to the crib against the Ravens. Oh yeah, and then I saw a. a a play action pass where like Mo, Mo, yeah, no, it was crazy. Yeah. But Mo Ali Cox came in and he ran to the flat, and that was within the 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 five yard line. But that was the only one that I saw that really was what Joel was saying. How how far are you into the video? Uh, a good like seven minutes. Okay, so it's not the whole thing. So that's it's two. 12, it's twelve minutes. Okay, so that's two. We'll go home and we'll, I'll watch this. Okay. I'm gonna watch this. Right. And do let's do the same for Jimmy G too. We can do the same thing for him. 
And I Jimmy Jimmy G, what you what you're not understanding about him, and you too, Drew, because you're not understanding this either. Wait, he's more handsome. Nah, I'll be honest. Carson Wentz looked good. Go ahead. What you don't understand about Jimmy G is that he's a gamer. Yes. So whatever you want to say about him, disrespect. His intangibles, you 100 percent. You want to talk about it? Just keep keep on disrespecting that man. Because when he goes to a new team, watch out. And he downgrades everywhere. Okay. He's toast, bro. <laughs> Texans offseason. Are they trading Deshaun Watson? Uh, case is still going ongoing. Davis Mills looks like the future, at least right now. They were really inspired by his rookie season. Lovey Smith is now the head coach. They went 4-13 and this past season. They have 26 pending free agents, but only have $17.96 million in cap space. They could cut Brandon Cooks for $11 million, but it's not worth it. He's their only only great receiver. Because of that, what do the Texans do, and how much better can they really get? The Texans, first of all, last offseason, I remember they signed like all, and that makes sense why I have so many free agents. Just They just signed all of these like veteran guys to one-year deals just because like realistically they needed to fill out the roster. They just didn't have enough players on the team, and that's why so many guys are free agents now. But the Texans are one of the biggest question marks for me because I have no idea what they're doing at three. I know there's been reports of Kyle Hamilton, reports of tackle, edge rusher. I mean, to me, if the expected number one and two pick is Evan Neal and uh, Hutchinson, I think at three, you got to go either Icky or Kayvon Thibodeau. I know Kyle Hamilton is probably the best player available, but this Texans team, it's just depleted of talent. You're going to be able to trade Deshaun Watson, and the rumors are still that you're going to be able to get three first-round picks for him. The talent, 100%, yes, you should be able to get that. But I just look at this, these cases that are still ongoing. It, I don't know how much progress has been made here. And until those cases have been settled and the NFL, if they you know lay down suspension on Deshaun, it's going to be hard to trade him. So you could be going into free agency, going into the draft with the same question marks around this team saying, what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson? I think they've made the decision. They're going to go forward at least for another season with Davis Mills because there's no way you're taking a quarterback at three in this draft. At least for the first time in a couple years, they have their first-round pick and their second-round pick. They didn't even have a second-round pick last season. So they're going to have the ability to have two top 35 picks. They're going to be able to get two guys. They're going to make an impact right away. They're going to start right away. They have holes. I mean, we could go on for days about how many holes are on this team. (laughs) But if I just want to shape my team around positional value – to me, at, at three, I'm taking either a tackle or an edge rusher, trying to get my franchise guide out of those positions. And then the second round, I want to get a weapon. Whether one of those receivers fall, um, I think you're not going to go running back. Probably Brees Hall is really good, but I don't think he's going to be um, someone at least I would value, especially with so many other holes on this team. I think in the second round, you probably go best player available. But to three for, at three for me, I think it would be a mistake going Kyle Hamilton. Just even though he is this unicorn type player, I think there's bigger needs and more important positions. I would be pretty shocked if they went Kyle Hamilton at three. I think a lot of mocks I've seen have him going three. And I understand he's definitely a talented guy. There's some people that have him as the number one most talented player on their board. He is going to be a special talent for sure. But I think taking such a or using such a high pick on a safety is a bold choice. You look at it when the Jets took Jamal Adams. It was at six, nevertheless. However, he was great for them, but it did not impact winning. You were able to use him for a trade, and that benefited your team in the long run, for sure. However, I don't know how much it's going to impact winning in terms of the Houston Texans as a whole. Like you mentioned already, they have a plethora of holes. Offensive line, they need help there. Defensive line, they need help there. Secondary-wise, they need help there. I'm looking at it from this lens. A pass rusher 
automatically takes your defense to another level if he's an elite talent because then it opens up the other side of the pass rush. You look at it, and I think of Miles Garrett off the top of my head because Miles Garrett does not matter who you line up next on the opposite side of him. They're going to get pressure because of the attention he draws. If Kayvon Thibodeau is that type of talent, well, I don't think he's Miles Garrett. That, that's Miles Garrett's one of the best rushers, if not the best rusher in the league. I would probably put T.J. Waddle for him out of respect because he just broke the record or tied the record. However, regardless of that, if Kayvon Thibodeau is an elite pass rushing talent, that will help start the rebuild for this team. Offensive line would be nice. Like Joel, like, like Joel mentioned, excuse me, Icky would be an interesting or intriguing pick for me as well. However, I look at it in the sense of we need to focus on one side of the ball right now. And whether Davis Mills is the quarterback option of the future, that's to be determined. I do believe that he will be the starting quarterback next season, without a doubt. He showed promise this rookie season, especially coming in to fill the shoes of Deshaun Watson, who is went on the field, in my opinion, the most complete quarterback in the league. He has everything I want in a quarterback. And for him to come in and, and play as well as he did, not great, but 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 good. And enough where if I'm the Texans, I'm looking at it as if it is not a complete need of ours to address the quarterback position. I'm looking at the defensive line. I'm looking at that offensive line and, and saying to myself, I desperately need to get personnel here. Safety, you can pay, you can get in the later rounds. You can you can pay a, a Quandre Diggs to come play for you. You don't have that much money. I don't. How much money do you believe Quandre Diggs is going to be asking for? Probably like within the ten fifteen million. And I I feel as if if you're the Texans, I guess that's not a. a how don't a, they have cap room? It's because Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil has to be taken up a ton. That's that's another thing. It's just one like this team. You think like how many players are real realistically taking up all this money? It's really Tunsil and Deshaun Cooks and Deshaun. I wonder what Deshaun's cap it is if they trade him. Like what what they get off? But in the long run, I think you need to to bear down on that defensive line. Truthfully, yeah, I think building from the trenches makes a lot of sense for sure. If Kyle Hamilton is there, they got to take him. Gotta. Yeah, that's crazy. I understand people talk about this positional value and all this other stuff, but Jamal Adams is a different case because he was a strong safety who was best lining up in the box as a linebacker and helping against the run. He's never been a great pass coverage, coverage safety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton can be be a slot corner. He can play on the outside. He can cover great receivers in his league. He can go- cover tight ends. He's six four. He can be great against the run. Would you pass up on the opportunity of drafting Ed Reed at three just because he's a safety? I know Ed Reed's a rare case, (laughs) but Kyle Hamilton has all pro potential. And when I think of Lovey Smith and his defensive scheme running a Tampa two, it's about coverage. It's about having safeties who can go sideline to sideline and make plays. Kyle Hamilton is a guy I look at that can do just that. And maybe it's not a Kayvon Thibodeau. Maybe it's not an Icky. Maybe it's not one of these offensive linemen or the edge rushers. But Kyle Hamilton has a lot of versatility. And just because he's a safety, I don't think he's he's undraftable at number three. I don't think that matters. Jamal Adams and Kyle Hamilton are two yes, different players. Because of that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bat an eye if they drafted Kyle Hamilton. That being said, this offseason for the Texans... Who knows what's happening with Deshaun Watson? Most of their rebuild is predicated on how many picks they get back for Deshaun so they can build through the draft and also 
you know, sign some players. They've there's been talks about maybe trading Laramie Tunsil. Whether that happens or not, I'm not sure. They could get some value for him, but they wouldn't save any money trading him, so it doesn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's about maximizing Davis Mills right now. You number three, you go with Kyle Hamilton, and I think in the offseason, you bring in kind of journeyman players who won't cost much that are average. That's what you they look did at, this past that this last offseason and really yeah, what you look the at, roster you look was filled at, with. You look at James Daniels or even if they want to spend a little bit more, you know, Connor Williams, who can be good at guard. I think right now they have three foundational offensive linemen, or at least all, all offensive linemen that are good enough to be there next year. Laramie Tunsil, Marcus Cannon, and Justin Brett. They need to fill out those two guard positions. You get a Connor Williams, I think the offensive line gets better. I like Brevin Jordan a lot. They could use an upgrade at tight end, even though I like Brevin Jordan a lot. Brandon Cooks is there. Nico Collins played okay. I think you bring in another receiver, maybe in the second round of the draft, or yeah. you sign one. And now I think you give Davis Mills something to work with. Yeah. Free agents that they have, Malik Collins I would bring back. Jacob Martin I would bring back. Those are the two better defensive players that were there this past season. But you guys are right. They need every single position. So I think right now as a team, I don't think it's necessarily imperative that they go with a a position that is, I guess, holds, holds more value than other ones. I think it's just go with the best player available. And I think at number three, between Kayvon and, and Kyle, I think Kyle's a better player. I just think if they both reach their potential and you could get Kayvon, who could be a 15-plus sack guy every year, that's more valuable. And I would rather take that at three than Kyle Hamilton, who, yes, could be an all Thomas. It, yeah, I understand that. But you have you have to do the same thing for Kayvon, though. His upside is an all-pro edge rusher who could be a top-five edge rusher in the league, too. So that's the only reason I I push back there because you can't be like, well, if Hamilton reaches his peak, you also have would to say take, Kayvon does, too. Would you take Earl Thomas or would you take Vaughn Miller? Vaughn. It depends on the team I have. You need an edge rusher, bro. You're starting a team. Come on. You're if I'm the Earl- Legion of Boom, I'm taking Earl Thomas. If I have those guys, then I, I'm taking Earl Thomas. No, I'm blank sure slate. Yeah. You need to take Earl Thomas or Von Miller. This is how you're starting your defense. You know the answer. Depends on my scheme. Nah, you bro. know the answer. You're, he you're knows taking the answer. A pass but, Von, but Von Miller is kind of like, I, I would take Von Miller, but Von yes. Miller is kind of like, Earl Thomas was great. He was all pro, but Von Miller was the best defense player in the league. For sure. Like, I, I think we got to compare two players in the same tier, within the same tier. Was he ever the best defensive player in the league? He won defensive player there, didn't he? I don't think so, man. I want to say J.J. Watt was J.J. Watt when he really was in conversations. Hey, Cleo Mack. And Kayvon has compared himself to Jadavion Clowney. So really, like, would you rather Jadavion Clowney or okay, an all-pro Cla- safety? Clowney coming out of the draft was an all-world so prospect. Let me, That's how he's comparing himself. Let me ask you he's something. He's not comparing himself to the eight-and-a-half sack guy in the would, league. Would you, would you want Jadavion Clowney or Jamal Adams? Well, it's it's hard because Clowney was a disappointment and Jamal uh, Jamal was kind of hit or miss depending on how Jadavion you want. wasn't a disappointment. He, he was wasn't, he, he wasn't was. a defense DPOY candidate, but, but he he's was, been one of the better run pros- stoppers in the NFL. As a prospect, he was coming out being one of the best edge rushers we've seen in a minute. So, Avon Miller, three time All Pro, I want to say three times second all time Pro. He was the best at his position for years. I'm saying like. That's a more fair comparison so like Jamal Earl. versus but Jamal like, versus Kayvon. There was, there was I mean, years Jamal where Jamal was Kayvon. like a top three, top five safety. Yeah, but Clowney lasted, was never like that. Yeah, but like I mentioned before, Jamal... But Clowney never even had Jamal's, that peak. Jamal's not great at coverage. I know. He's like a Kyle Hamilton. I'd, I'd rather, Kyle Hamilton's going to be able to... It's going to be great in coverage, bro. I, I know. But Clowney, Clowney's different because he never built in... He never developed that pass rushing that everyone expected him to. I'm just saying, I think that... 
just because he's a safety, I'm not saying I'm not drafting him. And I'm, I'm not going saying with that at three. I'm not saying he's undraftable. Yes, I'm drafting him at it's three. Early. But even still, it's Marcus early. Cannon's going to be 34. Like, if you could get a tackle, you know what I'm saying, or the edge rusher, give me that over Kyle Tackles Hamilton. Tackles be lasting to like 38, though. How, like, yeah, you got the Brandon Staley's and the Trent Williams's, but worth. majority of Marcus them aren't Cannon is that at long. least going to be good for like one, one to two years left. Okay, he's going to be 34. Like, and right now the Texans are losing Justin Reed in free agency, most likely, who's been their best safety for years. They have nobody in the secondary. I would, Des- I'd rather Desmond just, King is leaving. Justin Reed is leaving. I care. They signed they have hundred guys to one year deals, and I looked it up. At least they in, have. They have so. Deshaun Watson is a $40 million cap hit. Tunsil is a 26. Cooks is 16, but they have $35 million in dead money. That's what's taking up a, a From lot. From what? Do you know? Zach Cunningham, Whitney Merciless, Shaq uh, Lawson, Bradley Roby, Cobb, Andre Roberts. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. But I, would, I would say Kayvon or Icky, bro. I, I really wouldn't think twice about it. I don't know. I like I Kyle understand Hamilton. your logic, for sure. Because he's going like, to I think Hamilton's going to be mad exactly, good. Don't get me wrong. Because Kyle Hamilton's a great prospect. However... I just look at it in the lens of I would rather the elite pass rusher. You know, teams do that and they they end up with Bradley Chubb. No offense, but teams do that and they end up with a Miles Garrett. Teams do that first overall pick though. Joey like, Bosa. We knew Garrett was going to okay. be Joey Bosa. Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa. We knew them though. We they, knew. But they, these we guys are different prospects. But to be fair, Thibodeau still to a top be fair, they didn't have the different prospects than Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yes, I agree. Thibodeau is worse than all those guys yes, for sure. As a prospect, he is definitely. Yeah, he's like a, he's this, a worse this, prospect than Clowney. This draft class is a draft class that there's not a clear-cut number one guy, but there's a lot of guys that like are top 10, talented, top 5. Really talented. That's mm-hmm. it. It's not like a clear-cut, yo, Miles Garrett, J- oh, yeah, J.J. Watt, or Chase Young. Like, it's not like that. Like, T.J. Watt was, the, what, 30th, 32nd And even then, like, the, the Texans last year, Malik Collins was good in the interior. Jacob Martin as an edge rusher was okay for them. They don't have any secondary. They don't I, have any players in the secondary. I know, but they're just so even they're just good. so far away from competing. I'm not line? like I'm not that worried. Malik Collins and Jacob Martin were pretty good last year. But they just have so many holes and so far away from competing. It's not like, no, we need to go get a safety. We need to go get a corner. It's like, let's just go get the guy who's gonna have the biggest impact for the next five years. Second round at the top of the draft, third pick in the second round, they can get an edge rusher. This edge rusher it's is more very loaded. deep. It is. I, I think know. I would rather get a wide receiver at that end. You need weapons desperately. Yeah. That's true. I mean, they need everything. To be honest, the Jaguars, to me, I think, you know, last year, 3-14, and 14, Urban Meyer, toxic situation. One of the more dysfunctional ones in the NFL. No doubt. I, I think this team, the Jaguars, have the have the ability to go from worst to first in the AFC South. I don't hate I don't. I don't hate, hate it. it. I don't hate it. And I know it's going to sound crazy because Trevor Lawrence wasn't great as rookie season, but I think Doug Peterson is going to provide stability for that offense Lawrence is going to develop, in my opinion. And they have talent. Like, the defense isn't devoid of talent. The offense isn't devoid of talent. Look at the free agents. Cam Robinson, Andrew Norwell, AJ Can, DJ Chark, Laquan Treadwell. I'm re-signing Cam Robinson and Andrew Norwell. I feel like they have to re-sign their offensive linemen. Still draft one. You know, just you can move Evan Neal, right tackle, left tackle, Icky, right tackle, left tackle, doesn't matter. But I'd still draft one. And this past season, Miles Jack didn't grade out well, but I think he's still a phenomenal linebacker. Brandon Linder didn't grade out well, but I think he's still a really good center in the NFL. They have $59 million in cap space. Of money. I feel like DJ Chart coming off an ACL, 
it's a better decision for them to go and get a wide receiver that's not him. Maybe a Mike Williams goes, maybe an Amari Cooper or Chris Godwin or a reunion, Allen Robinson. That would be good too. If they don't, if they can't land those guys, I would bring back ZJ Chark because the weapons aren't bad if you have Chark, Jones. They just don't have a one. And Chanel out there. Doug Peterson. I still believe in Chanel. Doug so Peterson. One? He's not a one. Nah, as, a one. As, a, as a Swiss Army knife type. A poor man's Debo. Very poor. Yes. Yep. Doug poor. Peterson is there. I don't think you can rule out Zach Ertz going to Jacksonville. And they would need tight end. They need tight end help. Dolan Schultz. He's going to get tagged. Uh, is, it came out. They would pay him like 10 mil of their season. They tag him. That's fair. That's all day. For me, I look at their offense and I feel like it should look like this in my brain. Trevor Lawrence, ETN, Chark, because I don't know if any big time is going back to Jacksonville. That hurt. I know. Marvin Jones should note bringing in Zach Ertz and on the offensive line, Robinson, Norwell, Linder, Corbett. So bringing in Austin Corbett to replace AJ Can and then Evan Neal. I don't think the weapons are bad. I thought the offense was shit. If yeah. Doug Peterson is there with these weapons, with an offensive line that is above average, Trevor Lawrence can have a bounce back second season and be very good. And defensively, Josh Allen, he's a really good edge rusher. They need some defensive tackles. I sign Malik Collins from Houston. BJ Hill's an option from Cincinnati. I like that. You got to give Chase on one more season. He's been disappointing, but yeah. you got to give him one more season. Miles Jack, he's coming back. Anthony Walker from Cleveland is really good. Shaq Griffin, Tyson Campbell on the secondary wing guard. And I hope Cisco gets a chance to start because I'm high on Cisco. I was high on him coming out of the draft. And I think this team, based on the ascension of Trevor Lawrence, can go from worst to first. If Trevor Lawrence is anything near a top 15 quarterback, the Jaguars can win the division. And it's not out of their own possibility. They can win this division, if he's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. Oh, go. I, I know you want to speak about your guy. It really hurt me. You didn't even mention James Robinson, man. I'm not too worried about it. I think Etienne's better. I mean, telling your, telling your Achilles, what week was it? Was know, it the it last was, week? It, no, I don't think it was. Was it the last? I, it, was, it was late in the season. I think it was against the Jets. Something like, something like that. I think that Etienne is such a great pass-catching back that you could use him out of the slot or you can use him at like that type of formation that he will have success either way because they need wide receiver weapons. Personally, I think that that's why they were so willing to draft him so high because he has those pass catching abilities and also for the fact that him and Trevor played in college together. However, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I feel as if offensive line, it's essential that they Put the money into their offensive line to protect Trevor Lawrence. That's This is the franchise. This is the highest-touted prospect in the history of the game. If he is who we all think he is, Joel is 100% correct in the sense of assuming that it's possible they could take that worst to first leap. First in the division. Not first. It's a championship, but first in that division. And, and there's a lot of things that have to play out. You need to bring back Cam Robinson. You need to bring back Norwell. Sign Evan Neal. Have him play right tackle. Did he play? He is designated as a right tackle right now. Yeah, is he? Yes, mm-hmm. I believe so. So you have him play right tackle for you. That that's perfectly fine with me. Then you need to go out and you need to bring in some weapons. If you bring in, you bring back Allen Robinson. 
back to a situation where he's already been in Jacksonville. He's com- comfortable with the environment. He, I believe that it's already been reports that he would be interested in coming back to play with, in Jacksonville. That's very intriguing to me, without a doubt. I look at DJ Chark and... The knee injury does scare me. I don't know if I'd be willing to give him a contract to come back. I like LaVishka Chenault in the Swiss Army Knife type role. And, and, and honestly, you bring Allen Robinson into this offense, LaVishka Chenault can be a little bit more interesting as a wide receiver to me. Yes, I understand he's he's not the best wide receiver. However, now you bring in another option that's going to draw a little bit more attention away from him. Maybe his game could open up. It's hard to expect these wide receivers to really take this huge leap in their game early in their career. Some players take time, and I think LaVishka Chanel is one of those guys. I think that he has elusiveness. He has he has power in his game, both running the football and as a pass catcher. It's very exciting. to uh, He's a very exciting wide receiver if they can get him the ball in certain spaces. And I like James Robinson. I mean, regardless of how I feel about him personally, I say this because I have him in fantasy on my dynasty team, and he's he was electric last season. He was one of the reasons why my team was so good. So I'll always have a place in my heart for him. And it was really shocking to, for, for me to hear on draft day them draft ETN. But I do believe that you can have James Robinson still be your main back and still incorporate ETN in the wide receiver role or a wide receiver type role because he is so talented with his hands. Yeah, and real quick, I looked up. So Evan Neal played three positions across offensive line. He started 13 games at left guard, 12 games at right tackle, but 15 games at left tackle this past season. So he could play right. He could play guard too, but he, it sounds like he could play left or right tackle. I'm assuming if they take him number one overall, they envision him being their franchise left tackle eventually. You know, they still could sign Cam Robinson if they want to just have some depth or protection. If or Evan Neal, right, the right tackle, or, or that too for sure. Um, but I think this off season, it, it's really just building on this offense, right? I know we've talked a lot about the receivers. I don't think they have a number one. I think Marvin Jones is a pretty firm number two. You know, he had some good years in Detroit. He can go. But agreed. He's someone that I think you could replace. Not that he will be replaced, but he's a replaceable player that I don't think you're going to go out and miss him, right? I don't think, you know, Marvin Marvin Jones isn't someone that you really want to rely on as his franchise wide receiver too. You can too. bring in Michael Gallup to do the same, yes. if not more. So I think Trevor Lawrence, I don't hate the worst of first because the division's bad. Right, we talked about Tennessee and the Colts. Who, it's going to be hard because Tennessee has been. They were just the number one seed, so it sounds say, like we're shit talking. Yes, because I I feel that they like were one seed and had what eleven or twelve wins. I think they had twelve. Twelve in a seventeen game season. To correct, be fair, correct. Let me look. But even still, they could do it just because of how bad the division is, rather than how much they really improve. Like if we do expect Tennessee and the Colts to 12. both. 12 if we do expect Tennessee to take a step back and the Colts and both of them be around 9-10 wins like they could have win 9-10 games have the tiebreaker and win the division and I think that's best case scenario Trevor Lawrence who had a down year which however you want to put it if you think he played bad if you think it's Urban Meyer the weapons the injuries whatever it might be it was a very disappointing season everyone he was the favorite to win you know rookie of the year you mentioned it one of the highly highly touted prospects we've ever seen but I think this offseason, it's just kind of how we talked about how you have to prove Baker's the guy. We are like, I agree. We we're kind of past that point. But now you have to prove that Trevor Lawrence is the guy. And by that, you just have to go invest in the offense. I think Doug Peterson is a tremendous start. Urban Meyer, I, I was out on day one with him. So I think bringing in Doug Peterson, someone who's won a championship, he's been a quarterback, someone who's going to be able to relate to Trevor and not be honestly a dickhead like Urban Meyer was, for <laughs> lack of a better term. I, I think number one overall, you go with tackle if you like Neil or if you like Icky being more of that that run-blocking type of, of guy. But I agree. I think ETN could be used in, in a plethora of different ways. I do 
not that I question it, but it is interesting that they have a whole new front or, or coaching staff that didn't select ETN. That was Urban Meyer's pick. He wanted ETN. So I, I am curious to see how this next coaching staff is going to bring him in. Without a doubt, you can make the argument he's their best offensive piece. So they're going to use him one way or the other. But it's going to be, I think, a bit different than at least Urban Meyer was expecting to use him. I mean, the thing with the Jaguars is that they won three games last year. I think they had the talent of a 6-7 win team. They just didn't win those games because Urban Meyer wasn't good. I mean, versus the Bengals, they blew a lead. Versus uh, they beat the Dolphins, I they believe. Mm-hmm. But they they should have doubled their win total from last year. So I'm looking at the Jaguars as a team that they have the talent of a six-win team. You make moves with all the cap space you have this offseason. You have the first overall pick in the draft. Can easily be a nine, eight, not eight to ten win team next year. It all depends depends on how Trev progresses. If he's able to develop into, like you said, a top fifteen quarterback, I, I don't hate it. And you have the money, you have the draft picks. Even if you want to trade back up into the first, if there's a receiver who falls, they have all the opportunity to. It's going to be can Doug Peterson get the most out of Trevor Lawrence? By the end of the season, Trevor Lawrence is going to be regarded as the best quarterback in this division by far. I'm excited. I'm excited. I do believe Trevor's I mean, going to take a huge step. Doesn't have much to compete with. No, I know, but I'm saying it's yeah, going to happen. Word. I agree. I'm looking at the schedule real fast, and not to nitpick, but I'm just looking. the The Bengals game definitely was close, 24 to 21, just for conversation's purposes. Buffalo was an impressive win, nine to, to win <laughs> yeah. nine nine six. That was very impressive. Outside of that, I'm looking at Indianapolis, 23 to 17, Atlanta, 21 to That's 14. A These are that they lost. Correct. Uh, outside of that, they're really. Against the Jets, that that was a game that they could have won too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but really, they're just a bad team overall. You play games against Denver, games against Arizona, I mean, games against Tennessee. Close, though. Game against, but thirty-one to seven against Seattle, who was one of the worst teams in the league. Arizona thirty-one nineteen, Denver twenty-three thirteen, San Fran thirty to ten, Tennessee twenty to zero. Let's let me ask you. A this. couple games are getting blown out, but let me ask you. Majority this. are somewhat close. Talent wise. What's the difference between the Jaguars and the Dolphins last year? Their defense was better. Yes. They had more How talent much on better, their defense. Though? I would say pretty significant. There's not an edge rusher on Miami that's as good as Josh Allen. There's not. No. There's not linebackers. Linebackers. There's not a linebacker on Miami that's as good as Jacksonville. Jacksonville's linebackers. You're saying Miles Jack? Miles mm. Jack had a down year. No, he did. But I think the grading didn't do him justice. Jerome Baker solid. He is a solid. Miami just really has corners and then Javon Holland. Yeah, that's it. They their defense was able to beat. They nah, were, Christian Christian Wilkins. It, he he's a solid. D- Jalen Phillips had a good rookie year. And uh, and you said Jalen Phillips. The Dolphins were one of the. The Dolphins were one by rookie. The Dolphins were one of the worst. The Dolphins. Yeah. the Dolphins were one of the worst ranked defenses in the NFL at some point last year. Brian Flores turned them around because of his outstanding yep. game that's plan, and because they faced a weaker schedule. But you look at offensively, Miami had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. They had no running back. And then weapons-wise, you got Parker, you got Waddle, but that's Ngasicki. But you have no time to throw to him. Talent-wise, the Jaguars and the Dolphins are very similar. The reason Coaching the, was the biggest. The reason why the Jaguars yeah. won three games is because they didn't have a good coach. Their coach was the worst in the NFL, the worst that we've seen in history. We, you can even make the argument. Like Brian Flores goes to Jacksonville. If he was there last year, they're definitely a six seven one team. Like without a doubt. I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that. Definitely but, definitely no. not your worst take. No. Definitely not. No. It's definitely not, not even all within right. the last thirty minutes. So 
Pro, you know, I, you know I, actually, I, no, I, I want to piggyback off that. Before we move on. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to move on. Who do you think is going to have more wins? Dolphins or Jacksonville next Jacksonville. Year? Jacksonville. All right, friendly wager. Mm-hmm. How much? I'll bet 100. He's <laughs> at friendly Come wager. Who is your guy? Fine, fine. $100. dollars you got McDaniel. <laughs> <laughs> let's throw 100. Let's throw, let's throw 100. You got McDaniel. It's a season-long bet. Well, what about a jersey? It's more than 100. Interesting. All right. I don't want a Jacksonville jersey. You don't want a Trevor Lawrence jersey? That, that'd nope. be kind of tough. Nope. Can't root for Tom Brady. Can't root for Trevor All right, Lawrence. whatever jersey you want and whatever jersey I want. That's the deal. That's tough. All right. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. I like that. So Jacksonville versus Miami. That's going to so equal more than drop down. Yeah, drop down yeah. in the comments. <laughs> who's winning more games next season, the Jaguars or the Dolphins? Now, the d- you mentioned the, the bad takes. Okay. It, it's funny. It's funny because I was actually like, while you guys were talking, I was looking at Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz's premium stats on PFF. I know you lost your subscription. I'm sorry. You could have did the same thing. Hate to see it. But look at this. Jimmy Garoppolo, he had 30 turnover Turnover worthy plays. You are right. Where'd that rank? Um, it ranked. I, I don't know where the ranking is. I'm just looking at his his page in third general. Okay. He had 30. You say it's third worst. Okay, I agree with third you. Third most, yeah. That's from week 16 to the conference championship. From week 16 to the conference championship. So one, two, three, four, five, five games. He had three, another three, that's six, then another two, that's eight. Then another two, that's 10. He had 13 turnover-worthy plays in those weeks alone where he got injured, which that's a trend. Okay, but that's 13, right? Sounds so like shit. if we're just talking about the regular season, then you got to take away... You got to take away seven of his turnover-worthy plays. Okay. Because so Carson Wentz didn't make the playoffs. So that's 23. Where's Carson Wentz He's probably around the same. had 18. They're about the same. Can I ask you a question? So five less. The week against Tennessee, what week was that? 16. That was three turn- turnover okay. plays. Yep, all right, because yeah. that was the game that he got hurt. That's what I'm But wondering. before that, like from week eight, from week eight to week 14, he was a pretty safe See, quarterback. The thing, just like a, against the Rams, okay, but look at this. that last I'm not, I'm not week, finished. Jimmy G was great. No, he was great late. Yeah, he they was came great back. late. They came back and uh-huh. won. They were down seventeen. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I didn't only want to use the, that stat. Though. I want to use other ones because right, go, go for it, bro. you guys talk. You talk to me about how like Carson Wentz is a better quarterback. No, I'm waiting because right okay. now round one goes to Carson. Okay, go listen, Jimmy Garoppolo graded out better than Carson Wentz this year. He graded out better. He had a and Joe Burrow was graded the best quarterback in the NFL. Correct? You can argue he was, but this I past don't season. agree. Okay, I'm you don't at agree. Josh Allen but for the, was better for, than for him. the most part. PFF is is they're not not everything is accurate but they are accurate I, for the most part. Okay, I still have my issues. I like them offensive line. Jimmy Garoppolo line, like had really a seventy one point five. You know, like Jimmy Garoppolo had a seventy one point five PFF grade. Carson Wentz had a seventy point nine. But because that's because his run grade was a seventy three point six. Passing wise, Carson Wentz was sixty seven point nine. Jimmy G was seventy point five. So Jimmy G wins that round, right? Where does that rank, by the okay, way? Let me, around quarterbacks? Is it like Jimmy G is 18, Carson Wentz is like 21 or 23. Okay, so now look. Batting down batting percentage. So like the, the passes, passes that get down. batted down, Jimmy G is at 2.2%. Carson Wentz is at four. It's a big difference. Let's talk about adjusted look, completion percentage. Facts. Jimmy G 77%. Carson Wentz 72%. Let's talk about um, pressure percentage, the amount of times they're pressured. Carson Wentz was pressured 
15.2%. Jimmy G, 19.8%. So actually, you look at the all these stats, it leans towards Jimmy G is a better quarterback. I'm sure I could look at five stats to look so the other so, way. So that's, I just why? can't rebuttal. But you can't. I don't no, have no, PFF, no. No. But this, is, this is how you rebuttal. You were no, I'm by just giving you the facts. Okay. You, you, bro, it's like such you, a bad take, it, right? Here I go. Can, I, can I rebuttal, please? It's such a bad take. Carson Wentz, most, okay. more of his Long passes get rebuttal. batted down. Smart. He was pressured Smart. less than, than Jimmy Garoppolo. Best way to win an argument. Don't let the other guy speak. No, you can go. All you right. Go. The reason why I can rebuttal that is because Carson Wentz, number two option, did not have 400 yards receiving. Jimmy G is number two. No, no I'm saying Carson Wentz, number two, did not have 400 yards receiving. I'm looking at Jimmy G and his number one and two option take a hot dookie on what Carson Wentz has over in Indianapolis. We're talking about Debo Samuel, who is one of the most exciting, one of the most talented wide receivers in the league, had over 1,400 yards receiving. Who knows what he did rushing the the, the ball as well. He, I think he had, what, 59 touches? Yeah. So, something along those lines. Had eight touchdowns, I believe, rushing the football. Uh, and George Kittle, who's arguably the best tight end in the league in taking and, – and, Mm-hmm. Taking everything into account, you can yeah. say Are that you, all you and want. What about your boy uh, and Elijah Jennings? Mitch, right? You you, can, lo- you love him. I like Jawan Jennings. Yeah, oh, you, you love can, him. Okay, and Brandon you love and Brandon and you love him. no and Brandon Ayuk. Okay. Okay. Do you love Paris? Okay. Okay. Do you love I, Paris Campbell? This is the rebuttal to that because you're like <laughs> talking about surrounding weapons and okay, that's not a bad argument. And Kyle Shanahan, who also just happens okay. to be that, that's not a bad argument, but your passes getting batted down is not a result of playmakers on the outside or whatever. But adjusted completion percentage. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Just let me get to it in a bit. But Carson Wentz gets more lines at the line of scrimmage, more passes get batted down. That's not a good thing. That means the angles on his throws are off usually. Talking about adjusted completion percentage, when we look at Carson Wentz, this year it was 72%. That's been what he's been around his entire career. For his career, he's at 73%. He's never had weapons. That's just a lie. Tell me when. Yeah. That's Tell just me, a lie. I mean, Tell like me receiving when. weapons, like he's had great lines. He's had Zach Ertz, Goddard, like Alshon for a year when he was still not even that he great. He never had a thousand yards with yeah, the Eagles. Facts. And the you talked about how the Colts abysmal pass protection. He it's was not still good. he was still pressured less abysmal, than Jimmy I said G. It's not good. He was still pressured less yeah, than fair, Jimmy G. Fair enough. So okay, so all these stats you're mentioning the playmakers. Is that just Wentz getting the ball out quicker, making quicker decisions? Would you say? No, because he didn't do it. He held on to the ball, actually. It was the opposite. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just saying, though. Because it could go either way. I'm just, I'm just saying, though. It could. So It definitely could. I'm just saying, though. So we looked at those premium stats. These are the premium ones. Like, these are the ones you got to have the subscription to get. Pick a so side all, all, all these, you know, Jimmy G graded out higher. All the other things I showed you, it goes to Jimmy G. Great. So I don't care. So I this horrible take that, oh, man, you're saying Jimmy G's better than Carson Wentz, such a horrible take. That's just ridiculous. I wouldn't say it was horrible. That's it's just bad. Ri- no, he said I, I said it was That's why, you know. <laughs> I said it wasn't your worst take in the last 30 no, minutes. That's what I'm saying. You know, when you said the Jags and Dolphins I understand defending yourself So, there. okay, yeah, I'm just making sure because we talked all of this uh, hoopla about uh, the touchdowns and the Jimmy easy G. touchdowns and how. So, wait, Carson Wentz would be going to. Oh, He'd no, released, no. Probably. Oh, never mind, yeah. Trace talked second. about now your first, pick's at, your first pick is in round four now. That should be fun. We talked about all this hoopla about uh, you know, Carson Wentz being so much better than Jimmy G as a quarterback. All this other stuff. I don't think I ever so, said he's that much. I said they're the same so now, tier. They're basically. So, so I said now, you're actually, trading average for average, look, bro. We we talked about it before tra- the show. I said he you're trading average for average. So he's a goal post my, mover. So now my take. <laughs> so now my take is oh, even better man. because not no, only not. was Jimmy Garoppolo a better quarterback this season than Carson Wentz. Wow. But he is a better scheme fit. 
for the Colts offense, and he's a better leader and has more intangibles. So now he has all three things over Carson Wentz. Even though he outside had of more the talent, worthy plays, more which turnovers, outside of the talent, the actual um, statistics, his itself. statistics, yeah. You mean basic stats? You mean the ones that sure. you, the the advanced ones? I'm telling you are the ones that are what actually else? like advanced oh, yeah, and yeah, the best. Co- you understand I, better? Sometimes, looking, bro, I forget. Happening. He had the best offensive coach in the league. He had arguably the best. He had a top oh, yeah. three receiver this past year. Correct. He had a top three tight end this last year. He won the better wide receiver twos this last Correct. year. He has Juwan Jennings, one of Joel's favorite players up there with, with Auden hey, Tate. Bro, I'm giving he had you won the, the best offensive line. He had the best left tackle Elijah in Mitchell. PFF history, by the way. Yeah. Damn, I oh, wonder yeah. if this matters at all. No, nah, it doesn't. He's going to go to the Colts and be good. Facts. Oh, yeah. Quinn Nelson's not one of the best offensive linemen. In tackle over guard, not close. And Quinn Nelson missed games. Games. And this was Brandon his... Smith's not one of the better right tackles in the NFL. Is he a left tackle? Eric Fisher was bad. Eric Fisher, yeah, they're going to, I mean, he's coming off an Achilles injury. Yeah. They, they can, can upgrade. I mean, I'm just saying, um, you're naming me all this they, stuff. They had, but like a, I just they had a top facts. five rated offensive we, line. We the Colts were like also. 16th. I just gave you facts. And we gave you facts. And we, so did we. I gave you statistical evidence. So did we. He had we more did. turnover-worthy plays and more, and more turnovers. Turnover-worthy. Well, he had, yeah, a couple more. because five you know, more. Just like playoffs. Just like, I, no, even in the regular season, he still had five more. No, we we took away seven or eight, whatever yeah. it was. It was and 23 to 18. five more. And he had all those turnover worthy plays in the playoffs. Still, I guess we're and just throwing them out. No, we threw, six, no, we threw away his, thirteen. We threw, we threw away thirteen <laughs> over like a five week stretch. We threw away was thirteen, bro. If you oh look at God. if you look at Carson, if you look at <laughs> bro, Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> bro. If you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, the picking is so crazy, no, it's bro. Not. It's no, so it's not. crazy. Just, no, it's not. Give it up, if give you, it up. Bro, bro, bro. It's a fact. If you if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and his turnover worthy plays, they spike when he got hurt. That's a correlation. Come on, bro. I'm sure. She's her heads, man. I'm sure that's rich coming from you. Rich coming from you. Use your head, man. Oh my God. Uh, Kyler Murray is asking for a new deal. Uh, last week, he released like this huge statement. Basically saying, look, I want the Cardinals to pay me. I want to be in Arizona, but I want to be compensated to be here as well. And I want to make sure that, you know, we're all on the same page and they want me here long term. Um, You know, they they extended Kingsbury and Steve Kime after he said that That's wasn't the surprising. best wasn't the best timing. Uh, what do you think about this? Do you think the Cardinals should just be like, yeah, we're going to pay Collar easily? Do you think Collar's kind of uh, jumping the gun a little bit here? I mean, you're a big collar. You two are both. We're both big collar guys. guys. Yeah. You're both collar guys. You know, so I want to hear whoever whoever wants to go first. Drew Drew's the OG collar guy. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think Kyler Murray should get whatever he wants. You look at where the Cardinals started before Kyler Murray got there, and you look at it. You look at the Cardinals now after Kyler Murray has been there, and he's flourished in this offense, and we see how great he has played, and how when he first came in, they were a two in team. And now here we are in year three of his career, and now they were a playoff team. And Kyler Murray was playing like an MVP prior to this injury last season, uh, this past season, excuse me. Kyler Murray is arguably the best mobile passing quarterback in the league. The only one I would put over him is Josh Allen, because Josh Allen deserves that respect of being a mobile quarterback. He has both the statistics and the eye test took took back that statement up. Josh Allen is number one. But Colin Murray, in terms of accuracy, in terms of ball placement, in terms of arm strength, in terms of making plays happen with his legs, in terms of production, he gives you everything you want in a quarterback. In terms of reading the field, decision-making, Colin Murray is 
borderline perfect in all aspects. The only thing that has been a blemish on his name is his inability to stay healthy for a full season. That is the only thing I look at and think, man, that worries me. But it's both times been an ankle injury. Something that could be avoided to a degree if he just avoids hits. It's it's easier said than done. But for a good portion of his career already, he's done that. It's just the occasional just mishap and he tweaks an ankle. It's unfortunate. However, you look at this guy and this past season, 3,700 yards after missing, after missing three games. Last season missed one game, almost 4,000 yards. Rushed for over 800 yards. Had over 35 touchdowns total. Kyler Murray legitimately can do everything on a ball field. And the fact that he comes in and it's translated two wins on top of that, it would be nothing short of idiotic of the Cardinals not to give him whatever he wants. Before you go, Joel, because I, I know you're going to say something positive about Kyler, so let me just be the negative uh, reinforcement here. Um, Kyler Murray is the only quarterback with 70 passing touchdowns and 20 rushing touchdowns in his first three seasons. Uh, in NFL history. So, like, that's over guys like Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick. I think the letter is saying Kyler wants to be an Arizona Cardinal for life because he wants to get paid. And I understand wanting to get as much money as you can, and it, make, it makes sense. And there have been a lot of players to sign long-term contracts before their fourth season. Josh Allen, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill. But when I look at all these quarterbacks, Josh Allen, before his fourth season, won a playoff game. Mahomes won a Super Bowl. Deshaun Watson won a playoff game. Jared Goff won a playoff game and made a Super Bowl. Carson Wentz didn't prove himself. They paid him. They regretted it. Ryan Tannehill regretted it. The Dolphins did. Kyler Murray's talent is undeniable. He is a talented quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. There's no doubt. But to put out this statement is weird. These quarterbacks got paid. They didn't have to put out a statement written by their agent and release it to the public to get their wishes. It just all happened behind the scenes. This to me is immature. This to me is reinforces all of the scrutiny thrown Collar's way about how he's not a leader, how he pouted when things didn't go the way it was in the playoff game. I had a chance to rewatch that playoff game. Collar Murray wasn't good. He, he was bad, like horrible. He missed throws. He didn't trust his eyes. He was inaccurate. Collar Murray wasn't good. He performed abysmal in the playoffs, as of recently in the second half of the seasons, he doesn't perform up to par. He's a quarterback. You have to worry about getting injured because of his frame. I'm not denying he deserves the money, but when you release this statement like this, I'm not vibing with it. I'm not vibing with it. No, I think it's immature. I think it. he's full of, this looks like he's full of himself. And he has done nothing to this point. To deserve this contract. Nothing. Nope. Nothing's crazy. When he's healthy, he's MVP level of talent. Better, better, better statement. Thank you. He has done nothing to this point 
to warrant this contract. Nothing again nope. is insane. He hasn't won a playoff game. That's really what it's going to do for you? He didn't so, play question. well in the playoff game. I have a game. question. If Herbert does not win a playoff game, you're giving him the money, correct? If he plays great, no. of course. And I mean, what, I'm not batting Kyler my done? eye. But Herbert and Kyler are different stratospheres. No, they're not. Yeah. Stratospheres One is guy is in Jupiter, the other guy is on Mars. Come on, bro. Herbert's Jupiter. Come on. Stop it. Stop Size-wise, it, Size-wise, it's, it's pretty, it, you oh, know, they're the oh, same, okay. too. Size. So you're heightest. You're heightest. You're being heightest. I can't be first a heightest. Of all, exactly first of all, my point. But what heightest? No, we're both talk about their sizes. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Herbert's on a different stratosphere than no, he's Kyler, not. bro. No, he's not. Herbert is with the he's elite not. tier. He is, but Kyler, you're acting, you're, you're talking Kyler like that. he's Garoppolo. No, I'm talking about Kyler like he's Carson Wentz 2017. I don't know, bro. I saw Kyler being MVP type level quarterback two years in a row before getting hurt. And if you want to say that's that's the only. The only thing about Kyler, but bro, up until he this got point, hurt, came injuries, back and played bad. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, plays a huge role in why. Like, come on. To be fair, okay, you I'm not saying DeAndre he Hopkins, doesn't, but that, that has a huge impact bro, on your offense. He was hor- he missed throws. He was late on throws. What he didn't was, trust what he saw. The most interesting thing from the playoff they game lost was to the Lions. The most interesting thing about the playoff game was he didn't run. He did not run at all. And I'm interested in was that an injury thing? Was that him saying I want my bag before I I really put my my body oh, on the line? That, that's a loser mentality, bro. Which I don't love. And there has been reports about Kyler's leadership. I hated the report. Of the age. If Kyler okayed that message, that's terrible. Because you he put, had to. You put out this lengthy message saying I want X, Y, and Z. It's a whole page worth. You have to zoom in to read it. Like it was just a ridiculous statements to put out. <laughs> and that's really what I hate. But if you're the Cardinals, to me, you have no choice. You have to pay Kyler Murray. If you don't have Kyler Murray, you are irrelevant. Good luck. You're not going to be relevant for the next 10 years in that division. With McVay? With Shanahan? With Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll? I totally disagree. You can't, can you be can't irrelevant. do anything. They, they can be irrelevant with him, too, though. No, they cannot. No, they just made the playoffs. They can't. And he didn't play well down the stretch. I mean, if they're a team that goes, that, that like a seven-win team year in and year out, they're, they're rele- just want they're 11. irrelevant. No, I know, They're but just I'm, the I'm best just saying team in the league for the first two they months. Can, they can be irrelevant, though. I mean, Chandler Jones is on his way out. I'm telling you right now, they'll be all right so long as he's the quarterback. For sure, they'll be competitive for sure. They'll yeah. be a playoff team for years to come. Playoff uh, team, yes, agreed. I'm not counting out Seattle. Seattle has cap space this offseason. They have Russell Wilson, who's way better than Russ. Who and he's Russell gone. Wilson's he's way gone. No, he's not. He's staying in Seattle, bro. Oh, Ru- gone. Russ- gone. Russell Wilson oh is on. way better than Kyler Murray, bro. Way? Yes. No. Yeah, y'all forgetting about no. who Russell Wilson is. You're the one that forgot. You're the one that forgot. You took Kyler Murray over him. I have. No, I don't think you have. I don't think you have. Russell Wilson you is make way me better than Kyler. Russell Wilson is way better than I know you have, and Russell, you're making me think you Okay, so you're taking Burrow over Russ, and Russ is way better than Kyler. I'm taking Burrow over Kyler too. It's okay, easy. Kyler's quarterback. What in the league? He's the he's like the eighth best quarterback. Eighth? That might be pushing it a little bit. I mean, I, Lamar's better than him. Let's just go down the list. Oh my god! Oh, I mean, you. I, he is better than him. I love Lamar. Okay, he's not, Mahomes. Bro, he's I know. Okay, look, it's the brand. Let me let me do it. Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, um, Herbert, Herbert, Burrow, no, Lamar, no, Russ, no, Collar, no. You have four. You had me at four without a doubt. Those other three, you can make an argument for all of them. Collar has to do more. Burrow just took his seat to the Super Bowl. I understand about? that, bro. But what like, are we talking about here? I get it. What are we talking about here? Burrow's a playoff loss away from not even being in this conversation. To be honest, hmm? if Burrow. 
listen, they took him to the playoffs, to the Super Bowl, 100%. What do you mean he gets by that? all the credit in the world. Okay. But he had one, he had a great playoff stretch where he played good, not amazing. When mm-hmm. we've seen Kyler play at an MVP level, okay. we haven't seen we haven't okay. seen Burrow have eight weeks of MVP level ever. All right. So you're telling me give Burrow all the credit in the world while not giving him credit. What do you mean not giving him no. credit? You just basically like not gave him credit. You basically just said I'm giving him credit, but everything I'm, you said I'm is not giving I'm him giving him credit because you went to the Super Bowl. I'm he's giving being, you that credit, but he also was he was good. He wasn't fantastic. Wow. Okay, See, that's I, great. I, also, I love what you said. I love. What you I want to acknowledge this also because he says that we team up on him, but I love what you just, said. I know, bro. It's he irritating me, bro. I love what you. I love what you said. You're being egregious. No, no, no. Because if Riv was here, he'd probably agree with me. No, he no he would not. Yeah, he would. He likes Kyler Murray actually. Okay. Let's, you talked about Burrow playing good on his playoff run, right? Well, yeah, sometimes you just have to play good. Did Kyler Murray play good in his one game? No, he didn't. Okay, so he played like shit. He played the Super Bowl Burrow champion. played good. Burrow, Burrow's clear over Kyler. It's not even a debate. Clear? Bro. Yes. It's not, a, it's not a debate after this season, bro. Oh Maybe God. next season it could be a debate. This season it's not a debate, bro. It's not a debate. Oh God, man. Thank Did God. Burrow not play like it? Bro, if Burrow won the Super Bowl, he would say he's probably like a top three quarterback. Did Burrow not play at an MVP level this past season? What are we talking about here? Be having him over. He was Patty. a comeback. He was a comeback over player. Josh Allen. Bro, he was the best quarterback in the league. Bro, Maybe. he was a comeback over Brady. He was a comeback player of the year. <laughs> he said he was. He's the Tom Brady. He's. He the was Tom a comeback Brady. player of the year, bro. Didn't you take Burrow over Herbert earlier in the season? I did. But now is it Herbert over Burrow? Off of this season, because, wait, it's hold Burrow's on. over, Her- bro. Herbert, you said it's a different stratosphere than Kyler. I think Burrow is too. Leadership wise, intangibles. He got it. Intangibles. Intangibles. Yes. Talents now, Kyler's more talented. I think Burrow's better. Production is better. Production, you lost me. Lost me. I think Kyler's never had me, but you lost me. I think (laughs) I think Kyler's overrated, and you can love Kyler all you want. He's overrated. He is overrated. The only knock on Kyler, there's two, is his leadership and his ability to stay healthy. And the fact that he played like shit in the playoffs because he couldn't It was perform. one game against the Rams. They won the bowl. The Bengals, I mean, Joe Burrow played well against the Rams. His team with was the, better. With a messed up knee. His team was better. Oh my and his team was and healthy. And Kyler was hurt down the stretch too. With a messed up knee that happened came, like two two drives before the end of the game. Burrow played easy. half of the season still recovering from his knee injury. If you saw the season, it wasn't. he didn't shift until... He didn't play... Like Joe Burrow, phenomenal LSU Burrow until like week eleven, bro. Okay, and Kyler was borderline MVP the first eight weeks. He gets he lost hurt in week Lions. nine. He lost to the Lions. Okay, the the Bengals lost to the Jets. <laughs> Who the hell cares? It's one Stop game. It. I don't know. They Jets, lost to the Bears. The Jets, man, they was clicking that well, game. They lost to the Bears. They were clicking. Lost to the game. Bears. Who lost to the Bears? The Bengals. They were clicking that game, bro. bro you're drunk. You and then he, he also threw 400 yards against Martindale in that defense. And oh, yeah, with twice. no secondary. Because everyone against was the Ravens, injured. He was one of the worst, the worst secondaries defenses in the, the league. league. At the, the first game he played them, they weren't the second at that game, time. The second game is when he was really great. The first game he was he threw 300 yards. The second touchdowns. game is when he threw like five like 400, like no, five yeah, touchdowns. He was historically great, but he was still like elite in the first matchup. Yeah, he, they were clicking that game. Bro, in two games, he threw 900 yards they on that defense. That no, they, they yeah. were just clicking that game. That's it. Bro, he threw 900 yards in two I'm gonna games. Start I'm going to start using that. I'm going to start using that. I'm going to start using that. He's no, on a different strategy. That was bro, he, he, he clears him, bro. He clears him. <laughs> Colin Murray's overrated. You guys are going to find that out sooner rather than He's later, not, bro. bro. He's overrated. And you're going to find out what? that you need to start watching the film again. I do. Because when it comes to evaluating the quarterback position... You just got to start trusting me a little bit. You said two is better than Burrow. I said he can be. Difference. 
I can't trust your quarterback opinion when you think two is going to be a great one. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> and Matthew Stafford? I always thought Matthew Stafford was a great quarterback, though. Nah, but you say you can trust him. I told you, you got to trust him. There are certain quarterbacks. Like, you should there, trust me. There are certain quarterbacks you can trust. That's more of a gut feeling. It's more of a, that's more of like a personal thing. And Kyler Murray is not one you can trust. Mm-mm. That's absolutely crazy. I don't. I, I think Kyler Murray's overrated. I'm not the hugest fan of Kyler Murray. I think he's overrated. Hydus. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. It's not Hydus. I'm glad. I, lo- I love that a short king is thriving. And he, he's not even short, but like by NFL standards, NFL he's short. short. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad he's thriving. No, I'm sure you are. But he's overrated. Sure you are. Because you were wrong about the Lamar and Kyler thing. You're like, ah. He's, um, Kyler is great. Kyler is a great You want to talk about clearing. That's a clearing. Kyler over Lamar's clear. Clear is clear, crazy. You know, I'm I, sorry, want, I want you, I want you to sorry. make. I want clear's you to make crazy. that take on TikTok just to see the reaction you get. No, they because the, fans absolutely adore and, and love Lamar Jackson to no end, and rightfully so. You Lam- think Kyler Murray's better than Lamar Jackson? I do. I felt that. For What's your for reasoning behind that? He's a better passer. He's a better passer. He's not as good of a runner. However, production wise, Kyler Murray can can give you not not as much clearly because Lamar has a twelve hundred yards rushing season and in a thousand yard rushing season back to back years. But Kyler Murray has an eight hundred yard rushing season. He has eight touchdowns in a season. He has the capabilities to do it. And on top of that, he's a significantly better passer than Lamar Jackson. Maybe a year and a half ago you could have made that statement. He's not a significantly better passer he, than he was than just a, he was just Lamar. a top three leader in completion percentage this season. And, and you I don't want to hear you say that it's all check downs, it's scheme because how many times does he lend the ball down the field and it's absolutely pinpoint right on the money? Kyler's arm is much better than Lamar's. No, it's not. For, he can't throw farther than Lamar. Yes, he can. No, he can't. Yes, he can. And he can make way they, more. They both have can, great arms. And he can make tougher throws strength. as well in terms of scrambling he's, out of the he's pocket. He's more accurate. And, correct. And he is better on the run. I think Lamar is easily better than Kyler, but whatever. No, let's he, hear the reason. I don't want to make that choice. Well, for me, I think, for one, he's a better rusher. And okay, and, even, and in terms if, of quarterback even, play. even if that's not even I know in terms of quarterback play, I think for one, you have to give There's the, no you, reason. you have to give Lamar the benefit of the doubt that he never had an alpha wide receiver number one. Lamar's weapons are better than Kyler's. Kyler's Mar- what? Lamar's weapons with D, are better with than D-Hop Kyler's. healthy. So we're taking D Hop, who was not healthy this season. Yes, I'm still taking Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown. Over them, over DeAndre Hopkins, one player, correct? Who's been hurt and old? They now. don't just have one player though. They have Christian Kirk's a good Overrated. receiver. Christian Kirk is just as good as Hollywood Brown. No, Kyler yes, makes he is. Hollywood Kyler, better than Christian. Kirk. Easy, bro. Easy for one. Kyler Murray makes Christian, has Christian Kirk, Kirk more than like eight hundred yards. Lamar Jackson has never had a wide receiver number one in his entire career. Mark Andrews and still, is a one. Bro, in 2018, 2019, Lamar Jackson was one of one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. 2018, he was damn near unanimous MVP. Like, bro, come on, his efficiency was out of this okay, world. I'm waiting for you to and tell me something. Drop, I'm telling you recent. all facts. I'm saying recent. What's going on? Recently, I think Lamar. This is whole better. episode, you just took a hot shit on Lamar. The whole, because, the whole bro, thing. I'm not the biggest fan of Lamar, but for you to put... But he's Kyle, at least the seventh best quarterback in the league. Yeah, but for you to put <laughs> Kyler Murray over him is ridiculous. But I'm waiting it's for a reason ridiculous. why. I just gave you reasons. But no, why. you didn't. Yes, I'm I really did. trying to listen to good ones. I haven't heard bro, one. For one, for you to think that Lamar's weapons are better than Kyler's they is are. ridiculous. It's easy. When he has DeAndre Hopkins. It's incredible. Like, it, it's close. It, I'd rather have DeAndre Hopkins than Andrews and Hollywood Brown together. It's a fact. We made this argument earlier in the season. better than Kirk. 
and that's easy. No, he's not. He is. That's some fucking Yo, you bullshit. Love... I'm not even going to argue this. No, nah, he is. He will you be. Just some BS. He will be this, what do you this mean next some year? BS? You love Christian Kirk. You overrate him to hell. You do love he Christian Kirk. He just said Kirk. Rashad Bateman is better than Christian Rashad Kirk. Rashad Bateman will be, will be better yes, than him. Yes, he will be. Whatever. Like, y'all, y'all are just All like right. ridiculous at this no, point. We're, no, we're not. We're not. That's fine. You'll take Christian Kirk over Bateman? Yeah, yes, nah, I'll tell you what, that's yes, interesting. I would. Right, yes, interesting. I would. Nah, that's cool. Stand on that. You know how that. I feel about Bateman, bro. Stand I mean, on I that. I think he's good, but Christian Kirk's a good receiver. He's he's, to, he's to, such an average and wide you, receiver, And you too. early in the season were like, like Kyler made Christian Kirk. That's he just did. so dumb. He did. Well, Christian Kirk's a free agent. I hope okay. you know that. All right. He's going to go to another team. I hope maybe if he resigns with Carter, Arizona, I don't know. I was going to say, he doesn't have a better spot than Arizona being the wide receiver. If he, goes to, if he goes to a different team, where? And he, Where's he and going he that produces, he's going to be better? I don't want to hear nothing from you, bro. I promise you, we will not be anywhere near of how he produced with Kyler Murray. 800 yards receiving? Yes. He can't do that? No. Not okay. with another quarterback, unless you're giving him who? Rodgers? Josh Allen. Where, yeah, where's Kirk going realistically that he's going to put up better numbers than with Kyler as he the could, wide receiver? He too? could go to the Colts. He's going to not put up a good year. Jimmy not G is going to give him over 800. He can't get 800 yards. He just he just said Kirk had 982. 982, 800 is the same thing. Like, and a lot and a lot of that was that's that's similar though. That's similar production. Like if he had 800 versus 982, are we going to be like, oh, Kyler made him? You can't say that. Why can't I say that? Because Kyler didn't make him. He's a good receiver. It just in his shows own that right. Kyler's better than whatever quarterback you can give him. Earlier in the season, he was rated as one of the best players versus single coverage. Like to say Kyler Murray made him is just ridiculous. No, it's not. Yes, it is because he's a skilled receiver. Kyler Murray also knows how to throw a pass down the field, which is what Christian Kirk is. He didn't best do it in at. the playoffs. Okay, again. Against the Rams, who's one of the best defense in the league, one of the best teams in the league, just won the Super Bowl, was the best team in the league, I guess. So on to the last segment yeah, of the show. Mike Zimmer called out Kirk Cousins. And via Chad Graff of The Athletic, mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer complained openly about Kirk Cousins in coaching meetings. He was like, some of Zimmer's top lieutenants schemed some, echoed the same statements. He didn't make enough winning plays, didn't take enough chances to secure wins so what do you think about this about mike zimmer calling out kirk cousins sounds like a bitter girlfriend or bitter (laughs) ex-girlfriend that's what he sounds like like he lost his job he's not in the nfl right now like he sounds like he's just going out and sorry where where did he say this was a podcast or something or article i think it was just like from a source a source yeah Yeah, like to me he just sounds like a bitter ex-girlfriend who's trying to get back at her boyfriend for doing something that she didn't like like i understand we have all these conversations about kirk cousins and is he this or is he that we know what he is he's an above average quarterback is he taking your team to the super bowl probably not but to say he's not a winner or someone who's not going to be able to elevate your team i think is crazy he puts up numbers year in and year out i know he doesn't have the the playoff history to back it up but i mean the issue with the vikings the last couple years has been the defense it hasn't been because kirk cousin hasn't been good or the offense with justin jefferson thielen and dalvin cook that's never been the issue these last two years mike zimmer who is mr defense has had a terrible defense and this isn't the first time that we've heard these things about zimmer there was stories last year that rookies are coming in saying why is zimmer only talking to the defense why is he talking to offensive guys there's just all these reports that just point to zimmer kind of being a douche and you know like (laughs) you know what i mean but kirk is like one of the most likable guys in the league if you don't as a head coach it's one thing to like if you disagree with your quarterback or maybe you don't like this or that but it's your job to elevate him and make sure he does better 
And Mike Zimmer, what what role did he play in Kirk Cousins' development? What role did he play in Cousins having year in and year out great seasons? The only role he played was holding back this defense as it was rated bottom five the last two years. So to me, Zimmer just sounds salty. You know, he's not in the NFL for a reason. His calling card was defense, and they've been terrible. I think Kirk Cousins is sitting back and just laughing at this. Since coming to Minnesota, he has nine game-winning drives. And I agree to a degree with what you're saying. But I also understand where Zimmer's coming from. I would like to see Kirk Cousins be a little bit more big time. You have Jettas, you have Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, one of the best receiving running backs in the league. You had Kyle Rudolph. He did he did depart this past season. The tight end position was rough for you where you lost Smith. I'm blanking Irv on Irv Smith. Thank you very they much. They traded a fourth for Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon, who, let's be real. Fleece. Yeah, you guys absolutely stole from them. And, and K.J. Osborne is is a, a decent deep threat, which I will give Kirk credit for. Kirk did put K.J. Osborne in position to be successful as well, on top of K.J. Osborne just being a, a, a pretty good slot wide receiver on top of that. I think ultimately I would like Kirk Cousins to, to be a little bit more riskier with his passes. He had a great statistical season this year. And last season he also had a slept-on really good year. However, in terms of translating to wins this season – I can't take away from the fact that his defense wasn't great, but at it's the terrible. same, but but at the same time, I, Zimmer is right to a degree. He could have been a little bit more big time. Was the reason why they weren't in the playoffs because of Kirk? Because of him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I don't believe that. The defense was atrocious, one of the worst in the NFL this year and last year, really. But ultimately, you have the weapons to be one of the best offenses in the league. As a quarterback, you need to take advantage of that because there's quarterbacks that would absolutely do anything to throw to Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and, of course, Dalvin Cook, who is, again, one of the best receiving backs in the league. Mike Zimmer's a clown. It's as simple as that. He is. And him being fired is the best thing to happen in Minnesota <laughs> since Anthony Edwards getting drafted. Um, The critique is he doesn't make enough game winning plays is the stupidest ob- observation that I've seen in a while. People are going to point to Kirk Cousins' third down efficiency this year. He ranked 26, but that was because he had a rookie offensive play caller in Clint Kubiak, who in the beginning of the year was embarrassingly tough. Like it was just painful to watch his third down calls. They would run it on third down. It's ridiculous. You look at Kirk Cousins throughout the years. He was 16th in third down efficiency in 2020. He was 9th in 2019, 26th in 2018. So when he has had good offensive play callers, he has been efficient. When he was with Kevin Stefanski and um, Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak, he was pretty damn good on third down. Mike Zimmer called out Kirk Cousins because it is, he doesn't make enough winning plays. But Mike Zimmer didn't look himself in the mirror and said, well, my defense ranked bottom 20 in the past two seasons. The defense was abysmal this past year. The defense was abysmal in 2020. The Vikings went 8-9 and nine this season. Kirk Cousins this past year, people may not know this, he had four game-winning drives. Let's look at some of the losses by the Vikings. They lost to the Bengals in overtime. A Dalvin Cook fumble was the reason why the Bengals got the ball back. It wasn't a Kirk Cousins mistake. 
and they were in field goal range. They He doesn't fumble. They win the game right there. The offense drove down the field. The Bengals' offense drove down on Mike Zimmer's defense. Versus Arizona. Kirk drove the Vikings down the field against them. Greg Joseph missed a kick. That loss isn't on Kirk Cousins. He put the kicker in position to win. Versus the Ravens. The defense gave up 247 yards on the ground. Vikings lost in overtime. Versus Detroit in week 13. Kirk drove down the field, got a touchdown, and Mike Zimmer, a defensive guru, let Jared Goff and a Lions team devoid of offensive talent outside of a couple guys drive down the field and score to win the game. Three of Two of these games they should have won. That would make the record 10-7. and seven. The other ones are toss-ups, but winnable. The Vikings this past year could have easily been an 11-12 win team, but bad luck wasn't on their side. And people use the Kirk Cousins lost all these close games against them, but most of these close games weren't because Kirk Cousins put them in that position to be a close game. It's because the defense was awful, and it's because when Kirk drove the Vikings down the field, a kicker would miss or some other mistake would happen. He's had his best production with Minnesota. His PFF grades have been the highest across the board since he got to Minnesota. He's playing his best football of his career. He's a great quarterback. For Mike Zimmer to say this is ridiculous. And Kevin O'Connell, who's coming in with Kirk Cousins, recognizes he has a great quarterback. Now, Jay Gruden, Mike Zimmer, not high on Kirk. You want to know who's high on Kirk? Kyle Shanahan. He loves Kirk Cousins. He he said in his press conference before that, you know, any any coach would love to coach Kirk. He's a pro's pro. I respect his opinion far more than Mike Zimmer, who's a clown. He's now on the Cowboys. Watch their defense deteriorate next job. season. Yeah, he's he's the DC, I oh, believe. No, Dan Quinn stayed with the Cowboys. Oh, I think Mike Zimmer is on the Cowboys staff, though, I believe. I'll look it up right now. I he's on the Cowboys staff. Mike Zimmer's a clown. I love Kirk Cousins. I love Skull Nation. And you do. They're going to have love the Vikings. They're going to have a big loves time Minnesota, here. Minnesota. Period. I'm on. I'm. I'm with Captain Kirk. You said what, Drew? I like what you said there with KJ Osborne. You're right. You know, I thought KJ Osborne was very good himself. I didn't think Kirk made him in any way, even <laughs> though he's a great quarterback. I understand KJ is good in Did his he own. He's solid way. for sure, Did but I, I. That's where I'm giving Kirk his credit. Did you see the report that O'Connell wanted to use Jettis like Cooper Cup? Yeah, I think that's going to be phenomenal for him. I mean, no brainer. But, but is it is it not fair for me to at least put a little bit of pressure on Kirk for the fact that he is with arguably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL? But it's not. He's not the reason they're losing. No, I'm not saying he's he's the reason they're. Did losing. you do that with Matthew Stafford when he had Calvin Johnson? It was just Calvin. That's all they had, and when they, they did, have, they, they didn't, didn't just have Calvin. Seasons. And they did win. They, they, they had a couple ways. They had a good tight for end. over 5,000 yards. They had a good tight end in Brandon Pettigrew at the time. He wasn't that good. Uh, he was good. He's, yeah, he's he like, was one of the better tight ends at the time. I would say he's like above average. Yeah, you he think was he had good, ever more than 900 yards in the season? No. He had a good tight I mean, at the time, tight end production wasn't like that. Drunk. Like 400. Hernandez. Vernon Davis. Bro, that's like outliers, though. Like Just tight, three. Tight ends, 400 to 600 yards Tony receiving Gonzalez, is, is a very, very good tight end Gates. season. You're naming elite guys, bro. We just named five in this era. And and Brandon Pettigrew's era, I should say. All right, here we go. Brandon Pettigrew's best years, absolute best years, 346, 722, 777. 
567 year after that. Okay, a couple seven yard seasons. He's a good That's tight valid. end, bro. That he was an average. He was good. Above yeah. average. There's a correlation. Nate Burleson's also Matthew he was pretty Stafford. good too. Here we go. Nate Burleson? Yeah. He had a thousand yards? What do you say? Yes or no? He had eight hundred consistently throughout his career. But never as good as I mean, these are not stacking up to Thielen or Jettis. Nate Burleson. Thielen was injured. I mean, he also But th- we're talking these last two, three years. I know, but you're talking about Kurt and also the Lions. All right, here we go. The In Lions Detroit, had in the Detroit, Lions had good offensive lines, in too. In Detroit, he never had 800. He had 757, which is pretty close. That's the same thing. It's like, come on, bro. Bro, bro's the are the same thing. thing. 800 and 968 is the same bro, thing. Bro, it's the same. Like, how many games did he play? He played 16. It's the same thing. <laughs> 50 yards. Like, come on, bro. 50. Am I, I'm pressed over 50 yards. I think the next year, he come had on, 240. Mm. Yeah, he dropped off. But, and he, but got, saying, he played six games. But I don't think it was just Nate Burleson, though. You look at the top season for the Lions, they had more than just Calvin Johnson. It wasn't just him. Not, not much though. In the terms year of was re- 2011. Receiving? Okay. No, like, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like you're just saying Jettas, but like you didn't Whoa, mention. I'm not saying Jettas. The Vikings, had, the Vikings have one Dalvin of the worst Cook? offensive. The I'm, Vikings have one of the worst offensive lines in football, bro. Do they have but, the but most? The, the issue was the defense. It's never been Kirk or the offense. The defense has been terrible. And with the, the Lions, years. it was the defense. It's not the. It wasn't the offense. Yeah. Listen, we're on the same page on this one. I know, but I'm just saying, like. For him to put pressure on Kirk, I'm just asking him a simple question. Did you do the same thing with Stafford when he had the best receiver in football? Dude, it was literally just Calvin. The year they made the playoffs. 2011, I'm looking at it. He threw for 5,000 yards, 41 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. At least he made the playoffs. That's not the only year they made it, though. Like, But I'm, you this go is up- the year that I'm looking at where, where Calvin Johnson was Calvin Johnson. He had 1681. Of course he was. But here we are. Titus Young, who was a rookie. A rookie, 607, six touchdowns. Titus Young was pretty good as a rookie. He, he was. And but again, Matthew Stafford. Bro. It went to the playoffs. You are taking this way too far. The question was But I'm telling you, did you did you turn into a Matt Stafford bro, debate, man? Did you did you put the same pressure there on was Stafford? No Staff, there's no there's no like the difference between Stafford's weapons and and Kirk Cousins with Jettas, Thielen, Dalvin Cook. Like, if, if you're saying Calvin but you Johnson. you're discounting the offensive line and tight end. If Calvin Johnson is as great as all three of those combined, then I'll shake your hand and I'll say fine. That being said, there's no way you can say that to me. You're totally discounting the tight end and offensive okay, line. Okay, fine. Let's The offensive line. The offensive line of Detroit you're was make good, me go bro. back in 2011 and really look. However. But 2011 isn't the only year. Like, why are you just this, using he that year? He threw for 5,000 yards. Bro. The other times he made the playoffs in 20, 2014 or 2015, I believe, offense was the 19th-ranked offense in the league, and the defenses will carry them to the playoffs that year. 2014, let's see. They went 11-5. and Staffy threw for 42-57. Look at the offensive rank and defensive rank. Tell me that. Why can't I just tell you stats? Because I want to look at the rank. That's what I just, like, I want you to fact-check me. If and, I'm Cal- right or not. and Calvin did not play three games. He missed three games and still okay. had over 1,000 okay, touchdowns. Okay, but, like, what, what was their offensive rank and defensive rank that year? Making me do a lot right now because I'm just looking at the roster. I can't help you right now. I'll look at it. Thanks, since man. You're not doing it. <laughs> In 2014, uh, points for 2014, they were 22nd, against, third, third yep. defense. So he had he had help that year. The year before, they went seven. There were two years they made the playoffs with Jim Caldwell. In 2016, they made it. They were the 20th ranked offense, 13th ranked defense. 
So I, my it was a simple question. You didn't have to do all this research. I'm just saying, did you put the same pressure on Stafford to? But again, do that? I never felt like this. His receiving core was ever Jettis Thielen and Dalvin Cook. Yeah, but Detroit had a good offensive line, bro. At they the still times. went to the playoffs. He didn't. do I know that. he, bro. But there was multiple gaps in between where they didn't make the playoffs, though. I understand that. Like but from a twenty lot of their from twenty eleven to twenty fourteen, they didn't make the playoffs. Twenty fifteen, they didn't make the playoffs. They made it back in twenty sixteen. So. It was a simple question, like you're, because they never you're had, making because you're we're making this solely about weapons. Be, but football is winning is much more than just the weapons, though. I, That's what I'm saying. So you're you saying, have Jettas, bro, you have Thielen, you, bro, you have they, Dalvin Cook, and you have the 24th ranked defense in terms of points no, allowed. I'm not, like, I'm not disagreeing. On. Last year was I'm, a 29. Again, if if we go back to how this originally started, I'm just saying you are if you are just putting pressure on Kirk because of the weapons. I disagree because football is a team game, like. He has a 29th ranked defense and 24th ranked defense this season. If the defense was top 15, okay, I'm like, yeah, Kirk ha- has to have some pressure. If the offensive line was great and not bad, okay, he has to have some pressure. That's why I mentioned the Stafford thing because he was on a team that, yeah, you had weapons, but he had didn't, weapon. Yeah, you, you had you had a good offense. You had good offensive linemen. You had a good tight end. You had a serviceable. One. You had <laughs> there you go, serviceable. bro. bro Seven hundred yards for a tight end is good, bro. Yeah, it's good. Serviceable. You had the best wide receiver in the NFL. Correct. If you ain't put that pressure on Stafford, I don't know how it's fair to do it to Kirk when he has he won 11, a bad. He won eleven games twice. He won eleven games twice, and the second time he won it was the they had a third ranked defense. Okay, it wasn't because of the it, offense. His first full season, and it wasn't because of the yards. offense. It wasn't because of the offense. So the I'm first saying, time they did it was because of the offense. I, bro, I'm from the perspective that, yeah, you don't put pressure on Stafford. I never expected Stafford to go out and win with a team that You projected was Minnesota devoid. to win the division. So there was clearly expectations for them. Yeah, and I just named you all the losses they had that weren't due to Kirk. I understand that to a degree. However, there's I still mentioned, I just to mentioned be, four game-winning drives. there's still moments within a game that are not just the game-winning drive where he can dictate the game. It doesn't necessarily just have to come down to the last few plays. It doesn't. Just come down to the last few plays, but in the last, in the last, in the bro, in the last drive when you're in field goal range and then Dalvin Cook fumbles when you have a chip shot field goal, wasn't that like a a controversial one? Also, it was. Yeah, how is that on Kirk? I'm not saying that it's on Kirk solely. The game winning field goal, which is like a 30 yard field goal, Greg Joseph missed. My point is, to a certain degree, do we have to look at the offense that he's playing in? and expect him to win a game or two more. That was my whole question. That was it. And he could have. And it, the, the games they did lose, the one or two more they did lose, wasn't because of him. He right. put that offense in position. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's fair to to expect Stafford to win year in and year out, with even if he had Calvin or whatever, with that roster. That's, all, that's the only question I was asking you. And I answered correctly. I just didn't think he had the weapons that Kirk had. I mean, he had a better team, though. The defense, defensively, definitely, no doubt. Defensively, oh, third doubt. from 24th, yeah, third from 29th. No, for sure. There's a big difference. For sure, man. Both years they made the playoffs in 2014 and 2016. They were a top 10 defense in the NFL. Yeah, man. Well, no, the second year, the 2016, they were the 13th ranked defense. So top 15 defense in the NFL. So, yeah. So what does that mean about my guy Stafford? Let's just take a look. You can end the show. We'll talk about we, it after. We were so close to that two and a half hour mark to do the Patreon uh, questions. Aren't we at like 345? Yeah, we're almost four hours deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's why y'all said, oh, if we get to 230, I'm like, yeah, for sure, for sure. So that's going to do it for episode 160 of the Pick Aside Podcast. Like, you so can bad. follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. 
Thank you guys for watching and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, this is Al Galdi from the Al Galdi podcast. In case you didn't know, the show that you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand its team podcast network and business operations. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand its sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash blue wire. That's wefunder.com slash blue wire.